All right, welcome back to the Couch Command Podcast. With me today, I have Isaac from Lobster Magnet Reviews. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, I also have with me MJ. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me back. And also an old friend, DJ, who is a part of the Hashtag Show, correct? Uh, not correct, actually. Hashtag is, I, uh, I haven't been a part of Hashtag for a while, but um, you I, may know me from the Power Region community. Uh, you may yes. know, um, I'm an actor, I write and direct Bloodline of the Grid, which is a Power Rangers sequel with Christopher Kamen Lee, who is Andros from the original show. Uh, just a nerd. I'm nobody. No, uh, I would not say that. Uh, can I say who you're the stuntman of? I am the body double of LO Cool J on NCISLA. Sure. Oh, nice. Nice. <laughs> That's not can, nothing. Can I ask you something, though? Is, is that like, a, like a, your full time career, or is that just kind of like a side gig? We'll put it this way, man. Like anybody who lives in LA who say they don't have like a main put the roof over their head job, they either lying or they're lying. Uh, <laughs> entertainment is like the main pursuit. But at the same time, like, you know, I, 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 I do what I need to do to put the. Put, to put the lights on, you know what I'm saying? It's not even a big secret. I'm actually, I'm actually a corporate recruiter, if anything. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Uh, so, like, cause I, I always kind of curious, like, that seems like such a hard job to get to be the stunt double, because one, you got to be stunt training, and two, you got to look like the fucking person. So, so it seems like uh, the the ultimate kind of profession where it's just like, if you don't have the right look, then you're you're fucked. Sure, sure, but also I have to give my 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 credence and my my love to the stunt community. I'm actually not a stunt person. I'm a body double. It's a little bit different. So ah. the look uh, comparison is a little bit more specific with body dub- doubling. Because okay, so essentially in any any production, um, I don't care if it's TV shows, uh, unless it's like a, a sitcom type of situation, but yeah, like a primetime show, TV shows, movies. There's always insert shots. Basically, let's just say the pacing isn't as good because we want to see the character walk across the room and we didn't get that shot with the main principal type of thing, right? They'll yeah. have a body double and most of the time, 99.9% of the time from the neck down, that'll be your uh, the body double. Like the body double go over there, pick up the phone, go through the go through the files, blah, 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 then transition out. They'll intercut that with the main A plots and then flesh it out, you know? So if they didn't get a shot or if it's like a pacing thing or it's just like, ah, damn, we forgot to get the, you know, we forgot to get Todd or LL Coach, sorry. If we forgot to get LL, uh, go over there and pick up a phone, you know, they'll use me type of thing. So it is important to look like them, but like the stunt community is so specific. I got to give my love to them because they train, like one of my my closest friends, John Tiang, man, he trains like seven days a week and I don't know where he finds the time. Standing. Uh, yeah, I, I've always known of body doubles, and uh, because I don't know anything about the industry, like I always assumed it was like emergency situation. We need a body double, but uh, like, well, the you're describing it sounds like this is just a regular part of like how you create. Yeah, so it's, it, it's typically a second unit. Like first unit is uh, the main principles, and then second unit they'll, they'll do the pickup stuff or like the insert stuff or the the backup stuff. Second unit can also be B roll, or you know, let's say the crew is on site. You know, they'll send a uh, second unit to the studios. Well, and they can do movie magic with anything, man. But they'll, they'll literally take like a a sandbox and then insert a beach scene if you just light it and angle the camera just correctly. Like it's actually real fascinating. Like you can make the most out of like a four by four space. Awesome. So, do you wish you were his body double for Deep Blue Sea? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Let me to be able to. Okay, you know what? Just he to be able to say, yes, he did survive I, that movie. I mean, listen, I was proud of the man. Okay, he, he beat the odds. 
He beat the well, odds. Well, here's a question I'm kind of curious. So you got your day job. You're a corporate recruiter. Um, what do you do when they're like, hey, we, we need you We need you now for these these shoots? Uh, is your, like, day job, like, uh, you know, responsive? Like, we understand you, you can go out now? Or, like, do you have, like, an understanding because you're, you're living in Los Angeles and everyone's got, like, an entertainment side gig? Or does that kind of, like, get put you in a tough spot? Oh, dude, that's such a more than fair question and an excellent question. And to be honest with you, um, like I've been I've been in LA for like over ten years at this point, right? A lot of navigating, a lot of uh, checks and balance, that kind of stuff. I've been fortunate enough to navigate my trajectory to where, like for instance, for the longest time, I was a property manager, and you know, basically, I was collecting rent, overseeing the building, that kind of stuff for a management company. That allowed me the flexibility to be able to, okay, set my hours, you know, maybe uh, put a little bit more time in this day versus that day, take off for um, an audition or obligation, that kind of stuff. So I was able to make that work to my advantage for the longest time. And then eventually the opportunity to become a, a corporate recruiter or a recruiter and then work my way up also um, gives me the a lot of time to either work remotely, set my hours, things like that. So a lot of that is, you know, happy accidents. A lot of it is, uh, uh serendipity a lot of it's just like oh man luck right place right time networking with the right people right opportunities presenting itself that kind of thing i mean that that story or the age-old tale of like hey i'm I'm busting tables while trying to make this work because you know that's kind of the hustle i mean obviously that's like archaic at this point because like we're in the age of social media and just like kids doing everything from their home and tiktok and everything right you can make money walking dogs or mm-hmm. walking the dog, walking the dog for the person who walks the dog. You know what I mean? Like, like there's all types of odd jobs here. But we're also talking about the city, the city that has like you know dog yoga and beer yoga and every type of yoga you can think of. And you know, there's always a super super food every other week. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, I, I'm um, really glad to have like the uh, you've actually been in the biz. I, I I've been wanting to get more people like that on the podcast so that we can get like information and knowledge of like what a person in second unit does and all that. So thank you for joining us. This has been a while coming. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, pick the brain and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to nerd out about all the things. Speaking of that, what have you been geeking on lately? You want to start with me? I feel like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> oh yeah. I, uh, yes. I hey, girl, so we can it. all get to know you better. Uh, sure. Uh, I recently, funny enough, we were kind of talking about this before I hit the record button. So I recently saw Avatar, way, mm-hmm. way, way, way of Water. I enjoyed it. I think uh, I think it's very, without going into spoiler territory, I think it's very successful in character investment. Now, depending on the consumer, is it going to reinvent the wheel? No, but it's probably one of the prettiest movies I've ever seen. Like, mm-hmm. cinematically, it is polished. Uh and there's also times where I'm like over here just like, how did one person, and mind you, there's teams on teams on teams. I mean, that's, uh, and I don't know if we're going to talk about this on this podcast, but James is able to do with this that George Lucas, it wasn't able to do with the prequels, which is like create this big, which you know is computer generated, but make it breathe. You know what I'm saying? Like really give it that, uh, that weight. And, um, I don't know. I enjoyed it. I don't know if it was like ten years worth the wait, like amazing, but I really, I think it's, I think it's worth the watch. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm a big characterization person, though. You know what I mean. So with that, if I'm invested in the characters, I'm in, kind of thing. And MJ, you saw it too. What's your thoughts? Yeah, yeah. And uh, to DJ's point, I do agree. It does go pretty heavily into the characters. It just, it probably could have been about half hour, forty five minutes shorter. 
my main question is, uh, so he's like supposed to. He like I think I saw Isaac. You mentioned this in your in your video on this. Um, him being like the master of sequels. Um, so my main thing is uh, world building. Uh, did this movie kind of blow up the world more so that you're aware of a bigger universe that should keep going incrementally? I thought it did so incrementally. I mean, the the majority of the movie is spent with, as you can see in the trailers, is spent with the water tribe. And it, it was good getting a good immersion into the water tribe, their way of life, and each how all the characters interact versus how the tri- the forest tribe that um, Jake and Natiri had come from had interacted. So, I mean, to that point, yeah, it was a, it was it was a lot of uh, good narrative spent on that. But the the final third of the movie with the big action piece that just kept going and going. Even one of the characters at one point is like, I'm tied to the railing again! And I was like, good, you and me both. You and me both. And, I mean, it, to DJ's point, I mean, it is one of the most beautiful movies I've seen. The, the visuals are actually the next level up from the first movie. I mean, Cameron has spent that time wisely and well. Yeah. yeah. And, it's just gorgeous to watch, and especially in 3D. If you guys go see it, you need to see it in 3D, because the first movie was still easily the best 3D movie I've ever seen. This one supplanted that as the best 3D movie I've seen yet. Um, and the, the action scenes that Cameron does in this movie are even more kinetic and fluid, and it's just a joy to watch. Yeah, man. 100% agreed. Um, I'd argue if like the first one... Is like Brazil. This one's like Hawaii. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, the same planet, but two different, completely different fields. You know what I mean? Right, well, obviously, right. part of Brazil you're in. But let's say Rainforest Brazil or whatever. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's consistent in the sense of like, you know, one of the biggest critiques of the first Avatar is that, you know, it stances with wolves with like, you know, um, blue blue Thundercats. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But a little so, bit of the Ferngully thrown in too. Yeah. And Ferngully, correct, right. Or even some people to an extent say Pocahontas, like, sure. But it's not a complicated story, but it's presented very pretty. And it's it's kind of the same thing with this one, where it's not a complicated story. Again, it really isn't. It's very simplistic by nature. But its execution is consistent where if the first one is like, okay, this is the story we want to tell, but let's see how much visual stuff we could cram into this that hasn't been done before. Um, I'd argue this is kind of the same thing. Um, yep. And, and and that's kind of what I meant, and piggybacking off what he said, that's kind of what I meant by it's very clear that it's coming from him, but how did he do this? Because some of these sequences are so massive, but still so fluid. It's so well done in terms of execution. And as somebody who's dabbled into, you know, who who, who has directed and who has a, a overse- oversaw a production or, you know, a, 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 a project, that's even with all the hands on deck, it's so well-crafted, you're never really lost in the sequence. There's never a point where you're going, I don't know what's going on. I will say that. Yeah, um, I think also in Isaac's video, um, the, the, he, he mentioned how like how well uh, James Cameron made the geography of the battle uh, work out with the bad guys always facing to the right and the good guys always facing to the left. And like seeing it play, I was like, oh, "Holy shit!" Like it's such a clean, simple thing. I would have never picked up on it, but yeah, I never got lost in the action. 
in, yeah, yeah, James. Yeah, Cameron. that was that was from the Patrick Willems video, which was a very good recommendation, by the way, Isaac. Thank you. Um, I'm glad that uh, yeah, liberally uh, took that to point it out. But I, I think it's a really good point. Uh, but go on. But yeah, um, but the action isn't as clearly directed this time. I mean, it's, uh, there's so much going on in the final third of this movie with the big final battle that's going on, and I mean. It couldn't really afford to have that kind of uh, what's the term I'm looking for here. That consistent of a polarization as far as which way who is looking versus who. I mean, there's a, there's just so much going on in that final third. And well, it's it's also less uh, lines drawn in the sand to where directional because there definitely was moments where bad guys were coming from the left, good guys were coming from the right. But at the end of it, you know, you're going from civil war lines drawn, you know, dodgeball style to I don't know, die hard, which is like, okay, now we got to get out of a situation to get to a situation while this situation's happening to get to, to get to another situation, you know? So uh, it, yeah, it's, 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 it's chaotic by nature for it to be like lines drawn in the sand. That's true. Yeah. I mean, they still had that polarization as far as helping to frame the scene, uh, frame the sequences. And so he had a good reference point to start each sequence. I guess that's true. Well, well yeah, here, yeah. He, here's an interesting question to pose. Since it's interesting. We're, we're divided like humans and Navi, those who've seen it and those who haven't. Um, would you guys say that like the sequences in way of water is better than what you'd get in the typical MCU um, action scene? You start uh, um, to Patrick Willem's point. Yeah, it's still far more, far more clear, far more compelling and far, far easier to follow. From a narrative perspective, I mean, the MCU is just action spam to upon action spam. I mean, camera. I mean, to well, the the point that Patrick Williams made in his video. I mean, very little is wasted as far as the narrative and the action sequences when it comes to Cameron, and that stays consistent with this movie. Yeah, I, I'd say a hundred percent. Yes, uh, the. I mean. Here's the difficulty I feel like as a, as a consumer, as a, as people who watch CGI on a regular basis now, when you know that's not physically built, it's it's always automatically like, oh man, that CGI is really good. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's like the Navi, no matter what, the proportions are always going to be a little bit like, okay, they look kind of weird, you know? But uh, some of the close-up shots and a lot of the the setup, the world building, the uh, the the set designs, period. Uh, some of the uh, the machinery. Like basic machinery makes you go, wow, that's pretty cool. You know what I mean? And I think uh, James is very, very successful as far as giving everything weight. Like you right. feel the impact. And uh, uh, something with the MCU, especially now, is you don't really feel much. Like it's a spectrum, yeah. but you don't really feel the gravitas of it. You don't feel the uh, the uh, the substance of it. And uh, you know, you, you could argue that's a a pacing thing or a directing thing or. Uh, just a utilization thing like a lot could be happening and you could walk away just being like nothing unless you have like the emotional uh execution of it as well you know there's certain things in this movie where there, it, it does it doesn't it doesn't shy away from taking slow moments and you know also to his point like a lot of it could be cut down because a lot of it was just hey look what we can do underwater Let's make this beautiful. Like, there's we we explore the beauty of 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 nature and and the forest and trees. Let's really delve into the beauty of water and living in the water. Like, the the, the title is very accurate in way of the water. Put it that way. All right. Um. One, the one other question, and then uh, we gotta move on. Uh, how? Oh, so like, I remember like reading all like the news of like where he wanted to take the franchise, 
And how much are other planets been introduced? Like, are we getting interplanetary, intergalactic at all? <laughs> I think it's no, just it's all still, Pandora. Yep. Oh, oh yeah, okay. That was that, Pandora. That was yeah, what I was looking forward to most. Because I remember him saying, Man, there's other planets and stuff like, okay, more planets, more aliens and spaceships. Let's do this. But to it's a Pandora fair, story. To be fair, I mean, I thought about the world building in this one a lot in terms of because I, I think one of my friends like walked out saying like, man, they're on the same planet. Why wouldn't you know about the way of the water? I'm like, dude, if you lived in the Sahara Desert all your life and then finally saw the ocean for the first time in your life, you may treat that place like it's foreign. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the world is big enough. I mean, as much as we're interconnected because of social media and, and technology, there is a lot of room to treat one planet like it's foreign segmented sections you know what i mean you can't have like a desert section of pandora you can't have uh you know um again this one's more like the 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 islander version of pandora you know what i mean and and you can still feel foreign on on your own planet so yeah he could probably boom it up to to have it more interplanetary but it's i think there's a lot of like breathing room in terms of if you have a different section of that planet that you've never been to before you may have to learn about that section and that culture it might be an asian it might be an asian more um asian uh derived version of pandora who knows that um that uh that is a bummer for me like i like my intergalactic stuff but i can t- i definitely understand that like it makes sense to not go wild like the, there 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 are people who all loved uh, Avatar at that time, and to suddenly make it more than like about the Navi, and maybe even less about the Navi, which is kind of what I wanted. I wanted them to be still a, a section, but then like, what other as cool aliens are out there? And that's just probably getting way too unfocused. So, well, know. you never know because Cameron was planning on another four sequels after this. So. Is it four? Mm-hmm. I was wondering. I remember, I remember yeah. hearing three, but yeah. Oh, sorry, five. He, he planned five, but he said yeah. that if this one didn't make bank, and from all the reports, this movie has to gross $2.4 billion to break even. even. Um, he was not going to go beyond Avatar 3. Did they do a good job of locking up the story, or did it make you create way more questions about like what else is outside the frame? I personally would say it works as its own movie. Like if you right. continued it, you continued it. If you didn't, you didn't. But same thing with the first one. Gotcha. And that's yeah, probably so a great this, way to do it. Yeah, the end of this one definitely screamed sequel. But um, I don't know. Some of the contrivances they had to perpetuate some of the story elements just felt a little stretched. That's why I'm kind of favoring the first movie over this one personally. But all right. I don't um, know if this was Scream sequel, but there are un, untied ends. I think there's like one main untied end, but you know, Scream's a loud word. I mean, you you could you could you could leave it by itself. Um, DJ, uh, have you been geeking on anything else? Have I been geeking on anything else? Um, what did I binge recently? I know I watched something like all the way through. I don't know. Does Wednesday count? Yes, it does. All right. Well, I definitely binged Wednesday recently. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's definitely like CW, but I get it. Gotcha. <laughs> well, it, yeah, yeah, definitely, go- definitely young adult. Um, my my view is going wild with uh, Wednesday love. It, it seems Dude, like. Take a, 
Sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Oh, and I was just going to say, uh, it seems like Wednesday's like trying really hard to be like Harry Potter, the new Harry Potter for people who've disowned J.K. Rowling. It really is. <laughs> it really is. I, I call it like Gilmore Girls meets uh, Harry Potter meets the Adams, and I'm sure there's a couple other tropes in there. Um, Ortega completely carries the show, though. I mean, she yeah. does such a fantastic. I mean, it's it's very clear. Um, I don't know, because there was a couple of directors on hand, too. It wasn't all Burton. And even she's made comments as far as, like, the different directing styles was a little bit jarring. But she, in every scene, is very, very drawing. Like, you are drawn to her. You are um, drawn to her her gaze and her eyes. You know, she's she's very clear. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it was def- like it was like the second episode. I was like, got it. Love Triangle. Um, like, which is... Is she famous now, or is she famous from something else? She was in uh, something she, else where she played like an ex-girlfriend, and I forgot what it was called, though. Yeah, she was in the movie X, is the other thing I saw her in, but she's been a uh, big horror movie uh, actress for the last five years. Is she that uh, old? How old is this girl? Uh, she's 20. Yeah, yeah, I was like, she's fairly young, yeah. Yeah, my friend's uh, daughter actually did the now meme-famous dance Listen, I feel like that dance was enough to like make that show a hit, and it doesn't take much. I mean, unfortunately, that's kind of today's like culture where I don't know, dude. You're talk- you're also talking to like a person who's like, I'll I'll hear when something like a show is like really successful, I'll get late to it, and then when I watch it, I'm just like, hey, it's fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> and no, but I mean, Wednesday is 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 good. It's entertaining. It's not amazing by any means, but Ortega is freaking great. And are we are we able to cuss here? Or do we not cuss? Yes. Okay, but no, she's fucking great. Like she's 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 amazing. Um, I, I mean, it's not about them, but you know, I'm, 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 and I have nothing but love for the dude. I really do. But uh, homeboy that plays Gomez, kind of tough, kind of tough for me, man. Yeah, I, I hear he um did not do good delivery of his lines, but like it's, it's like everybody in the world loves that guy, and he's I can great. see why he got hired. Yeah, he's amazing. Like he's 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 a good solid actor who i don't want to say anything bad about yep. it's just more you know i'll just say it this way uh raw julia left really big shoes as gomez. oh yes we'll just we'll just say it that way without putting Luis guzman down it's just that gomez honestly reinvented the charisma and i mean say what you want but like the the fantastically awful iconically cult followed street fighter it's yes. so much better because of him. You know what I'm saying? So I don't know. I, I, one thing I, I feel like I was missing from the show is that, and again, this is more like a, um, an, a, an execution uh, director's choice and writing, of course. But the, those little quips where the Adams have like those weird kind of kink fetishes for, for the weird torture and the deranged. Yeah. They're all saved for Wednesday and not enough with the family. You know, there's situations where where Tish and Gomez could have been really, really like, okay, that's weird love. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was barely there. Well, they were all, so to be fair, they were also barely in the show. They were around a little bit for the pilot, and then they were around for that one episode when Gomez was arrested. But other than that, they, they were non-existent. No, no, I'm with you, but that's just it. That actually kind of stresses my point even more. If it was somebody, let's say, like Raul, Raul uh, doing uh, doing that part, like, don't get me wrong, they weren't given a lot at all, but that's just make, that makes their dialogue even more important. Like, there's there's mm-hmm. a whole uh, sequence, I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but, you know, uh, Gomez is talking to Wednesday, 
in more of a jail situation. And that was the moment to go like, there's Gomez. You know what I mean? Because there was a little bit of back and forth where um, where you could, you, the quips were there. I mean, it's written to be there, but you felt nothing. None of the zingers. I mean, it was all Ortega that kind of had those moments of like, you know, I'd rather put daggers in my eyes and I'll probably do that anyway. So I'm like, okay, that's weird Adam's humor. That's some shit they would say. Mm-hmm. And they, like, uh, go, you're right. Oh, Gomez and Morticia was barely in there, but the little bit that they had in there was more like, could have been like, oh, there they are. But it was just like, not there at all. Yeah, Catherine Zeta-Jones did fine. She, she it was, was great there, to right? see Gwendolyn and Chrissy get the chance to shine after, you know, being kind of put in the back, especially by Star Wars. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Absolutely. She was fantastic. She was fantastic. Her. Her and Ortega uh, carried the move. Uh, carried the show. One hundred percent. I have to admit, I kind of appreciated uh, Fred Armisen's Uncle Fester. I thought he had a pretty good episode there. It was solid. <laughs> I agree. It was. It was a solid inclusion. My. My only main Adams complaint was not not the show itself, but like Adams' complaint was literally Guzman as a. Uh, as as gomez and i understand he looks more like the the, the comic book like he's more like shorter mm-hmm. stocky whatever whatever it's just the charisma i mean and, and yes the argument can be made he made it his own but his version was very low speaking and not rememberable i think i think like um from what you guys are describing since he was in there so little they like he's like the perfect name that you want associated with that role like everybody loves louise guzman so all right, and then like since he's not you know going to deliver the Raul Julia level of it, it's okay because he's only there for like two episodes. But you got the name recognition. Uh, supposedly, supposedly they're going to be featuring Morticia and Gomez more in second season. So I guess we'll have to wait and see what uh, Luis and Catherine learned from working on the first season and see how they expand on it. And put it All this right. way: you say yourself that you want some name recognition, and yet. It's not just me. We're, we're not the only ones talking about him not being a strong performer. Like, it was evident to a lot of people. Mm. A lot of people are like, not my Gomez. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not that deep, mind you. It's not like, oh, burn the, burn the whole show down, mind you. But, you know, that was like the one place where you're just like, the Addams Family hasn't been done live action in a minute. Like, I know they had a few, like, animated attempts and stuff like that. And in every version, the, the, the quirks are still there. Like, when you're Wolverine, you're Wolverine, right? I mean, you'll never be Hugh Jackman, but, you know, there's certain that makes you Wolverine kind of things. Guzman was like the only one where you're just like, ah, damn, what happened? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, uh, hopefully he will take uh, the criticism uh, well and bring it, bring the pain next season. Yeah, yeah hopefully. All right. All right, well, MJ, that's if they get a second it? season, because you never know with Netflix. <laughs> Wasn't it their most this, successful this show? Highest, yeah, I'm like, this is the most highest grossing show they've ever had. And that's what I mean about like things going viral because the show's fine. I don't know if it's like breaking all the records worthy, but you know, we like what we like as a culture. Like we we make shit successful. And obviously I'm speaking on obviousness there, and that's been that's that's the rule of thumb. But we really made the show successful. And I'm pretty sure it's huh. that dance. That sounds like it speaks to uh changing of how things used to go where like the culture would go, Oh my god, Firefly is so good, us canceled. Don't you we don't give a shit what you guys think. But now, like the uh, Hollywood does bend toward like public opinion on what we want. Um, I mean that's always been true. It's, I mean, obviously, success is success. I mean, mm-hmm. put it this way: it doesn't critical acclaim is not enough. I don't, I don't know if it's ever really been enough. But well, let's just say back in the day where 
artistic integrity and saying like, oh, this person can act or this person's a star, this person carries the scene. That matters a lot less, but popularity is is prominent more than ever. 110%, you know what I mean? It could be mediocre and be good. I mean, th- that's in every facet of entertainment. That's music, that's movies, that's um, creative. Well, people still read them. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? So we make the, I mean, dude, I think the show you is fine, but we also like glamorize a stalker and I'm over here just like, really, this is what we're, this is what we're celebrating. I mean, Hmm. I mean, the guy does a really good job, but that's what I mean. Like every so often we just have like stuff that becomes huge. I mean, stranger things, arguably we like tropes. Um, but Wednesday is perfectly okay at best. And the actors were all right. If it wasn't for or- Ortega and uh, I think he, I, I think having Christina Ricci back was a nice little passing of the torch. Yeah, even though supposedly her and uh, Ortega never traded notes on Wednesday, Ortega was supposedly just did the entire thing without any tips or anything from Ricci. I believe that. I believe Making that. Her own. Oh, go ahead, man. I'm sorry. I'm talking a lot. Go ahead. It's okay. As I say, like it's a good thing to make her own. But yeah, we should move on to the next geekery so we can get to star wars um mj uh what else have you been geeking on oh uh, not much um leading up to uh seeing avatar i decided to revisit the entire filmography of uh, mr cameron which yeah. included finally seeing his first movie that he directed ever piranha 2 the spawning but wow. not a galaxy which one was your favorite of the uh cameron uh, uh filmography um, still Terminator 2 with Aliens a close second. Um, can't, argue, can't, can't argue with that. Yep, yep. Um, I forgot how great the first Terminator truly was from story writing and plotting, let alone from direction. Um, Titanic. I think you're miss- yeah. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think you're missing one movie from his filmography that uh, a lot of people don't, I don't think, know about. Galaxy of Terror. Uh, he was a cinematographer on those two for Corman, so he didn't actually direct them. I think was uh, almost Battle Beyond the Stars, and what was the other one? It was um Galaxy yeah. of Terror. Galaxy of Terror. That's it. Yeah, like um, when you look at the the background, like a lot of like the what's good and big about uh, Galaxy of Terror is just it's very much uh, James Cameron. Like you can see certain shots and how he built them. And then he's like, oh, I'm going to take this over to Aliens. And then you can, like, see it again. So we should review that one sometime. But yeah. But, like, um, yeah. Um, what would you also feel about his body of work? Well, it was interesting to watch it, you know, um, develop over the years. I mean, you can tell that his uh, confidence in himself and his, confidence in his ability to advance technology with each successive movie has just got crazier and crazier with each one. And it, it'd be nice if he would learn to make a movie that was less than three hours again. But, um, because <laughs> the, the part of his identity at this point. Yeah, yeah, but you know, like, it's exhausting, especially when you marathon him. <laughs> oh, 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 oh yeah absolutely but it's almost like a quentin tarantino movie is like you kind of know what you sign up for i feel like that's what it is for, for for cameron where and credit to the dude where i feel like nick nowadays you're not really able to take time off and like lose relevance you know what i mean like back in the day you could have like a hit disappear for like a year and like still be huge because of mcu being like the new standard for like entertainment it's so easy to pump out nowadays to the point where you know even the visual effects artists are complaining about it being overworked like a lot of them want to quit 
like they're pumping out, but a lot of them are so forgettable. While this guy, you know, people like him, Scorsese, and and Tarantino at this point are like, you know, kind of conduct drawing their sands in the in the line or lines in the sands where, like, we want quality, we want the effort, we don't want it pumped out. But anyways, that was, I digress. In um, I think that, also that, good. Yeah, that's what's kind of interesting is. Um, Cameron's, you know, Cameron put out his first seven movies from 1981 to 1997, and then just in the last 25 years, he's only put out the two Avatar movies. Right. So, <laughs> and what's funny about the first Avatar is he originally had wanted to make that right after he made Titanic. He originally started trying to do a spin production up in 1999, but he decided, he figured that none of the studios would cough up the half-billion-dollar budget that he needed for the movie, so he just held off for 10 years. Uh, I was going to say, like, it's almost like the, he's, he's him, Tarantino, the last of the big directors. Uh, I almost feel like they've earned enough goodwill that they can make the three-hour movies. Because, like, you know, when's the next time you're going to be able to see one of their movies? Like, I when it comes to Tarantino, I'm like, take as much time as you want. I just want to yeah. be here for he's as long only, as I can, because I don't know how he, long it's going well, to well, he keeps on threatening that, like, the next one is going to be his last one. So yep. we were always kind of, like, uh, a little bit wary. And that's what kind of gives him all of his indulgences, which makes me a little sad. I always wish that Tarantino, he, he's always the, like, what makes him so special is that he's great at, like, taking things that tr- people discard as trash and schlock and sort of mm-hmm. ele- elevating it to a higher level of craft. So I always wanted to see him either do, like, a straight-up horror movie or do, like, a sci-fi movie. Um, well, he was supposed way, to do Star Trek, so yeah, but that's not happening. Yeah, that was anymore. never going to happen. <laughs> that was never going to happen. I'm no. sorry. Like the way he does anything, no one who wants Star Trek would let him do his craziness. But um, he did also mention how, like, even though he's doing one last movie, like the bug of directing will never leave him because he's like, uh, yeah, one last movie, but I'll do TV shows. I'll do TV shows. A, yeah, he has a series coming up, doesn't he? Wasn't uh, just wasn't that just announced? I I I saw like a uh, recent interview how like he has it written and so like he can get away with like making his mini movies as many times as he wants in a TV show so we won't be gone with him after he loses uh we won't be losing him after he's done with his last movie. Well, well there's but always like just... oh, sorry. No 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 that's all you Tony. go for it man. Oh, uh, I, I, then I love that you finish your thought. Um, but like the thing with Tarantino is that like there's always a Tarantino watch. Oh, I'm going to do Kill Bill three. Where uh, what you call it, uh, Pam? Uh, what you call it? The girl's daughter comes after Uma Thurman. Yeah, <laughs> he's always spitballing so all these bad. ideas. But like, I guess the frustrating thing is that like he's never quite sure what he's going to commit to because he's always I'm going to do a play. I'm going to do uh, the film criticism book. I'm going to do this thing. Uh, but half of those things never come to fruition. Uh, Brothers prequel. <laughs> I am fiending for a, a Kill Bill, Kill the Bride. Uh, I'm, 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 I, I always wanted that last one, but when when we lost David Carradine, I'm like, ah oh, man, yeah. I, I don't, I don't know if that's even because the 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 setup is so. I love those characters, man. And again, I think that's the successful. Uh, that's when something's really successful. I mean, obviously not necessarily cr- critically successful, but. Most of the time, when you give a shit about these characters, like those characters were very iconic. Like the, mm-hmm. the, those assassins were very specific. You know what I mean? And again, not a complicated story, but interesting. Very interesting. I mean, you got to know each person from the uh, the, the the snake gang. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whether it was Copperhead, whether it is what it was that person, and you know, you you got to know what the vendetta was, and then you did end up with like little BB at the end, and and Vivica's daughter at the end. I mean. 
and even like like dude you don't have to know anything about japanese swords play then you're like hattori hanzo sword i'm like yeah that's yes. the shit yeah i want, I want one of those <laughs> yeah. we should of, uh up for me in japan please the hey, main thing he doesn't appreciate his action sequences from the first kill bill i have no hope yeah. for them those are just we should oops sorry. unreal yeah 100 yeah, percent. we should definitely review a quentin tarantino movie but uh let's keep moving on isaac we've been geeking on uh, I'm trying to think, well, I just saw Andor, so we're going to talk about that, uh, oh, yeah. in depth. Uh, I have a lot of thoughts on Andor, a lot of interesting, conflicted thoughts that I can't wait to get into. Um, this whole time I've been thinking, like, I'm sure I'll probably think of, like, two or three things, uh, but I've just been, like, super annoyed. I was, like, rushing to get this Avatar video out, and it's doing abysmally, and I thought I had a good thumbnail. Ooh, James Cameron, and he's going to be in Hulk mode and smashing the MCU. That'll get clicks, but no, it just completely... I've been sharing it around, too. Because um, it's, it's I, I hate the algorithm. It's worthy of it. I don't know how this shit works, but yes. Well, th- thank you, Keith, for watching it and giving me that sweet, sweet watch time. So I- I've just been kind of, like, lamed, and I always get, like, that bummed-out thing. Although, uh, for, for DJ, this will be interesting to you. I'm working on a video about a, a corporate recruiter, uh, how a corporate recruiter reached out to me about working at uh, G4. Uh, <laughs> and the interesting discussion I had with him as the network was on the verge of collapse. So that's cool. almost done. That's okay. going to be very interesting. I, I hope it does well because uh, the discussion I have with a certain corporate group recruiter is like the kind of like wild shit that you never see happen very often. Um, can you give us a hint as to some weird? Was it weird? Uh, well, I'll just say this: like I, I asked him very directly about like the 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 controversial Frost situation, and he he kind of like gave me a very high flutin answer, and then I'm like, all right, motherfucker, you you're gonna give me this, and I'm gonna give you give it right back to you. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't want to ruin the, the the big thing, but the, there was like a very specific link that I had that con- contradicted mm-hmm. all of this sort of speak, and it's like so so. All right, so if, if you're talking about equitable workplaces, then what's so equitable about this? And then he ch- just kind of had to like tuck his tail between his head, his uh, legs, and admit defeat. Very much looking forward to this. That's gonna be cool. Uh, Did you record what, the it- conversation? No, it was all it was all through link, it was all through LinkedIn. So I, you know, I, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna oh. be sharing. I'm gonna be sharing my DMs. All right. Well, if you need and, somebody to dramatically voice the uh, recruiter, let me know. Well, thank you, for, <laughs> thank you for the offer. But I already had, I had someone to do it. But, uh, gotcha. uh, so that'll be coming eventually. Uh, of course, you've all heard me. Uh, you know, I hate to be a broken record, but Chainsaw Man keeps on continuing to kill it. You get any further, Keith? I did. Um, what episode? Last you episode. I've seen uh, Power and um, <laughs> they're in the bathroom together, and he's okay. just about to cop a feel. Uh, so, so what you, how's it holding up? It's not all guts and gore and misery, right? Um, it's really good. It's uh, the animation looks rotoscope sometimes. Like they move so fluidly, strangely organic. Yeah, there's definitely uh, some, some some rotoscope going in there cool and um yeah i'm digging it uh it's just that like i think my my tastes currently are um with needing my 80s uh face opera sci-fi with a dirty pair which i'll talk about in a minute but it's it's growing on me and also i saw a super eye patch wolf he freaking exploded all over it so usually his reviews also get me jazzed to watch even more um but i'll say what's keeping me from it is that 
uh, I guess like right never like I said, like my tastes change over time and what I want and uh Whoa, realistic hello. proportion not, like yeah, yeah, well, I think it's like what did, uh, I think what, what, what did right, you say right you now in anime. Sorry, can you hear me now? Uh yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. So I was gonna say like um I guess like when it comes to what my taste right now, what crabs grabs me is um more hyper stylization in the character designs versus the very uh realistic proportions of the characters. It's my taste currently. That's all that, I'm saying. That, that's me. interesting. Um, so that's why you kind of like it was a little bit more easier to get into cyberpunk edge punk edge runners because exactly that's a little bit more stylized. But I, yep, I, I guess the point I was going to make counter argument is the, those devil designs are, are pretty freaking crazy. And the action uh, choreography and camera angles during the action, how it flows, how he explodes across the screen. Uh, yeah, it's freaking rad. I can see why uh, everyone's loving it. Um, and you haven't but, even got to when the shit gets real yet. You got another episode or two before it gets real. <laughs> uh, oh, and you damn. better you better get to the one of my favorite moments, which is the result of the boob grabbing, which is I think is what kind of really separates it amongst from other like you know etchy things. Where it's like, oh my god, I, I, I'm gonna close, I'm gonna touch the boobs. Oh my god, I found your boobs. Oh. Ah! <laughs> no, he uh, so so far like he's going against it with um how he's continuing with it because like I expected like that the moment where he earned his touch. Uh, where he would go, you know what? I'm good. And then he'd like walk up to his son and she'd like him more. But he's like, fuck yeah, I'm in. Um, well, well, let's still do this. He's still excited. So you did see the scene where he, though, he has like that existential dread, though, where he's like, ah, was this it? Uh, am I just going to be disappointed with life? This wasn't as good as I thought it would. Uh, nope. Oh, oh, did, you didn't see that? It stopped like they like uh, I expect uh, it stopped with him in the bathroom and like he didn't he d- it didn't happen yet. All right. Oh, damn it. Oh, so you oh, haven't one seen other that. Thing. Uh, really quick question. Um, why does arm fly off? Like, like there, there's like there after a fight, and like I think he's getting ready. He's like, yay, and he's doing a clutching motion. Then his freaking wrist explodes off, and he's like, ah. I think like, the the leech the, the leech devil like shot him with something off screen, uh, presumably with some power you didn't quite see. Gotcha. Cool. Uh, it I- is good. All right, so I'm eager to get into Star Wars talk, so I'll keep it short. Uh, but yeah, getting that Chainsaw Man train, I'm so glad I got MJ on board. Demon, dun, dun, demon, dun, dun, demon in the name of devil. I swear, if it wasn't for watching Terminator 2 and having Guns N' Roses displace it, I would still have the theme song from Chainsaw Man on repeat in my head like it has been for the last four weeks. I can't stop listening to that track. So I am good. ashamed. I am ashamed to say I have not seen it yet, but everybody I know has been hyping it up, and, and this might have been the one that tipped the scale. I might have to do a binger. Uh, yeah, it's on Hulu hi, and Crunchyroll. Highly recommend it. Uh, the savior of anime is here. Uh, get it on the train before you get sick of it. And since you're a big Tarantino head, I will say that like Fujimoto, the creator of Chainsaw Man, is the Tarantino of manga. Oh shit! All right, sold. I'm in. I definitely. Saw a Reservoir Dogs reference. Oh, oh, I was about to say, like, one thing I did appreciate. Uh, sorry to cut you off, brother. Like, no, no, um, you're, you're, I know the intro has mad film references, which I appreciate. Yeah. They did a side by side, and you know, there's videos on videos on the side by sides, but like the entire 
opening sequence is like nothing but iconic film references from Reservoir Dogs, from uh, Big Lebowski, Big Lebowski, Chainsaw, from, uh, what you call it, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like it gets ladder, yeah. I, I like I love that. I, I I love that that type of pop cultural ex- exchange can be yeah. artistically even like uh you know leaned into like that. Like I love that. I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for like art art, art just artistry taking the time. It, it bleeds cinema and MJ. I certainly hope you read uh, Goodbye Airy, which is also another uh, Fujimoto love letter to the power of film and uh, look back is uh, one shots. My list. Um, uh, and what I've been geeking on? Uh, yeah, your your turn. Sure, if you want to. Right. It's your show, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Um, something I passed up that I watched a while ago. Have you guys, did you guys, anybody watch uh, Day Shift with uh, Jamie Foxx? Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. Loved that movie. Um, okay. Yeah, I, it brought back, um, I've been missing uh, good martial art action movies for a while. There's just like a way and style uh, that they do them that um, I just haven't been feeling as hard lately. And Day Shift brought it back. Uh, the actions and like, you know, you get to follow like the almost like math of the fight playing out and get shocked when the punch comes in. We don't expect it to come into um, outside of the fight sequences. Good movie or not. Cause I, I would, I'll agree. Like it has some of the best fight scenes I've seen and please go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. Um, yeah, I'd like to hear what you think as well. Um, I would say very good. Like when it comes to this level of movie, it is how well the action and story work together. Not so much like giving me a, a moving uh, higher level of storytelling. Like the other thing I want to uh, geek about is another show, a movie called Nemesis, which is like so many action sequences in a row that it blew my mind. And but I wouldn't say that the story was like you know groundbreaking. But what do you think, DJ? Oh no! So I'm not I'm not trying to like rain on your parade or or, mm-hmm. or rain on your thoughts at all. Um, I thought it was perfectly fine. Like I would never say it's like a bad movie. And not that dude. Like not all my taste has to be like oh it needs to like I need to connect to it. I need to. But you know I need I need I need a little bit of something to like make me give a shit. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And and the sequences are really well done. Like I actually several points. I'm just like who directed this shit because it's really flowing you know what i mean like the sequences are very uh and not to mention like the uh going back to what you know what i was saying earlier the stunts man they were yes man they're breaking their bodies just and giving us some practical physical executions of these of these of these of these um um falls you know what i mean yeah they Uh, made me shout out loud I, i i it's been a while since i got to experience that kind of fun with watching action sequences where i go oh my god like there's like a a chase sequence where this motorcycle's yes. like side by side and then suddenly is gone because it crashed into something. I jumped. I it's been a while since I had that much fun in like modern cinema. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. what you get when you get a stunt coordinator who directs it because uh, JJ, what the heck's his name? Uh, JJ Perry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, JJ Perry. He's a he's a longtime Hollywood stunt coordinator, and he he this was his first uh, directing gig. So nice. he, it definitely showed it. This is you're talking about Bullet Train right now, right? Nope. Uh, no, it's called Day Shift. Uh, Jamie Foxx. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the vampire, vampire, vampire movie. Vampire movie. Yeah, um, yeah. I saw the first five minutes of it. 
Yeah, I really want to see a Nazarian Brothers spinoff from it with Scott Atkins and Steve Howey. Yes. They definitely need their own spinoff movie from this. Maybe have uh, Snoop Dogg show up again as Big John. See, that's just it. Like, I I thought it was fun. Yes. But I also thought, but here's the thing. Like, outside of those action sequences, I thought the movie was super forgettable. Like, I did not give a shit about Jamie (laughs) Foxx. It could have been ended. I'll be real with you, man. No, he's a picture winner, man. You're supposed to care. Come on. I mean, honestly, I should have said that for like off off the air and be like, yo, culture first, like, no matter what. Then off the air, movie was trash, bro. (laughs) But no, like, it's like the sequences were really dope. Like, and, and I cannot take that away. I did not give a shit about Jamie Foxx, but it also might be because like, I think Jamie Foxx is really talented. I think he absolutely mm-hmm. deserves his award for Ray. I also think he's not necessarily the best actor in the world. That's just okay. me. Because he, to me, he always plays like when he's not playing a character type. Mm-hmm. And this, this argument can be made for a lot of actors uh, like Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel's always Vin Diesel. The rock is always right. the rock. Yada, yada, yada. At this point, Keanu Reeves could just say hi, and you're like, I love him. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but like with, with Jamie, he's not Vin Diesel. He's an actor, actor. You know what I mean? And I just, gotcha. I, I just did, did not give a shit. But also, uh, complimenting what you were saying about the the director being a stunt guy, I feel like that's amazing. That uh, I think more more stunt people should have opportunities to 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 create. I mean, obviously, they don't. They're not all great narrative directors, but like for instance, Chad, uh, what is it, uh, Stelinski? Who, uh, who did, yep. Yeah, yeah. Who did John, who does John Wick? Yeah, I mean he he he's known in like doing doubling stuff. Like he, I think he doubled for like Brandon Lee, um, mm. stuff like that. You know what I mean? So they mm. they have that eye. They have that. They have that execution. There's this one dude. Um, I knew him back in the day. We've lost touch now, but uh, his name is uh, oh, what the hell's his name? Cohen. Uh. Um, I'm, I'm gonna get persecuted for that later. But basically, he used to he used to have like these short stunt films back in the day uh, called Thousand Pound Company. Uh, he, went, he went by Rivenex. It's, it's gonna kill me later. Chris Cohen. Chris Cohen. He did such a. He has led that trajectory, but hasn't quite made it to like the main director's seat to the point where he was one of the second unit directors for The Kingsman. And he was also one of the second unit directors for Shang-Chi, which honestly doesn't get enough love for some of its action sequences because it is so bogged down by all the CGI. <laughs> uh, but, but specifically the sequence between, um, you know, the Mandarin and Shang-Chi's mother, which is like very crouching tiger, hidden dragon, very, very, you know, uh, kung fu, very, a little bit wire work, but it's, it's a very beautiful sequence. I'm, I'm done. And... Yeah, I guess, I guess like for me, I was swept up in like, this is like schlock exactly that I want. Um, so I, I mean, like, I'll agree, like, I'm not really rushing out to buy the DVD or, or listen to the commentary, but, uh, yeah, for the action that I've been dying for for a long time. Oh, the action like, was great. Yeah, that, that just nailed it for me. I just um, didn't give a shit about Jamie Foxx. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I guess like, so I also like, I like Jamie Foxx. So I'm just like glad that the I wanted to see him in stuff that I want to watch. So, but so, I get he, that like you know he didn't explode the screen like they Wesley Snipes in in like the first Blade and and make a like an, an immortal character that I'll always remember because like a yeah fun movie. I don't it's think, a really fun movie and I don't yeah know I don't remember I the character's put, name yeah exactly that like I just I don't even know who I would even put in place of Jamie Foxx that would make me go like oh yeah that's the guy I just mm. I just didn't give a shit but the yeah the, the, was the star of the movie was the director to me. Yeah, hundred percent. All right, and then um, when it comes to well, DJ, I got to ask you as a professional, um, and uh, can I just say you have a wonderful voice? I I love your deep voice. Um, (laughs) 
so who do you like better though as a leading man, uh, Jamie Fox or Will Smith? It feels like Jamie Fox like tries to be like more of a traditional actor and has more range, but you know, Big Will at least when he brings it. But it also feels like Big Will wants to be more loved and frequently does things that are outside of his range. Uh, first of all, I appreciate the, I appreciate it, man. Uh, you have a great voice yourself. And then second of all, um, who do I like better as a leading man? Um, I honestly say Will Smith, but, you, but uh, I don't know. I think I think Will Smith is a better has a better uh, character delivery. Um, I think I think he I think he does certain work that um, I think it's interesting that you say that uh, that uh, Jamie. Jamie takes more goes outside of a how'd you how'd you say it he, he goes outside of his range or how'd you say it yeah he he does like Will Smith like it always feels like uh, almost every other character with a few uh, you know Oscar grabbing exceptions are just like variations on you know the Will Smith uh, blockbuster you know I'm Big Willie I got big swagger um, you know I, I'm gonna uh, put enough slang to feel cool and hip but never like step outside of a mainstream comfort zone where like, you know, uh, Jamie Foxx will do things like Django Unchained and he'll do Ray and he'll do like more uh, varied like comedies and dramas than Will Smith who, who just wants that like mainstream appeal. No, I feel that. And I feel like that's a, and I, I respect the opinion. I feel like the, the big Willie I'm cool guy is the charisma. You know what I mean? Like his whole, rise to fame had to do with cool guy you know what i mean and he was fortunate enough and obviously he, he worked very hard and strategic enough and you know all the uh the things in between in terms of like bad boys he was big cool guy um independence day was like big like oh man look at the black guy fight for us you know what i mean <laughs> and uh and he punched an alien you know what i mean and one-liners it's like so he, he that was part of his rise to fame, but and then you know the like hitch. Hitch was just like, oh man, swag it, swag it out. You know what I mean? Still, you know, big sexy on, on, on the block. But no one can tell me shit about like um uh pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and even um what was the one he did with uh Oh Girl, it wasn't as, as critically acclaimed, but um Margot Robbie. Suicide Squad? Oh. No, no, no. No. Oh, that was another one he did with Margot Robbie. Uh, that's but, true, though. Yeah. That's true. Um <laughs> Yeah, what was that movie? Oh yeah, I forget that one. Um, yeah, it's, it's whatever. But um, I honestly, <laughs> but here's the thing too with like Django Unchained, and I, I feel like I'm like shitting on Jamie. Focus. Jamie is so fucking talented. Yeah, you're right. Um, but no, Jamie is so damn talented. Like he is like he's an amazing musician. He he is a good actor. I don't think he has. His, I don't think he has the same type of charisma. And I don't think it's just like the cool guy thing. It's just like maybe it's a natural charisma. Maybe it's a a camera com, uh, charisma. And those two things aren't the same. They're really not. Like how you tra- and here's here's acting one on one for anybody out there. How you think you translate is not the same way the, tra- the, the camera translates you at all. You could think you mm-hmm. could do any role, and if that camera doesn't, and I'm not talking about like a good director, whatever. It's just more. There's something about the way you're portrayed on camera. It's the same reason why we get enamored with with uh, with stars that we've never met because they're portrayed in a certain way. Then you meet them in person, you're like, "Oh crap, not the same at all." <laughs> but like, right. there's a there's a certain charisma that Will Smith has on all of his roles because he takes the time. He studied with some of the greats, you know what I mean? Um, and again, like Aaron Spicer, you know what I mean? Like he he continue continues to cro- like to hone his craft. Where I feel like Jamie Foxx might have gone outside the box, and all the credit to that man and all the success to that man. I feel like some of his roles were either risks or because 
you know, it was available at the time. And not all roles are taken because they're great. Django Unchained was written for Will Smith, period. Like, whether people know that or not. I, J- I don't Jamie, think did. Yeah, Jamie, Jamie was lucky to get it after Will Smith said no. Oh, and Will Smith said that? no. Will Smith said no because he straight up said, actually, Django ain't even the main star. Oh, my God. That doesn't you know make I mean? sense. Like, the, the, no. the, he would, like, mean? turn down a Quentin Tarantino movie. Well, keep in mind, Will Smith also turned down The Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, yo, we he didn't know The Matrix was going to be The Matrix. We know who, who is he going to play in The Matrix? Sorry. Uh, uh, Neo. He, he, Neo. Was Neo. he was supposed to play Neo originally? He Neo? was originally supposed to be Neo. That dynamic as far as, like, you know, you know, surrogate father and Morpheus and da 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 That was supposed to be Will Smith and then Trinity and all that. Yeah, that was... That was that was supposed to be Big Willie. And then they kind of made up for it, quote unquote, by, you know, bringing in Jada in the sequels. But like, nah, I mean, and, but, if, but Will goes on, on, on record saying like, nah, I would have fucked it up. Like, um, Keanu Reeves was the right choice. Like, he is Neo. Like, he is the right choice. I would have fucked it up. But there was, my mind could not wrap around the concepts. And I love the world of the Matrix. Like, I love the world of the Matrix. Like, even people shitting on, like, the, the second and third one, like, I, am I like, love the Matrix. The fourth one, we don't talk about it. But, <laughs> Great. but, like, yeah, no, nah, I mean, Will, straight up, uh, I can't think of, uh, who was the, I'm gonna look it up real quick, who was the Django's boy, like, his partner, the guy, oh, the guy uh, with the crew? Christopher Waltz. Uh, Christopher uh, Waltz. Yeah. Who was fantastic. Who's fantastic. But, no, Will Smith, uh, straight up said he read the script, he thought it was dope, but, he said Christoph Waltz or Dr. Dr. Schultz, he's the star, not Django. And arguably he was right. Jamie Foxx was just the black dude holding up the, 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 the agenda. But Christoph Waltz, man, he killed that role, man. Oh, my God, yeah. he's so good. All right. And then Sam right. Jackson, he murdered. Like, Sam, Sam Jackson, Sam Jackson. I mean, Leonardo's Leonardo. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie Washington's Carrie Washington. Definitely need to do some Tarantino talking on this podcast because, yeah, I, I, I love this movie, so... Um, let me finish up my geekery and then we'll move on to the state of Star Wars. Yay. All right. And then, uh, let's see, uh, two quick things I can go through quickly. One of them is another action schlock uh, movie, uh, Nemesis, uh, done by Albert Pune, who has recently passed away. Uh, I like was raised on his movies, uh, way earlier than I should have ever watched it. Um, Sword and the Sorcerer was my favorite of his. I have the poster of it in my living room. Um, and like he's just the master of like eighties cheese. Um, Nemesis is like someone saw Terminator and the Road Warrior and set it in like just before the apocalypse LA where there's this rise of the androids and people who hunt them. And it like it, it like action sequences happen so hard and so often that usually you would save how hard they went for the middle and last action sequence, but every scene kept on like exploding into this big action set piece that it was, is just fantastic. And I don't see that in movies anymore. Uh, I can't recommend it highly enough where you have guys in sunglasses and, and long trench coats and, and guns with sights on them <laughs> and fighting androids. God damn. It was good. No, um, it got me sold. I care. Yeah. Sounds like man. the matrix beta edition. Oh, yeah, uh, Albert Pune, like you find any of his movies and you're going to have a good time. He's a weird, fun guy. Um, and then lastly, the anime that I've been meaning has been Dirty Pair, 
uh, from the 1988, I believe. And what's blown me away with that is the animation is a fucking astound- astounding. Um, a hand-drawn, hitting a level that I just don't see anymore. Um, the humor always hits because their main running joke is, don't call them Dirty Pair. They're the lovely angels. Lovely angels. It's very funny. And like the action set pieces are... Um, they, they, you can tell they also were in love with 80s action movies and like the one-liners and like once again like the detail of animation of like every frame is just astounding and I just love how well it holds up against like anything in modern entertainment so Dirty Pair I recommend okay going back to that awesome. all right old anime say again oh just going back to that uh 80s anime keech Yep. Um, after I finish this, I'm going back to City Hunter, which is also crushing it with um, 80s anime, that animation style and, and detail and craft that's just on another level. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to stop recording so we can save this. And on the other side, we're going to rock it out with the full breadth of everything Star Wars from past to present and where we think it's going to go and our experience through it and DJ the disappointment with what they did to Finn. <laughs> Why'd you call me hot on that one, man? Oh, uh, you know, I don't know. Just, you know I'd, I'd say something. And I then, no, I'm, with, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> all right. And then um, I'm going to keep talking because I forgot the command that I'm supposed to click to stop it, which is probably just slash stop. Found it. All right. See you guys on the other side. The Clone Wars have begun. In this time of need, why do we hold back the Chosen One? Whether or not he is the Chosen One is still to be determined. As Master and Apprentice struggle with the dark side. You're no Qui-Gon Jinn. More and more systems join Count Dooku's army. The city is under attack. Leaving the Jedi Knights caught between the Separatist forces and a Republic that is slowly becoming an Empire. Now is the time to launch our final operation. Let's end this battle, Commander. We have to go, now! Defend the city, we must. I won't fail you. Don't fail yourself. The Jedi shall fall. Tsunami presents the Emmy-winning micro-series all in one shot. Star Wars Clone Wars, Volumes 1 and 2, next Saturday from 7 to 10 p.m. Impressive. Most impressive. May the Force be with you. Only Tsunami. All right, and we're here on the other side for the main event. Um, okay, so to start, I just wanted to get like everyone's kind of like feel and background of Star Wars and what it means to you, and like, yeah, just a general like take. So for myself, um, legendarily, it is the first movie I ever saw in the movie theater. I was born in '77, so I was kind of wondered how that was possible, and uh. It was later in life that I found out that the movie stayed in theaters for like two to three years, and that's how I was able to see it and remember it. Um, I'm old enough to remember actually watching the Christmas special as a little kid. And <laughs> yeah, growing up through, and then like years later when I mentioned it, it sounded like I was making stuff up in the internet age hit, and I was proven right. And I got like a videotape of it, and me and my friends were going to make an evening out of it. And we couldn't last more than like 10 minutes. We were like, okay. Really? Okay. Oof. Yeah, we, I, I gave it glorious. I, I worked <laughs> so hard to get that tape. And then I, after like we were so disgusted, I gave it to the first person who could take it. 
No, <laughs> you should have kept it. It's a collector's item. Yeah, yeah I know a, now. It, it, it was rare, man. It's vintage. It, yeah. it might have been something precious, but like we were just disgusted. We were like, okay, I never need to see this ever again. Please take this away from me. A quick thought um, on that. Um, it, it, mm-hmm. I found that watching that is a lot easier to digest and actually, I don't want to use the word enjoy, but absorb it, is if you actually have some idea of 70s 70, 70 surrealism, surrealism film. Okay. Because like, I watched um, Hodorowsky's Dune like a few months before I finally watched, sat down and watched the holiday special because, you know, everybody, oh, the holiday special, worst thing ever, Lucas has disowned it. Nobody mm-hmm. likes to talk about it. it it's... It's interesting as hell that that was even aired on television. It, it's it, it's an interesting little pocket in pop culture because you watch that and you're like, who thought this was a good idea to air on television? It's very yeah. Simple. It's very I, as, it's as a little kid, like all all your all my parents knew was that, and like I said, like I was what maybe two or something, like the three. Like your parents knew, hey, Muppets on TV, cool, and I was like. Hey, Muppets on t- and like I don't remember much else, but like it yep. just was, yeah. They thought it was also like my mom. That's why she took me to see it, uh, the first Star Wars movie. She was like, yeah, she always loves telling the story. I thought this was a Muppets thing, <laughs> and then all this stuff starts happening. <laughs> so that's why she took a little child to see Star Wars. She thought it was gonna be a Muppet uh, movie, and uh, yeah. Um, then, like, also, like, I, I love that, like, I, I, I got the perspective of what Star Wars has meant through the years. Like, what Star Wars meant right after the first movie was just uh, exactly what I'm watching in Dirty Pair. Like, when it came to playing Star Wars as a child, uh, Star Wars didn't completely mean, like, especially to mean robot uh, Jedis and robes, damn it. Um, it. It just it awakened in, like, so many people the idea of, like, stepping onto a space stage with your friends and a ship and a blaster at your side. And that was star Wars. And yeah, I, I kind of miss how open it once was versus how much as the years have gone on, it, it's been grinded down into certain key images. And uh, yeah. Um, so like the, uh, the tr- original trilogy was the awakening of imagination to me. Uh, like maybe get into fantasy books and all the anime and stuff that I like the prequels came and I saw the first one in theater no less than six times. Uh, it <laughs> was a visual orgasm because uh, I, I it had been so long since I'd seen lightsabers at all that it was I an was time. It was like God, time. yes. Like we we'd have like just gather around my buddy's computer um, over and over just watching the that trailer. God damn! And so then, you like, didn't see the special editions in the theater. Uh, we did. We did. We went and saw those, and and laughed at the part where, uh, for some reason, they add a shotgun sound to Leia's blaster when she uses a blaster. Did you guys that notice was, that? That was your takeaway from the special edition. <laughs> um. Yeah, that was well, that, and um, they fucked up the Return of the Jedi line where uh, um, Lando is in the Sonic pit, and he goes, "What? I thought you were blind." And Han Solo goes, "All right, trust me." And they change it to, it's okay, I can see a lot better now. Like, ah, It's like nails across a chalkboard. And no one complains about that line. Greedo shot first. Greedo shot first. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, come on, bro. No, I mean, the, 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 all the other ones that everybody also hates, I like to hate it too. But they're like the, the small weird things like 
like uh, like a blaster will start sounding like a shotgun while Leia is holding it, and you're like, why would you do that? And the line in Return of the Jedi, they, why did you change that? He didn't need to. But yeah, what did you think about uh, changing out the Emperor and Empire with uh, Ian McDermott? So it was uh, in line with Return <laughs> of the Jedi. Uh, I didn't notice it for a while because it looked right, but too clean. Um, but yeah, I've, I've since gone on to finding my despecialized edition. And yes. so like, if I ever watch my star Wars, it's clean. I don't want any special whatnot. I'm fired. Yeah. yeah. But I, I do remember like the crowd went goddamn wild when we saw job of the Hutt show up in, um, a new hope. Uh, See, I, I still can't call it a new hope. I still call it star Wars. I just, yeah, I can't. I, 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 oh, I really, oh, it's turning green to me. Wow. It's hard for me to do that. Cause now everybody goes, which one? <laughs> so, yeah, but yeah, it was once just Star Wars. Back in my day, wow, no, for sure, walking with Titanic. Just what was that? No, no, good, no. So, okay, and then like the finally the Titanic disappointment of the universe winding up the punch by a light year, and me running at the speed of light into that punch. Of me thinking the sequels were going to be the greatest Star Wars we'd ever seen. Um, I had read the tea leaves. I was like, the problem has been George Lucas. He's been holding us back. Without him, everything's open. And we're going to see so much new stuff. And it's going to be amazing. Oh, my God. There's going to be a black lead. This is going to be the greatest movie of all time. I was the first person in line. Like, I had, I brought, like, no less than 20 people with me. <laughs> and after it was over, and people looked at me like, so what do you think, Keith? I was like... That was pretty good. That was pretty good. And then the floodgates opened, and I was like, oh no. Oh god, no. They're writing him out. They're writing Finn out of the story. And then the social backlash on social media of an avalanche of, why are you a sexist, Keith? came crashing down on me. And damn, the sequels were their worst movie experience I probably have ever had. So, next, I'll go with. MJ, what's your path of Star Wars? Uh, I'm kind of the same boat as you. Uh, it's been ever-present ever since I was born. Uh, one of my earliest memories was going to see Return of the Jedi in the theater, because I'm not a... Back when I was still calling Star Wars Star Wars. <laughs> Back my day. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I grew up with the original trilogy. I watched the first movie basically every day. I went over to my grandma's house for when she babysat us for a few years, and Every chance that Star Wars was on TV, I was sitting there watching it, playing with the Hoth playset and the Emperor's throne room playset, and all had all the figures. Even had Luke's X-wing until my sister flew it into a wall and broke it. Um, yeah, and I was excited about the special. This is like, holy crap! I get to finally see the first two movies on the big screen. I never had that chance before. And yeah, you know, like we were talking about the changes that Lucas made. Yeah. Um. I've never really read the comics. Uh, uh, the only books I've read were the Thrawn trilogy, which oh, still the greatest. Um, yeah, those were an event when those dropped, man. I was in Cloud Nine, man. I had a good time with those. And I know a lot of people disagree, but that's still the true, still the true sequel to uh, the original trilogy to for me. A lot of people um, are wrong, then. Yeah, but and um, yeah, I was same thing with this with the uh, prequels. I was first line saw the first one at least twice, and I was like, yeah, "This is pretty good." Unfortunately, when I saw the 
first prequel movie, I was kind of approaching it as, oh, this is going to be the next evolution of Star Wars. It was a kid's movie. It was a through-and-through kid's movie. I didn't realize that till the last couple of years that that's the way I should have approached it. Um, Attack of the Clones. Better than I remember it, but I'm sorry. Hayden Christensen still can't act his way out of a pa- wet paper bag. Um, <laughs> and I know you're a big Hayden Christensen fan, Keith, so I'm, I'm trying to be delicate with it, but... Oh, no, him, I'm not... Uh... I'm not sure if I describe myself as a big fan, but I've definitely very much come around to liking, like, um, uh, my friend's son, uh, he, he's like my squire in geekness, and he broke open to me why you can love the sequ- uh, prequels, and I was like, well, like, what the hell? And he's like, no, we love it with the faults included. Like, they see them, I'm like sequel fans, I see um, prequel fans see all the faults, all the derp of Hayden Christensen, and part, and that's part of the love, and that's why I've come around to appreciating him. Yeah, and after seeing the sequel trilogy, you appreciate the cohesive, overarching story of the prequels yeah. as opposed to the sequels, which was just whatever the fuck that was. You know, chucking spaghetti <laughs> at the wall and seeing what sticks. And I was so mad that they readjusted my hierarchy of Star Wars because, like, part of why I was like. Just so uh, the sequel's coming, like, we've already hit rock bottom. It can't get worse than the prequel. So all we get is either better than Star Wars or as good or just a little. We can't lose on this one. And wow. Wow. Yeah, I, yes, I, was, I, I was excited for when Disney bought them out and was like, yeah, we get to have new Star Wars and something beyond the Clone Wars. Because the Clone Wars was already going at that time when uh, Disney bought them out. But, um. Yeah, I, I'm still very on the fence about whether or not that was a good move. I mean, Disney's had some highs, but oh, the lows. Oh, um, lows. real quick, I, I, the how horrible the sequels were. Almost, I'm I've not made my call yet. Might have been worth it for how fun me and my friends have. How much fun me and my friends got as a result of how bad it was. Like. Before the sequels, um, when I went to YouTube, I wasn't seeing lore channels or passion for Luke Skywalker um, or like lots of videos about like spaceship designs and whatnot. But after The Last Jedi and how they trashed Luke Skywalker, I have never seen more love for Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker. Like uh, uh, sure. something we said a long time ago, and like I think the Star Trek podcast was that we end up having far more fun and greater conversations on the bad ones than the good ones. So the bad might have been worth it? Uh, there's there's things to appreciate. I'll put it that way. Okay. MJ, keep going, though. Sorry. Wor- wor- worth it! Uh... <laughs> we'll get back there. We'll get back down to it. But yeah, uh, uh, MJ, you're still talking about your path? He's muted. Yeah, MJ. Okay, you still there, or did he uh, maybe um, some, can, can, just in case he has to tear something? Um, and we can come back to him, uh, DJ. Tell us your path. My path to Star Wars. I feel like my earliest memory was probably my cousin's toys. To be honest with you, and I remember he had like the Kenner toys, and I feel like Star Wars was just always on, whether I, whether it was at his place or at my place, just because mm-hmm. you know that's that's what you do. You put on movies you like. And, but it wasn't until like I was in middle school where I really, really sat down and appreciated like, oh, laser swords and that's his dad and Han Solo's a dashing rogue and Chewbacca 
can barely run, you know, that kind of stuff. And, um, for me, Star Wars at, at its prime is always the photo of the Grauman theater where everybody was lined out. You know what I'm saying? And that was even before my time, but I missed that, that Hollywood phenomenon, you know, by today's standards, it's like a, it's like a, whatever, a local event off of Melrose Boulevard. But the impact that Star Wars has had culturally is undeniable. You know, people dressing up like cosplay is common now. People dressing up and speaking nerdum is is common now. But that was one of the big sparks to to that to that to that love. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not the first thing. That's not the first thing that started by by any means. You know, obviously Star Trek was around, Flash Gordon, a lot of old school stuff. You know what I mean? But um, Star, the, the impact. What's up, man? I was going to say, like, it's what I say, uh, uh, to what you're talking about right now with uh, the impact it had. So, like, from my point of view, um, since, like, I was, I've been in Star Wars since I was born, it was always just a normal baseline of what things should be. And it wasn't until like, I was an adult that I talked to, like, some older guys who were there when it happened. And they let me know that, no, it's that was far. The, you, we just weren't able to see it and experience it, like. They they had seen something completely new and it blew everybody away and like yeah the, right. the cultural shift that it had done and and with the the what's considered normal nowadays like we don't really get I mean maybe like the first Avatar movie that was like such a visual spectacle but it's hard to get that oh man that experience that I've never mm-hmm. had before right that 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 next stage because you know we're we're arguably desensitized and spoiled yeah. with all the technological advancements right. So for me, Star Wars, my love for Star Wars is specifically the impact. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, of course, uh, it, it, it's a love in general when I was going like all my life. And then I've seen, I, I absolutely saw the special editions in a, in a theater. And I love the editions, to be honest with you, minus the Han or Greedo shooting for, uh, first thing. Uh, I love the world building. I lo- actually did really like uh, Ian McDermott uh, as Palpatine back. You know what I mean? Because it did bridge that for me. And honestly, I, I'd, I'd argue that the improvements on the uh, uh, the Cloud City and opening up the, the 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 walls was some of the best editing and utilization of that technology that uh, I could appreciate. You know what I mean? It's, and it's not like I'm such like a I'm, I'm such a technological hoe where I just like I need like no more visuals. But you know, connecting it to the the prequels is, is nice. And then you get to the prequels, and bro, I'm with you, man. That hype was real for me, man. <laughs> Star Wars was back. Every every saga has a beginning. I remember the trailer, bro. I remember the first <laughs> text saying every saga has a beginning, and then you see a double lightsaber, and it's like, is that young Obi Wan? Are they doing flips? Is was that a what? What's that big generator in the back? And you know, this is like the last fight number and stuff. And the music, yeah, and on all of it was just like, oh, dude, this is Star Wars is back, and man, I. L- I loved it so freaking much. It's not a great movie. It really isn't. But I just remember being so excited. It, it still probably has the best lightsaber sequence of all time with Qui-Gon, Obi versus Maul at the end. It, it just so, so well-crafted. You know yes. what I mean? And, and, and Duel of the Fates playing over it from John and, Williams. Yeah. And Duel of the Fates and, and just the... And they do a fence. Like, the, the fence are always mentioned in books. But I, they, I, I rarely see them in any kind of action ever, ever. But like, I just there's like it's a small part. But like, freaking uh, Hugh McGregor does a head fake jump at uh, Darth Maul, and then Qui Gon attacks. God damn, that fight was good. Yeah, and it really gave you a sense of like 
Jedi's working in tangents and there's this the, the symbiotic relationship of master and apprentice, you know, like, you know, Qui-Gon goes high, Obi might go low, and you know, that type of not as choreographed uh moments like that head fake. And probably one of the few lightsaber fights where there were like punches. You know what I mean? Like like freaking Qui-Gon backhands ball <laughs> down his shaft or something, you know what I mean? Like it was it was a it was a great fight, but anyway. So the, the 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 episode one, I was in love with Natalie Portman at the time, and then she just never aged. That was the bad part. <laughs> like I just remember, yeah, Queen Amada. How how are those two going to get together? Kind of weird, but whatever. Um, and there's a lot of hindsight I have now, right? But the hype at the time was 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 real. Just just to get to episode two, and then I remember getting to episode two. I remember thinking it was fine. Like it was it was fine. Um, I'm glad we're here. Um, and then episode three has a special place in my heart just because it was the best out of the, uh, the prequels in my opinion. And then I of course asleep. that was, um, that was not because it was bad. I, I think I, I saw it the wrong time, but I, I felt so terrible that like I'd gone so far in life to see the final film and I actually fell asleep in the middle of it. <laughs> you are, you are dead to me. So anyway, so I, I honestly, um, just the culmination, like this is, this is what it's all was boiling down to. You know what I'm saying? The culmination of the bridge. Like, mm-hmm. how did we get to star Wars? How did we get to a new hope? You know what I mean? I probably watched it at least three times in the theaters. Just, just because, you know what I mean? I just didn't want to let it go. Um, fast forward, fast forward. I know I'm taking long, but, uh, no, please. And then, you know, we get to like the, uh, skipping a lot of details here, but, um, you know, Lucas tried to keep it going with the clone wars and I can appreciate that effort. Cause he actually financed a lot of it out of his own pocket, as opposed to outside producers and stuff. But like, that was his, his love to, to expand it in clone wars. And honestly, I, I to this day, I'm like, why didn't we get that Anakin in the movies? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's the Anakin mm. Skywalker that becomes Darth Vader. That's the Anakin Skywalker that can be a bad eyes known Jedi that fell. I I've been I've been saying that for years that the Clone Wars that uh, Matt Lanter played in or the Anakin that Matt Lanter played in Clone Wars that's the Anakin not Hayden Christensen that you see in the movie because I can't empathize with that Anakin at all. Not I'll go as far as to say oh. I think Clone Wars is the best Star Wars thing ever made so far. Although DJ, I got to ask you though, um, yes, what, 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 are you um, what, uh, what you called Gendy Tarvowski uh, Clone Wars or uh, <laughs> Difaloni Clone Wars? Listen, I, I appreciate the. Uh, uh, how do you say his name? Uh, Gendy Tarvowski. Uh, give me the first name, my man. <laughs> Gendy. Get get Getty. Uh, Gennady. Gennady. Like Gennady. Gennady I with a G. I thought I, I thought it was something weird. Yeah, so Gennady. No, I appreciate it. I mean, it, it was very much. I mean, listen, I mean, arguably that was our, our era's version of like Boba Fett. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, you know, how, like Boba Fett was like, introduced in like cartoon version first. Mm-hmm. And then he was introduced in the thing. Like, Gennady was the one that introduced us to freaking, uh, what's his name? Sash Ventress. Yep. No, not even, oh, well, yeah, her, but no, specifically Grievous. Uh, Grievous. Oh, Grievous. Yeah. Yeah. That was that, that was that big introduction of like, oh, we were introduced here. What's he like in the movies? And biggest so much- downgrade of all time. I wow, love. He was Gen- so much more badass in the cartoon. <laughs> oh my god, he was so good in the cartoon. That scene is he just so classic. Much more badass oh my, that, oh I love that the music and then like you know I will give you an honorable death and you, you have the shaggy um what you call Jedi flipping out. Uh, this dude went into Coruscant, robbed, freaking kidnapped the president. <laughs> <laughs> Grievous. 
You know what um, I'm saying? I mean, I'm like, whoa, he's in the next one? Let's go. And then we get this asthmatic ass, fucking yeah. runaway ass, fucking <laughs> bitch ass, coughing ass. I don't even like the way you sound ass. Like, why are your voice different too, man? I get it. I understand it was explained that you got crushed at the end, but why are you sound stupid? Like, yeah. Wow. Everything That's what I love about people seeing Revenge of the Sith and like, why is that robotic guy wheezing so much? Like, you had to watch the cartoon led up to this. You had yeah. to watch it. And I remember <laughs> when he was Darth Grievous. Oh, dude. Do you guys remember that at all? Curtain Unveiled. That was such a short little... I do, but it was like such a blip. Yeah, it was like... Um, I think it was like in like a, a, a magic card magazine that I was like, you're reading all like, all the leaks of like, What's going to happen? And like, maybe like before they started doing a rule of two, it was like Darth Grievous, Darth Dooku, and Darth Maul. I don't even think that was approved. I think it just went with it kind of thing. But mm-hmm. but yeah, so so you get to the pre- the prequels, you know, whatever. And then, you know, sold off the star to, to Disney. And I, I, I don't know how long this talk's going to be because I have a lot of thoughts. You know I mean? It's one of those things where, you know, good doesn't always equal good. Um, I didn't like it. So doesn't there? mean that. Oh, can you hear me? Now can you hear me now? Oh, okay, sorry. So, I mean, it, I just have a lot of thoughts on Star Wars in general because good doesn't always equal good, and not I didn't like it doesn't mean it was necessarily bad. And mm-hmm. like, there's people I talk to now because um, I know a lot of influencers, and you know, a lot of them are younger, like young bucks, right? And they're in their twenties, and some of them they love the sequel trilogy. Like for them, yeah. that's just, that's just what it is, and a lot of it is compare uh, comparable nature on our on our half type of thing. And there's a certain charm. Um, I forgot who said it earlier if it was Tony or MJ, but there is a certain charm as far as it might be, actually might have been you kid, where you accept it with flaws and all. You know, what yes. I mean, like even though Hayden Chris is I don't think he's the worst actor ever. I mean, a better actor could have done more, but also I will say this as a writer myself, dude, I'm not saying I'm anything, but the writing was not great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like Ewan McGregor was lucky enough to be as charming as he was to be our Obi-Wan. You know what I mean? Like he was like that that saving grace and I, I like natalie portman i think she's a great actress i just couldn't t- to the whole time she looked 16 and pregnant you know what i mean mm-hmm. she never aged up and i think a better actress or a better cast actress because i loved him i loved her in phantom menace i don't know maybe she's just like she's just naturally petite so it just it was hard to take the age um um chemi- chemistry especially when you have like you know 10 year old boy shout out to jake lloyd that boy that boy had a tough life man like yeah. his, his he got bullied in high school i think he finally got diagnosed with bipolar disorder or some shit and he had a really rough career after after star wars which i i hope we touch on in 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 this podcast as well because part of the the bullshit with the with the pros and cons with today's fandom is the toxicity like kelly tran in the sequel trilogy did not deserve the hate that she got and you know it was the 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 shot heard around the world where you're just like oh kelly tran um what's her character's name um uh rose tico Rose, right. Thank you, man. And, you know, she literally got ran off social media just for taking a part and something I'm sure she was super excited to be a part of, something that I'm sure John Boyega was a part, like excited to be a part of. And they ran her off social media just for doing her part. Yeah, so, but I guess, uh, I guess like, uh, it gets, it gets, the, the conversation gets quite serious because, like, um, my main problem was with how Disney handled Rose Tico and Finn. Like, Part of like why she got like the shit she got would not deserve no never go after the actors whatsoever, but like they didn't do anything with her. They put her on the screen and then locked her yeah. away from the actual plot. And like, and like she wasn't a real character. Like 
if they're going to like, and uh, I've seen like what she looks like elsewhere, and like her acting chops elsewhere. She could have been a good act, a uh, good uh, character in Star. That's but fine. Then. They got really then, weird then with how they handled certain characters. That, that's fine. Then bitch about it. But that, that, like you said, it doesn't excuse that. Like in other words, if we don't like shit, then complain like we do as nerds. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That's fine. But again, if it's not your Star Wars, it's not your Star Wars. But it's gotten to the point where if it's not your Star Wars, death threats. You know what I'm saying? So that's. So that's the handling of characters is, is its own topic, but Star Wars has gone to the point where it's so beloved that if it goes against what you love, and obviously that's less, that's just us as people nowadays, anyways. Like, hey, not my opinion, so you're 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 an asshole. But it, it's to the point where just like that's too far, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yes, the mis- also, mishandling of characters for mm-hmm. sure, but like literally, that was like inexcusable on our behalf as a fandom. Like, that's not cool on our behalf. It really I, I, I will say that um, it's not so much fandom as people, because also we know uh, Blake Foster also got the same quite Anakin treatment as he is growing up. It's, it's yeah, people are terrible and it's not cool, and I fully agree. Um, but like, I do think that Kelly could have been saved if like they wrote her character, like if they gave but that's her the reason why we're not doing that. You know what I'm saying? In other words, that, that's I have to stress this. I apologize for interrupting. It's just more like that. Yes. Handling of characters is a universal thing. How they handled Luke, how they handled her, how they handled uh, Finn, how they handled a lot of things. You know what I mean? How even how they handled Anakin to a certain extent. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. There, there's we could always talk about things being done differently and better. Matter of fact, that's most of the fandom in Star Wars. Like, I would have done this. I would have done this. I would have done this. And that's a lot of fandoms, period. But it doesn't excuse, like, oh, well, if they just would have had better characters, she would have been loved. Okay, then she would have been loved. And still not liked by some. But her... Just... Honestly, she was not the worst... There's a lot of things wrong with the sequel trilogy, you know what I'm saying? Like, she was not the worst thing about it for her to get that shit. Uh, I'm not saying... uh, I don't think... She was bad. I'm saying uh, there are two separate, uh, completely separate things. Well, okay, uh, I'm I'm keeping the things separate. Like where I say um, I'm very upset with. Um, so there's poorly written characters, and then there's not trying with certain characters. Like with Anakin, like as um, poorly as he was, we've conceived him being done. Um, People Hayden and George Lucas yeah. were trying really hard to make him good. Right. Versus... And people hated Hayden, my man. That's my point. Like, mm-hmm. it, luckily, like, social media wasn't as big now. It was getting there. Mm-hmm. But people hated Hayden. This is like yeah. the height of social media. You know what I'm saying? This is the height of cancel culture. So I get it. But, like, for instance, and again, sorry to take back the mic. It's just more like one of the benefits now is like, Luke now getting his flowers, right? But he's always got his flowers. Luke was the hero of the story. Luke was the the sword and the sword guy. You know what I mean? Like, he was the quintessential hero's journey of the boy who believed and the boy who saved the universe, who saved the princess guy, you know? Mm-hmm. And then now, you know, and we can talk about Obi-Wan later, the, the series, but now, yeah. you know, you see the prequel characters, now Hayden's getting his flowers. Now people are just like, oh, I missed you, Hayden, da 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 Hayden is not the best actor, but he's not the worst actor. He's not. And the script sucked. But... The, the movies definitely didn't do him justice and they definitely didn't do Anakin justice, but there's a certain charm to it in hindsight. There's a certain charm to it as far as like, you know, like when I think about Anakin Skywalker, I think about Hayden now. Now, the Anakin in the Clone Wars is significantly better, but there's a certain charm that Ewan, Ewan and uh, Hayden did bring to the characters. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. 
uh, whether or not that's the story you wanted to you, you you're expecting to, to to see in the prequels or not i guess what i'm saying is like luckily the response wasn't the same because the the resources wasn't the same but they were shitted on during the prequel times bro and they tried right? to your point they tried um yeah all right well uh, before we get into all that stuff because uh, i got more to say uh because yeah, um, we do need like have we gone to every uh, uh, no, Isaac? Get the Isaac that yet? Oh. Uh, I have not done yet. Um, oh, I, I've just been respectfully uh, listening to your discourse, uh, smaller stories. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's my fault. no, 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 no. That's the whole point of this is to get Indeed. into your, um, you know, your your narratives. Uh, I'm just waiting to uh, chair in the and or. Uh, but um, all right. So my background with Star Wars is um, I remember I was like probably four or five years old. I wanted to watch a cartoon movie. My parents said they I'd really like this, but I, you know, being a stupid stubborn child, I was really angry. No, I want to watch a cartoon. I'm not going to like it. I was really dumb and stubborn and angry. But then uh, the crawl came on. I couldn't read. I'm five years old. You know, I was really angry. But then of that famous scene where the rebel blockade runner is being chased by the gigantic uh, Star Destroyer, and I shut the hell up. It was <laughs> everything I wanted to see uh, as a child. Spaceships, you know, the most iconic spaceship designs. Uh, and, of course, you know, they always love Star Wars from that. I think my background's a little bit more different. I think I'm, I might be the youngest person on this podcast. Uh, not by much, but, like, I'm, like, 36. So I sort of experienced it in the post-movie um, era when the original trilogy was kind of like you just watched it on uh, VHS but I was there for I was super hyped for the prequels uh, was disappointed by uh, by them but you know I've always been like tangentially Star Wars has always been I haven't read all the books but like whenever I'd hear like oh shit I can't believe the Clone Wars would do this I'd track down the episode and watch it like you know that famous episode where like uh, Anakin and Ahsoka meet the manifestation of the force and it's like alright I, I, I gotta see what this shit is up uh, about it, it seems interesting and wild so I would always like come back when like Star Wars would come, uh, you know, kind of like reemerge like this sleeping Cthulhu monster. Like, oh, the Force Unleashed is the most amazing game. It's using this incredible physics-based thing where you can fling around stormtroopers. It's so incredible. Uh, so I would always sort of like kind of like come back and and, and just keep tra- tags on it, keep on pulse on it. Oh, Rebels is kind of lame, but oh shit, Ahsoka is meeting Anakin. Oh, I got I got to see that shit. Um, so. I, and I like many people. What's really interesting is that like a lot of people really want were rooting for Disney. Like the perception of Disney's churned, but like back in like 2012, 2015, like there's this episode of South Park where they like uh, talked about like Disney getting Star Wars, and they, and they frame it in a very positive uh, way, which I, I just think is so funny because uh, of how well Bob Iger kind of like let uh, Pixar work independently, and how well he let Marvel work in. Independently, and Marvel was just building up. They couldn't lose. They're building up to Thanos. Uh, they're conquering the world, and everyone thought that like they were doing the right moves with Star Wars. And the Force Awakens was uh, pretty, pretty well received, at, you know, on conception. But um, and and so was Rogue One. But uh, obviously, the you know, uh, what's that famous Shakespeare quote? Uh, Not as all well in the state of Denmark, or something foul smells in the state of Denmark. Uh, and the state of Denmark was Disney Star Wars. As as we came to the horrible realization that um, J.J. Abrams is a fucking fraud who, who, <laughs> who uh, whoa, 
I, I, I'm sorry. Like, I know this is, this sounds like sacrilege at this point, but I think we've seen him like ruin enough franchises. And, and the fact that like he's great at casting, he's a pretty competent filmmaker, but he he relies too much on that goddamn fucking mystery box without building or paying off in anything. And, and I, I just think it's one of the worst trends that we've seen in entertainment. The idea of like, ooh, ooh, ooh what's what's the mystery? What's gonna? The, the, ooh, who's raised parentage? Ooh, the, uh, as Maz Kanata. Has famously come to um, embolize uh, a good story for another time. Real quick, real quick on on JJ Abrams. Like my first hint that like um, maybe he was not the next Spielberg was when I was saying it out, um, saying praise for him out loud. I was like talking about his movie Super Eight, and yes, yes, I found myself eight. talking about like how he evokes these feelings, and like I was like wait, I feel like I'm talking fake words. Wait. And then, like, I started, like, thinking about, wait, that didn't make sense. Wait, that didn't make sense. What What did I see? Because, like, I came out of Super 8 feeling very, very good about it. And then, like, the more I talked about it, I was like, wait a second. So, yeah. I'll just say this. Like, the ultimate indictment of Super 8 is that he made Stranger Things before Stranger Things came out, and he, oh, yeah. managed, he managed to fuck that up. No. <laughs> It has all the, the the formula of fucking Stranger Things, all the aesthetic shit um, that, that people love. Sense. Yeah, and, and uh, that uh, just kind of like fell on its face, and nobody talks about it. It is completely forgotten in film discourse. So, I, well, I, it's somewhat uh, brief shoot here. Um, slightly in Jar Jar Abrams' defense, um, I, I'll personally I'll never forgive him what he did to the Star Trek movies. But after rewatching the sequel trilogy, I have to wonder what the sequel trilogy would have turned out like if he had been able to do all three instead of handing off to Ryan Johnson for the Last Jedi. Uh, oh, yeah. Maybe it would have been oh, better, man. but like, uh, he, like it, it, it's like sunlight to a vampire. Endings and conclusions and, and answers to the mystery box are, are like the sunlight to J.J. Abrams. So it doesn't surprise me that he ran away with it and just like, all right, you, you, you go figure it out. <laughs> I remember the the I I forget who else was in the running to do Force Awakens or the trilogy, but um, Matthew Vaughn was my guy. Uh, he did Stardust, and I was like Matthew Vaughn, come on! And then when J.J. Abrams got the role, I was like, ah, ah, well, you know, you really can't fuck this up. So let's do this. And well, what was that like deal he made with like Warner Brothers or someone where they paid him like five hundred million dollars for this multi TV movie production deal and didn't produce anything from it? Oh, don't know about that one. It was from a few years ago. There was this five hundred million dollar deal, and it was one of the worst money sinks in all of Hollywood history. Um, I so, don't know about any of that, but I just will quickly say I love this JJ Star Trek movie so <laughs> much. Uh, even Into Darkness. I don't hate it as much as other people do. Okay, because like I'll say, the first one, I I'm, really I'm, I'm, I think I'm mostly positive on the first one. I adore the first one. There was a, but that's a different subject for a different time. But also, I don't know, man. Like people, people tend to forget that sometimes, like okay, especially in Marvel, like when it's when it's when it's a good movie or a successful movie, people are just like, oh man, the directors are so great. Argue, okay, but the exception of the Russo brothers, the Russo brothers are actually fantastic fucking directors. Um, I mean, case in point, Taika Waititi, who got all the accolades for Ragnarok, and then what the fuck happened in Love and Thunder type shit. So people tend to people tend to forget that 
these directors and certain premises and guys and 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 and, uh, and producers are following orders. And I'm not saying like, okay, JJ isn't responsible for some of some poor decisions, but like realistically, the lack of a cohesive guideline or planning guideline is more Kathleen Kennedy, Lucasfilms, and Disney. So they're given permission, which is, you know, arguably one of the, the, the arguments from, from fans, which is, oh, it's not from George. George had a plan, but George had a vision. George is not a good director. He even admits that. Like, he's, <laughs> he, 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 he likes what he likes type of shit, and he doesn't care, mm-hmm. which is, to his credit, he, he, that's going to be part of his legacy. He went against the machine, and he actually changed the, 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 the movie game, not just with Star Wars, but his filmmaking. Like, he got fined and he had to go to, like, le- le- uh, uh, litigation and, and, and legal just for not having opening credits with the, the star's names. That, like, he literally changed how we do movies type stuff. Because, and then he, he broke out from the union, which at the time, you don't ever break from SAG. All this is just to kind of say, people tend to forget that a lot of these directors are under orders. And what they're allowed to do and what they're not allowed to do is very tight gripped. And same thing with Ryan Johnson, same thing like in, in general, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I don't know. It, it's just one of those things. I, where... The full blame is not on um, JJ Abrams. Cause uh, yeah, like um, my biggest, my biggest gripe uh, was with like what happened to Finn. Like I, I was re- I was watching the production all the way through and like, I was like um, female lead. Oh, that's fine. Because like, you know, they, they had like a, uh, a male lead who's going to be like a partner uh, in crime, a guy named, it was gonna be like, uh, was it Kira and Sam at first? And then it turned into Ray and Finn. But I was like, still cool. And then, um, yeah, like you could tell that the rule, the ruling came down. Like, I, I guess it's rumor, but it also just appeared on screen. No one should ever, ever overshadow Ray. And in doing that, they just stamped out Finn's character more and more. And I did hear, and I watched some behind the scenes stuff. That it was JJ, like whatever we got for Finn being able to do anything was JJ Abrams trying to fight to keep that in there. So to his credit, he was trying, but yeah, the the rules of what they had to make it look like uh, spelled its doom. Well, here I found it. Here's why JJ Abrams officially inked a $500 million deal with Warner Media. There you go. That's why you don't have Batwoman and $500 billion uh, hole that Warner's clinging. It's trying to climb itself out and the Zaslav apocalypse. <laughs> you gave $500 <laughs> million to JJ Abrams and he got nothing. He got nothing. Bad robot. That's a bad, bad robot. That's a terrible <laughs> robot. Feel bad, robot. Can we do a whole podcast about like the handling of like DC characters and movies later? <laughs> oh <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, that was. I think we, I was. I wanted it to be a be a bit of what we geeked on, but not enough time for now. Oh, don't worry, because supposedly it, uh, another brief offshoot here. Saffron and Gunn said that they're going to be releasing more details of their big cohesive plan in the next year. So. Oh yeah, probably wait till January for that one. That's that'll be an interesting get together. Yes, poor Cavill, poor poor fucking Cavill. He is just like the whipping boy. There's like an op-ed that came out while we were recording. Like apparently they're like there's this uh, this disinformation. I don't know if it's a disinformation campaign, but they're claiming that uh, Cavill was toxic on Stet. He tried to rewrite things. Although the allegation doesn't seem that bad to me. It just seemed like he really liked The Witcher. He tried to make it more true to the source material. He he gave a shit. He gave a shit, and he clashed with people who did not g- give as much of a shit, and then he went away, he thought he was getting Superman. Ugh, poor fucking guy. 
Mm-hmm. Now he's Everyone's got Warhammer, so he's happy as can be. I-, I hope he does. Like, there's no deal. Just like I'm gonna yeah. try and make something, and I can't imagine that Amazon wants to make a Warhammer unless someone can like come up with like a really cheap, really small scale story. Because Warhammer is as big as and as and super as expensive as fucking mm-hmm. War- Rings of Power, and nobody wants another billion dollar thing after that thing. Yeah, I'm 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 also keep my fingers crossed because like. I, I'm noticing how he's kind of doing things. He announces stuff so that it gets momentum, and then you still don't hear anything about it for many years. Kind of like, and I, I, I'm a big fan of his. I want nothing but him to succeed. But like we also heard about Highlander was supposed to be coming, and that's still, still, still trying <laughs> just, to come just, along. Just like Rogue that Rogue Squadron movie. We were all <laughs> and uh, I was yeah, about like, to say all the rumored movies that they've announced in the last three years since uh, Rise of Skywalker, and not one of them's gone into production. Well, we Warhammer should... is so hard to make look right in live action, so my fingers are crossed. Well, so he, we should finish. Who else has to do their uh, journey of a Star Wars before we can we can really get into the meat of this? Ah, let's, let's, let's uh, get into the Disney I think you're era. Last. Yeah, I think you're last. Anything else? Uh, yeah. No, I think that's my background. I want to talk to I... Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, Alright. Go ahead, go ahead. So, where should we start? So, can I give a little rant about Andor since it's fresh? Yes, sure. Andor, Andor is like one of the most interesting contradictions. I thought like there are some brilliant genius moments. Like I think the strongest were the the heist scene, um, and also the uh, the prison escape. But they also feel like uh, things that would be there are so good they should just be their own separate uh, universe versus like being shackled to Star Wars. Uh, and also like, uh, tell me if. Uh, um, what was the point of the Mon Mothma storyline? I mean, and Andor is really well executed. Uh, it's really well directed, uh, really well written, but like, it just seemed like that was a storyline about like every five minutes is like, oh, it's so difficult to move money around. Oh, this rebellion sure is hard to get. And uh oh, Mon Mothma's gonna have to send her fucking daughter to Tradcon, uh, arranged marriage slavery, uh, to get this rebellion going. And it just felt so far removed. Moved from anything that like dealt with like did I, did I miss a detail on that? I have a lot of thoughts. Who wants to go? Um, oh, just one quick thought on the Mon Mothma thing. Um, the whole point of Mon Mothma being included though, because the, the general marching orders of the series was to cast the net wide and detail a lot of what you wouldn't really see going on in the background of the rebellion. Because really, with the movies, they're pretty superficial about it. I mean. Here's the rise of the Jedi coming back to squash the evil that had taken over and taken over the Republic and changed them to the Empire and getting more into the meat of what it takes to actually build up a rebellion so it could be to the point where it was at the beginning of the first movie. And Mon Mothma, yeah, I mean, it takes money to raise a rebellion, and Mon Mothma had been marked as the money person. Thing is, she you know she was a novice at it, so there's going to be some tripping and travails as she's going along trying to get the money for the rebellion that she needs, along with her machinations with Luthen. So that I understood, and you know the fact that in personal sacrifice was another major theme of the series, and that was her personal sacrifice because she was trying so hard to not let her daughter fall into some of the pitfalls of her society that she personally disagreed with massively, especially with how unhappy she was with her marriage to uh, what's-his-nuts. So, 
it was I thought it was a perfectly pertinent storyline and, and the way they incorporated it in with everything else I didn't think it really tripped up the flow of the narrative or made it slow down at all I thought it was perfectly pertinent to what was going on I guess my my well, just one thought on that my criticism was it is I was expecting a payoff like she'd fund some sort of operation that Andor would come back in because the one thing I thought was really bizarre is like ah Andor we got to find this guy Andor we got to find this guy Andor or Andor ISB security but like and I thought like what worked in the series well was that Andor was just was just a fucking guy he, he mm-hmm. wasn't like a he, you know he just kind of falls into the prison he falls into like this rebel heist but he's got enough honor that he's not going to steal the money. So, so I, I guess the reason why he was so important was to like get the Stellan Skarsgård guy. Uh, that that's why there was so much emphasis placed on him. But I guess the Mon Mothma, it just like I, I was waiting for a payoff in terms of like what what would what would the money fund? What was the cool thing we were because it felt really disconnected from like the big rebellion scene on Andor's home planet. So money, real quick. So I'll go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, man. No, no, no. You're, right, you're yeah, right. last last thought on that. Um, some of the money she initially raised was used to help fund the Aldani heist, so they put money down so they could double their money once the, the Aldani heist was successful. That's where a lot of the initial monies that she had raised had gone into, and they even said that a couple times in the series. Yeah, it's it's basically that um, she's supporting the cause, but she doesn't know all the details of the cause. It's basically so. First of all, Andor has no business being as well produced as it is like the production of that <laughs> yeah how that happened as fucking well produced as it is it's stupid good in terms of production value i'm looking at these sets like this is movie quality sets bro like yeah. I don't a- this is like literally blade runner meets fucking star wars yep uh, at a slow burn but like it every shot was just like man production but no um, with mon mothma i love the mon mothma angle it's basically the 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 rise of Mon, in a sense. I mean, you could argue that it could have taken place otherwise, but it is not the Mon Mothma we have by Return of the Jedi, which, by the way, she was a random-ass inclusion at that time. You know what I mean? It's just more like, hey, white lady not, t- not giving out orders. You know what <laughs> I mean? But, like, the little glimpses from Rogue One and even, like, deleted scenes from the prequel trilogy, this is the Mon Mothma that's rising to become one of the main figureheads of the rebellion. And you could argue Andor actually doesn't have a lot of payoffs, to be honest with you. It actually doesn't. Like the, the last episode leaves is designed to like keep going by season two. Yep. You know, um and it's there hard is to a, that there is a second season coming. I think I've read I guess they're like shooting it now or whatnot. Or oh, it was no, like, dude, oh, God. But it's designed that way. It's a slow burning a show that's stupid well done, but it's a slow burning uh, super slow burning show of of little moving the plot device forward in terms of the the grand death star rogue one stuff but it makes you give a shit a lot about andor and his uh his uh you know side characters you know what i mean like you're you're liking this guy's journey and and how this rebellion is getting started with mon it is basically the the the, the glimpse of and i love the way they're hand, handling coruscant i love the fact that this is the first time we've got to see the the senate while still intact you know under the empire's rule you know what i mean and and the politics involved so she's not all the way mon mothma of the rebellion yet she's trying to help she's trying to help in ways that she doesn't know and so that's why when luthan pulled off the job she's like what did you do she knew she was helping but she didn't know the extreme of how far luthan's willing to go how much he sacrifices humanity how he's willing to sacrifice for a sunrise he'll never see that is, that, is, that is a great line. It's an amazing line. So Mon is 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 in this gilded cage, 
making a difference, but she's also rising to find her voice, rising to find like that little glimpses that you see with her and her childhood friend, you know, just saying like, I don't know who to trust. I feel like this. I mean, she, she had an arranged marriage, you know, and we kind of get a little bit of connective tissue to, to the youngest of senators. The fact that she was only 16 and she got married at 15, you know, Amidala was 15 when she was queen, that type of stuff. So it, it is basically the, Andor to me is the underbelly of Star Wars. It's the, it's literally the groundworks of the the like, dude. The Empire has never been more ruthless as in Andor. You know what I mean? They've always been kind of incompetent, can't shoot for shit, whatever, whatever. But this brought back the fear of oh, stormtroopers are marching. Oh, that's it's go time. They're 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 a, a presence. They're an oppressive presence. You know what I mean? Like the they're fucking powerful. imperial officers were all dickheads. He all wanted to see them get worked. You know what I mean? Like the the, the mentality of the way they're they're preserving their, their peace and order, which actually for them makes a lot of sense. It's like even that one dude, he even said, like, we're healthcare providers. Like you are reaching with that, but in their minds, they're healthcare providers. They they justify their tactics, their cover-ups, their their swindling. You know what I mean? I don't know, but Mon Mothma to me is like literally, I love the fact that we are seeing her rise because she's not that, she's not that person yet she's not she's not that hey we're taking orders from her yet so but she's getting but she's getting there so uh my take on andor uh is um i never asked for this i actively do not want it holy fucking shit they did such a great job i loved it um yeah because like yeah i don't care about mon matzo's background uh i don't need to know how they got the rebellion together to me, like I, I section off my Star Wars, so how I, I can just love it. Um, so, like my, I, I like for me, like the there's a timeline that is the originals. There's a, a sex timeline that is the prequels, um, which I bundle with Clone Wars and Andor. Also, is now it's it, it's it's sectioned off, but it's, it's kind of close to my originals. But like, um, so I remember when I first started watching it, I. Oh, I, I, I was uh, uh, aggressively bored by it because I didn't get the style. Um, and then by twist of fate, I watched uh, um, what was that movie? Uh, Charlie Wilson's War. Uh, that's written directed by Tony Gilroy, and like I got the music of his style and his pacing, and it became that style and pacing and caring about like you know deep character dialogue. And like great dialogue that I by the end of it I was marathoning three episodes in a row and I fell in love with it all. Um, I don't usually like uh, political dramas, especially in my Star Wars, but they thunder crush it so hard that um, I loved seeing Mon Matha just verbally duel with other actors. And then also, I'm not much of a um, I don't care about acting that much or special effects. Oh, if you man, if you if you do a bad job of acting and do bad special effects, but you're still doing a story I like, you get a full pass for me. But they acted so well that I couldn't help but recognize uh that skill on the screen and like they deserve like some Emmy award nods and whatnot. So yeah, Andrews is as a wall to wall stuff I say, please, I don't want this in my Star Wars. But they hit it so far out of the park that um, they get a standing ovation from me. So, 
it's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. Oh no, no, finish your thought because um, I, I was going to provide the counter argument, but I'm curious what you have to say, DJ. Just really quick, it's just one of those things where it gets to a point where it is almost like the ZC brand, where we've seen Star Wars handled really well, not as well, and obviously depending on that's very subjective. Mm-hmm. But it, it also comes down to like what what's your Star Wars? You know what I mean? It's like is it George's version of Star Wars, which he you know he contradicts himself all the time in interviews as far as it was intended to be nine movies, twelve movies. It's this story, it's that story, blah 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 blah. Shout out to Darth Jar Jar. Still believe in that, by the way. <laughs> but like, but but like the the kid friendly tone. Like for instance, one thing I loved about Andor is like the quiet moments, and that's something that A New Hope, original Star Wars, had a lot of. But it was also a reflection of that type of filmmaking where there was able to be uh, um, uh, quiet moments and not a lot of music in the background. You know what I mean? And by quiet, I mean the later movies always had to have music. You know what I mean? It always had to have some kind of levity. It always had to have some kind of uh, personality to it to not have it be so serious in tone. You know what I mean? So that you're you're constantly stimulated without feeling like like there was new, a, a number of deaths in Andor where you're just like, "Fuck, I'm a, I'm tearing." You know what I mean? Like I care, I care that that mm-hmm. person died, and that's not typically Star Wars, and that's not typically a lot of movies nowadays. So that's what I mean. Like this this series, I, I still stand by it. There actually wasn't a lot of payoff at the end. A lot of characterization build up. But it was left as it was left as another episode. That's not a season finale. It's not to me. It really isn't. Um, but the execution is good. Period. Like this, this had no business being so much investment. Like what was this in Obi Wan? Yeah, Scott. That's I think the the, the really thing that kind of like irks Star Wars fans because it's interesting. You'd think this would be a triumph, but. Um, you know, and the people who really like it really like it. A lot of the uh, Last Jedi crowd who really loved it uh, love this because it kind of appeals to all the things they want to see. Um, but by the same token, everyone um, it seems just to be kind of a meh because they were worn down by Book of Boba Fett and uh, Obi Wan, which supposedly Andor. You are not going to tell me that Andor cost less and got uh, you know was made for less. There was no way you're going to sell me on that position that this was made for the exact same amount of. Money. <laughs> bullshit absolute bullshit Dude, that is unless like unless like all of it went to like un's like pay salary i guess maybe but i don't know that's, that's Wait, is it known how much each cost or would cost more I, i'm I, sure it's all mine I, it's like each one is supposedly like around 20 21 million an episode so maybe you could say ewan mcgregor took a big payday maybe that's why obi-wan looks so much shittier comparison i i, I just find that hard to believe i i, I find it really oh, hard to believe i, I, I think i know I have, a, I have a good idea of what happened. Um, Ewan McGregor, big star. You only have him for this amount of time. You have to do this quick. And that's why we only got like one director for the entire season versus like where here it seems like they had like way more leeway, probably less rules and uh, probably more time to do uh, what they wanted to do. Yes and no. I mean, here's the thing too. Obi-Wan went through production hell. It really did. It was one of those classic cases. Obi-Wan was supposed to be a movie. Yep. Like, it was supposed to be a feature-length film. The original writer has gone on the record as far as what was his, what they changed, what what got converted. And at the end of the day, and again, I'm not trying to speak on authority here, but at the end of the day, there's just a little bit more care put into Andor. It's a, char- a character, like you said, nobody asked for, but, you know, we're trying to trying to make successful. 
while Obi-Wan is one is actually a reflection of today's Star Wars. It really is. Uh, you know the character. We don't have to try as hard. So therefore, we can tell this story, this story, this story, this story, then back to form. You know what I mean? Like literally, little Leia's droid was completely a toy commercial. You know what I mean? And sure enough, that fuck, little fucker came out. <laughs> mm. and then, same, same thing with the Porgs in The Last Jedi. That little fucker came out. They didn't even serve shit. You know what I mean? Um, I didn't hate the Leia storyline as much as other people did. I mean, I didn't love it necessarily. There's a lot of... At the end of the day, when you take these characters that we love, right? There's a lot of ways you could tell a story. That's, that's what storytelling is. And it's up to us whether or not we just like what they chose to tell. And there were some very cool moments in Obi-Wan. But the, you can just tell the execution is like, hey, we're all just going to film it on the soundstage. Let's just get to, let's just get to the final fight. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah, that I, extra like, level of, I mean, the, oh God, production hell really fucked up Obi-Wan. Because like, I, I feel like the Star Wars discussion would be much more different if Andor came out after The Mandalorian or before The Mandalorian. And people would be a lot more positive. Where now we're just kind of like, everyone's a little bit jaded. Everyone's a little bit angry. And, uh, Andor seems to have gotten met with like a big shrug. There's a lot of desperation. Like, put it on network TV. We promise you, it's really, it's really, really good. Yeah, <laughs> please love it. I, I think it's it's a hard sell too, because like to me, like um, Andor only worked because I'm into snobby films, and because of that, like entry level of like you know what specifically I like, then I fell in love with it. But general audiences, like that's not easy to hate. I just you need to really be into snappy dialogue and top tier acting and like top tier that's not acting people... out the ass bro sorry oh bro. my god like, like I said. sorry I'm just, i just gotta say one thing like i'm over here just like i don't know who the casting director is i don't know who wanted that that step up in quality but every single per there was no bad actors on that show mm. they wanted mm-hmm. actors they wanted i mean diego's fantastic anyways but they wanted actors and the one thing about the reason why i gave i give like the set so much so much credit is it felt alive it felt alive like the 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 resource like the prison alone the way that functioned is crazy to me because you know they're placing the walls that's how they get their feeding tubes stuff that you would take thumbtacks and 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 buttons just like they did in the original original star wars you know what i mean and they gave it that feel it felt alive it felt real in the world of star wars sorry go ahead oh um yeah i think that's all just i was um I forget my point. Um, but the, oh. the, the, the main thing was that, uh, God damn, like nothing I ever asked for. And I, I think like, um, what, Oh, I was going to say is like, what can happen in a lot of like productions is happy accidents. And, um, the less people caring about something allows for better and maybe more creativity. So like, when you have like a uh, big name, you and McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'm sure they got lots of notes of like, and you better put baby Leia in there. And you also have to advertise this toy. And then we also have to, and we'll have this amount of time to finish it versus like Andor, where who is going to make any notes whatsoever about what Andor has to do. Um, and therefore you just had more room for these people to really give a shit about like, the the opportunity they got and they pulled in the best and those people had the time to do it then you have to worry about as much as like maybe schedules and yeah I just think like when you have less people looking that's when greatness can happen when you have a lot of people looking and like a lot of corporate committees on hand 
that's when a lot more people can get. But I mean, to get into the politics, Andor seems like you know the the, the one that like I don't know. I can't prove anything, but it feels like uh, what you call this one got the Kathleen Kennedy royal treatment because it kind of represented all the values that the current Lucasfilm regime uh, wants to empathize uh, with: uh, diverse casting, uh, strong female characters. Uh, diverse male lead, and that's the reason why uh, Andor got the special spice um, versus uh, Obi Wan, where it just felt like, uh, yeah, that. let's get it quickly. Let's get okay. the baby princess Leia fucking story oh. in there. Uh, uh, I want to say really quickly to what you're saying right there about Kevin Kinney and and like uh, what she wants. But the the big thing that I I've seen un- uncomfortably for me is that when Kevin Kennedy usually has her hands on, she does white woman superior as opposed to like just having strong women and male characters together. And in this, we had strong women characters and male characters, and they can go each other uh, equally. And that's what like created some of the best scenes I've seen in Star Wars. So I, I feel like they didn't go overboard with like how um, some of the stuff she's done has worked out. That well, sense. yeah, but I, I guess I, I'm curious how much. Well, I mean, we'll never know until the comprehensive behind-the-scenes Star Wars book comes out about the, the mm-hmm. Kennedy era uh, of Star Wars. Um, but maybe she was right. deeply involved. Maybe she wasn't involved and got the uh, time it needed. But obviously, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a lot more care to this than it feels like uh, Book of Boba Fett, which was just you know the best, the nicest thing I could say about Boba Fett was that we got to watch Robert Rodriguez slam action figures for like an hour at the end. <laughs> see here's a, here's a big thing too like there's a lot of agendas which is star wars now and that's i think to me that's one of the biggest uh differences in star wars is it's not just george's agenda which you can love or hate what he's done i mean the prequels are not the best directed things ever they're not but what it did for star wars was create like i love coruscant i remember seeing coruscant in episode one going oh my god this is so cool right mm-hmm. um and then the jedi temple like oh my god this is so cool Never did I think in a million years that world existed in the the original trilogy. So trying to see that connective tissue is whatever. But my point is that was his brainchild. Whatever he knew, what he, he knew what story he wanted to tell, for better, for worse, for love, for hate. Every single Star Wars property now is this is what we're trying to accomplish, and it feels that way in every facet. The the sequel trilogy absolutely is that they, they didn't have they didn't have a, a roadmap. They were figuring it out as they went along, and it felt it felt that way, and it still feels that way. And then you have something like, well, first of all, Book of Book, Mandalorian was supposed to be Boba Fett. Whether people know that or not, it was written to be Boba Fett, and then they were told not to use Boba Fett, so they made an original character. Boba Fett was the, uh, I mean, uh, Mando was the Boba Fett series we were supposed to get. So they had, so what happened? If you think about Din Djarin's, like characterization, it's very much Boba Fett. Oh, yeah. To the point right. where they had to change Boba Fett into a mobster because he basically hijacked his whole mo that was also like Mm -hmm. that's also one thing that like really like drives me insane when i think about it um why is uh bobo fed like the 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 mobster bobo fed is like one of the dumbest decisions because you know one you can't tell a good mobster story or maybe you can why can you tell good underground stories in andor that are gritty and lived in and feel criminal while while mm. well, the boba fett version of, of like being a mobster yep. is you walk around with your fucking helmet and people just give you money and, and it's just like such a cartoon oversimplification of like what a crime or underworld should feel like and it's like it was completely 100 percent disified so 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 why it, it doesn't make sense that these two no, things like, came from the same saying, company 
Yeah, well, exactly. Because like once by a time, I would have said because you can't do that, Isaac. You can't get that serious with. Oh, Andor, you did exactly <laughs> that. Oh, what the f- guys? God damn! But like, yeah, I think it's just like we're seeing separate teams like off doing their own things, and and like they got what they got with Boba Fett, unfortunately. And I, I, oh, I, oh, also, I wanted to say really quickly, um, a thing. Uh, George Lucas also didn't have plans. I don't think as much as people think he did. And um, a lot of like the background I see of like how he makes his movies is unfortunately how they did it again. Cause like I hear um, when he was making like a lot of the movies, he shot a whole bunch of different things and then pieced it together into a story. And they tried to do that again in the sequels. But I think the big difference is that while he might be not be the greatest director, he gives a massive shit about like his world building and how everything cohesively works together. So that like, while he did shoot a whole bunch of different scenes and whatnot that could have been cobbled together into different stories. Like he had a vision that he cared about versus Disney where they cobble stuff together, but they don't have a vision. They have marketing teams. Well, uh, so so DJ, I'm really curious because you're in the heart and the beast. I'm sure you hear all kinds of gossips. What would be your explanation in terms of like why Boba Fett is a pussy uh, godfather and Andor is real godfather? Well, Here's the thing. <laughs> You're funny. Um, no, to Keith's uh, point, um, it's not that I think that George had a had a. And I, I'm gonna answer your question. I promise you, it's not that I think that George had a plan. He was lucky, bro. But he also had a, a huge vision. But it was one person's vision, dude. People argue all the time. The first Star Wars movie would have wouldn't even be anything if it wasn't for his wife. Yeah. Yep. Marsha Lucas is the one who saved it, and anyone who says otherwise, they're lying. Marcia, well, I mean, her and her editing team. Like, the first draft or the first versions of Star Wars were basically taped and glued together. And she had to go in, say what worked, say what didn't work, reshoot certain things, and then it ended up being the biggest phenomenon in the world, you know? I remember as a kid even finding, like, there's, there's like, certain sections where I was like, huh, that was kind of weird, because the, the, she had cut together what might be the greatest finale of all time for me, next to Speed Racer. Exactly. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like that, like that trench run didn't have a time limit on it. It it was just them attacking it, and they did try it three times, and they succeeded the third time. But yeah, like yeah, she so cut like together. The, the, the stakes involved, the uh, the climax, uh, the uh, the the argument that Alec Guinness said, "Kill me." You know what I'm saying? Like things like that, and even like the argument that like Harrison Ford hates working with George. I mean, dude, you have to understand they're friends. You know what I'm saying? That dude was that man's carpenter forever, and George gave him a role in American Graffiti type shit. Mm-hmm. He basically made that man a star. Also, Harrison Ford's a blunt dude. He is very rough around the edges, you know what I mean? So he is the type of dude, if you ask him a question, he'd be like, I don't really care. But it's not like he hated it, but at the same time, he also didn't understand this shit. You know what I mean? Uh, a lot yeah. of them didn't. They, a lot of the actors were just like, I have no idea what the fuck is happening. And then the first one becomes huge, and George was smart enough to be like, I don't know if I'm going to do that shit again. I'm going to let somebody else direct it. You know what I mean? And then Irving Keshner is just fucking amazing. You know what I mean? That dude did Robocop too. He, mm-hmm. I argue, the, like, really, I mean, again, I can't, I don't know. I, 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 can, I shouldn't speak that much out of pocket, but Empire Strikes Back is the one that went boom. You know what I mean? Like, movies haven't really done anything like that since, and that type of surprise just can't happen anymore. On that type of scale, 
in terms of the main bad guy being the main good guy's dad. You'll never get that ever in our lifetime unless you just weren't born yet. You know? <laughs> a long so, time. so to answer your question as far as why Andor is the way it is and why other properties or why other installments are the way they are, it's literally the agendas involved. It's not just, hey, this is the story I want to tell. I don't give a fuck whether I'm lucky or not. But here's the thing, too. Because George, I mean, Empire, I mean, Return of the Jedi is not an amazing movie. Like, the first sequence alone, there's a lot of things that doesn't make sense. Uh, disagree. The, the, okay, that's fine. But the Rancor, the Rancor scene is very, very clunky, you know. Um, you could argue that the, the special effects, minus the last, uh, the third act, and the Care Bear special, like, a lot of the effects <laughs> don't have, like, that, 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 all that, uh, how did they do this type of thing? But like, by, by the time you have the Rancor, you know it's very green screen. You could tell. It's even at the time you could tell. It's not like the Hoth battle. The Hoth battle was freaking amazing. And that was, that was done against white in snow, which was unheard of at the time. The, the speeder bike scene does not age well. I don't care how, how, how refreshed you do it, unless you completely remodel that thing. The speeder bike chase in Return of the Jedi does not age well. It just doesn't. Yeah, I still watch it and wonder how he didn't, how they didn't run into multiple trees. At exactly. all, ever, and you know, and it is what it is. I'm saying, like, but what, ha- what, but the gravitas that the the Return of the Jedi has was was the lore. You wanted the resolution, and it, and you know what they did it. He did it through love and self sacrifice, and I'm gonna throw away my weapon, that kind of stuff. All I'm saying is, and I don't take away too much time answering your question. I know, all I I'm saying, it. it was one man's vision as far as the story. I want to tell. I don't give a fuck. Clone Wars. I want to tell this shit. I don't have to tell this shit. I don't give a fuck. Now Disney. They have agendas. That's all there is to it. Mandalorian had higher production value. Dave Filoni, because you can even you can even argue that Star Wars, like Andor, isn't really Star Wars like. It's an amazing Star Wars interpretation. There's a lot of video games that does Star Wars justice. There's a lot of Clone Wars episodes that do Star Wars justice. That's way deeper than the movies have ever been. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you could argue that Andor's isn't very Star Wars like. It's a great show in the world of Star Wars that happens to connect to shit. But not a single lightsaber, not a single thing. But you understand the world. You know some of the terminology. You you appreciate some of the the raggedy instruments that they use. So they they took the time. Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and that was kind of what I really loved about Andor is that there were no Jedi. There were there was no slappy com- comedic humor, and that's mm-hmm. amazingly some of the discourse I've seen online of why people don't like Andor because they call it not Star Wars because there were no lightsabers. There was no mention of the force there was no slappy comedic humor i'm like what 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 are you people watching star wars for i mean if you want to watch comedy watch the mcu i mean but even just the heart of it just the just the weight of it it's just it's just a well-done show again with great acting great sets great sequences the the episode the eye is one of the the most tantalizing where, where that kid sacrifices himself and he's just yelling out commands with a broken back Bro, I had goosebumps the entire time. I was invested. The visuals around the the eye of the storm and all of it, man. And yes. that kid was probably the closest thing that we had to force sensitivity without going into it. You know what I mean? He was just a believer without saying what he believed in. He was just a believer of his cause. Well, uh, Nemec? Go ahead, man. Yeah. Yeah, Nemec? Yeah. Yeah. And, and just for, through sheer will... And even converting, he planted the seed in, in Andor. You know what I'm saying? And there's multiple seeds planted in the kid throughout the, the entire thing. But again, I keep I keep stressing this because realistically, that season finale, as 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 good as it was, was not great in terms of it being a finale. It's designed to keep going. It just yeah, stopped. yeah, it, that, that, it just, that was that was I guess my problem. No, with, I agree with that totally. But, but sorry, keep keep going. 
there's nothing about the, there's nothing about his sister. There's a lot. There's a lot of things unresolved by the end of the last episode. Okay, let's 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 cut the bullshit. Like he he rescued the girl, which by the way, she didn't deserve half the bullshit she got, and she was a trooper. God damn it, Vix, I think. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. So again, it's just it's just about intentions nowadays. Like the, and that's that's the point. Like when you have enough time apart from the original boom of a, of a property like Star Wars, you expect better. So regardless of George Lucas, George Lucas slapping it together, he was allowed to do that, and he he did good. That doesn't mean it works moving forward. It doesn't mean you replicate the same formula. You know what I'm saying? Oh, You've so, seen better DC movies done in animated form, and you're always just like, just do those. You know what I'm saying? So you've seen the property done better. Again, you said it yourself. Thrawn trilogy is a, an amazing follow up. Mm-hmm. You love the characters. You, you 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 follow the characters. You see the evolution, the the, the new conflict. There's a, there's a certain okay, this captured the same lucky charm of the first one. Again, lucky being the operative word. But they, they, damn, oh my God, they elevated it, right? Where now it's like, hey, we have these amazing characters people love. How do we sell this shit? And that's the difference. Mandalorian didn't have the audience that the other characters have, so they gave it a different approach. And I argue that Dave Filoni, regardless of his, his work not being as good as Andor, is probably the closest thing that we've gotten to a, a strong George Lucas vision. Yep, because Andor is just a good show, period. With or without Star Wars, it's a good fucking show. It's executed very well and was gifted the world of Star Wars around it. You know what I mean? Yep. But I would argue the uh, the tonal uh, uh, integrity that George intended. I'm not saying he captured it well in the prequels at all. But I feel like Mando season one captured the balance between like, okay, grounded Star Wars, but well executed and, you know, Western, gunslinger. Okay, I get it. Baby Yoda, sure. Yeah, uh, Mando, I think, definitely did a better job of, like, fusing, well, uh, it, it, it sort of feeling more like pulp adventure and taking inspiration from, like, westerns, um, you know, uh, Kurosawa films, which is probably a big part outside of Baby Yoda, why it was so sort of beloved in that it was just really uh, simple stories told at a large scale. It, it had the same ethos um, as, like, Xena or Hercules, just with told with better talent and uh, better special effects and more money. And uh, um, it, it, it had that wonderful charm, which is, uh, which I, I'm kind of curious. Do you think like Mando season three will be the savior? Because it seems like it, people are so annoyed at star Wars at this point that even Andor, which was even like, you know, the Chudiverse of uh right wing uh, reactionaries uh, were gave it a either ignored it or said it was actually pretty decent. I, say that season three of mando is going to be well i hate making these calls because man do i get them wrong uh you know sequels are going to be the best star wars ever but um the indication i have that i think mando is going to be really good season three is that um it felt like uh boba fett was like the c team doing things and doing the best they can with what they have and then that Mando episode was like the Mandalorian team taking a break from what they're probably creating right now. And they belt the went like the episodes that were about Mando were amazing. And they even looked great. Like there was like this visual step up that happened while Mando was on screen with like that one uh, ring world that he was on. Yeah, that's so that, that was cool. I'm, yeah, I'm suspecting that that's what we're gonna get with the Mando. Um and the reason why like I think Mando's the best, well, yeah, I think it might be the best. Yeah, is that um, is doing what I've been dying for Star Wars to do, which is 
just use Star Wars as the setting. Now show me anything else going on in that universe. Because that's going to be fucking amazing. Like any Tuesday in Star Wars is going to be amazing. And that's why I finally got like, I didn't need to know the backstory of this character or the backstory of that battle, which they keep on doing the film links, which I want, don't need. And finally here, it felt like I was just, just getting a, a big sandwich of a Star Wars story that could be its own thing and not have to lean on anything else. Yeah. I'm really hoping, that- I'm really hoping Mando season three is about taking back Mandalore or just the reunification of Mandalore. Cause the, I mean, they have really left Mandalore alone since the Clone Wars series. And I'd like to see them come back to it as far as the general timeline of what they've depicted on screen for star Wars at this point. Yeah. I think there's two separate categories. There's, 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 stories that happen in the world of star wars and then there's what people consider a star wars story you know like things that connect to the the bigger uh pull of the pie type of thing because mandalorian was very self-contained until it wasn't right and i think there's a there's a little bit of marketing gimmicking happening at that time too i mean you could argue i didn't watch all of it but like i, I saw all of mando up uh, what i'm saying is I, I didn't see all of like bad batch but that whole reluctant father <laughs> angle was definitely taken there too you know what i mean and that was immediately done after after Mando, which is definitely reluctant father, but that combination that he's so likable and baby fucking Yoda's just and Grogu is just so freaking adorable, it worked really well. So, but it wasn't really connected until it became connected. Like having Luke come in season two, you could argue either should have went that direction. I've heard both sides. It shouldn't have went that direction or should have went that direction. Me, I was excited to see. I appreciate, like you said, Keith. I appreciate seeing Luke in his prime. That was exciting. Yes. You know what I mean? That was it. I needed. love that so much. Now, was it needed? That's nope. debatable. Need is, need is need is debatable, anyways. Well, in general, it's debatable because it's like it, the story wasn't part of the bigger picture until it became part of the bigger picture. Now, I, I want to say cool? mm-hmm. real quick: the reason why it was needed is that, uh, like, um, I forget who said it, but John Favreau knew that the Star Wars fandom was hurting, and he needed to give the Star Wars fandom a real win. And with, like, uh, Mandalorian, it was a a legit, like, all of a sudden, like, for the first time, I saw people stop arguing with each other and start feeling the love of Star Wars again. And while you're within that love, just heal that that deep wound of what, like, hurt a lot of us with what they did with uh, Luke Skywalker, with just, like, giving us a glimpse of him finally again. That was, like, it was a needed, like, hug that I needed after. Absolutely. On that level, on that level of the fandom, you absolutely need it. In terms of like the show itself, you know that's where it gets into like people are just like, no, I'm tired of the Skywalker stuff. Like, I'm I love that Mark Hamill at least got to see that after what they did yeah. to his character. And then we can talk about. I, I I don't know if you guys are, are are brave enough to talk about the sequel trilogy in like. I d- in think we should shift to the sequel. Like, yeah. I, I, uh, I do want to get. I want to shift to like what we think of the sequel trilogy. Sure. So I'll wrap up this point in this level. Like. I love what Mando's doing. Um, I wish it still would have been Boba Fett like it was originally intended. You know what I mean? I wish that was Boba Fett's adventure as far as, okay, that's 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 Boba Fett. You know what I mean? Um, I love the fact that Tamora Morrison was able to come back to do Boba Fett. It just sucks that that's the show that he got. <laughs> I loved him in his return. I liked him in his episode of Mandalorian. He was badass there. Mm-hmm. You know him, him working with Finnick. You know what I mean? Um so again, there's there's stories done in the world of Star Wars, and there's Star Wars stories, and unfortunately, these characters are so so big in itself, and the agendas are so specific in terms of how do we make money from this character. It's no longer, hey, I want to tell the story. Where Andor is like, 
the writers involved, the directors involved, and, and mind you, multiple directors on Andor, and they all knocked it out the damn park. Yes, my God, they all knocked it out the damn park. So I was keeping an eye on each one of those guys because I was like, so you guys gonna give them some movies? Because uh, I think I could team that. Yeah, a hundred percent. So it, it, I think it just comes down to it, Star Wars is too self aware at this point because it is by nature and by design, but it's also suffering from that case old like, dude, we've just we've seen the property done better with less, and we've seen the property done let um, um better for less. Like, I, I I typically hate shows where I know the characters are going to die. Like, Same. Andor's going to die. Andor dies in Rogue One. Why do I give a shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, why do I care? Like you said, I did not ask for the show. <laughs> nope. But that's I don't like knowing the fate of where I'm going in the story. Oh, yeah, like the, the cliffhanger at the end. You're gonna have to kill me. You obviously didn't die, bro. Yeah, but yeah, like they managed to go. Like, like yeah, like I. That was the main thing of like why I didn't want to watch because like I know where this is gonna end. But they did such a great job that like it has pushed past my hate. Like you guys won. All right. Bring me some more because it's a great show that happens to be in Star Wars. So I don't know if you still call it a Star Wars show. I mean, obviously it is. But Mandalorian is undeniably a Star Wars show. You know what I mean? Blasters Forever, Beskar Armor, the whole nine. There's a lot of like just just fantasy, spaghetti, Western and the force. Like it's it's all there. All right. So um, do we have like any other final thoughts on Andor and uh, then uh, Take our, our 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 focus to the sequels. Um, I think it's kind of a tragedy that uh, Diego. I mean, Diego Luna is a great actor, and I'm glad he got the Emmy nomination for Best Actor from it. But I'm, I think it's criminal that a lot of the other actors didn't even get supporting actor noms because mm. Stellan Skarsgård in that series just oh poor Andy and, poor Andy Circus. Nobody wants to give him any love, uh, you know, outside of mocap suit love. Yeah, they had the sh- like every actor on that show, um, like the the criminal boss guy who's marrying his son to Mon Mothma's daughter. God damn, that guy was slick. I was, yeah, I, I he chewed so the scenery in a couple episodes he was in. Yeah. Whew. All right. Uh, um. Hmm? But yeah, the 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 la- the the tenth episode, one way out with the prison break yes. and. Uh, and Luton's speech, that is easily the best episode of television I've seen all year. And I'm really hoping they have a lot of that again in the season two. Yeah, next to... Uh, I'll put it underneath Cobra Kai and House of the Dragon, but yeah, that was some hey, top Don't forget about stuff. the Orville, man. Come on. Oh, yeah, I, I keep freaking up the... Uh, you, you're right, <laughs> thank you. Oh, although, I'll put... It, whoa, I'm not sure if I put Andor over the Orville. That's a, that, I'll have to think about that one. But yeah, any other final thoughts on or let's just each go around the table. Final thoughts on Andor DJ. Amazing set, amazing cinematography, amazing storytelling. Um, just has no business being as good as it is for for Andor. Great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> uh, MJ. I'm hoping that Kathleen Kennedy and her teams are taking note that this is how they should be approaching it. I mean, I know that uh, Kevin Feige came back and said that they're going to be reapproaching Phase 5 and 6 of the MCU to be more quality over quantity. This is how you do quality. So I'm hoping Feige, as well as Kennedy, were paying attention to how Andor was done. Isaac? 
Um, Andor, I agree with all the assessments. I think it was a fantastic show, although I, it was still like a struggle because like, I still feel like Obi-Wan and Boba Fett deserved the Andor treatment and not Cassie and Andor. Uh, but at the same time, it was, uh, you know, very well done for, uh, you know, a character who I, you know, was good, but I still don't really care about <laughs> Gotcha, and then so yeah. Supposed to care about the cause, man, not the man. <laughs> I know. The cause, the, the cause, the cause. <laughs> That's what Andor I- is like Top Gun two. I I apologize. I laughed at it. I was like, I don't need this. This sounds like shit. I is all of everything I'm not asking for. Uh, and then going into it, I was like really sour because I was like, this is boring, uh, and it's up it's up its own butt about how snooty he is until I understood what I was watching and then it unfolded and wow. Like I, I always love it when I get what I, I don't expect or what I, when, what I don't want turns out to be something amazing. So yeah, that was a fun ride. I love being, have my opinion of it turned like while watching it. I hope they recognize this level of quality. It's like, yeah, stars, please slow the fuck down and yeah, quality over quantity, please. Andor is quite the bar to hit that we should have gotten with Obi Wan. God damn it! Last thing I'm going to say is like, not all Star Wars has to be so exactly heavy, right? But yep. execu- I don't want this all in my Star Wars, though. Right, right, right. It, yeah, exactly. There with you. So, but the execution of the simplest scenes, even like when uh, Luthen was escaping the tractor beam, was yeah. so beautiful so cool to me and it was a, a unique type of destroyer type of thing it felt like a sci-fi if this is the, one of the few times where star wars felt more sci-fi than anything in the in the the guise of power struggle you know what i mean like the it really did feel blade runnery yep me. you saw yeah. the early of coruscant him even like crazy uh obsessed guard dude who i hate um, going home to his mother in the underbelly of Coruscant added so much personality of Coruscant and just the characters alone. And that bridger, and you, you said it earlier, Keith, where there's like different phases. There's like, you know, OG, sequel, prequel, and then you have like your your prequel era, whatever. I don't know, maybe maybe this is called the Rogue Era because there's yes. the tw- three and four where there is Rebels. There you is- know a section off Star Wars that does this? Fuck yes, I am all in. Um, but I do want, like, I'm sorry, Return of the Jedi is one of my families of all time. I want my adventure fun. I want to see the impossible, that not reality. I love speeder bags through a freaking forest and trees whizzing by. Uh, I even come around to Ewoks. I, I need my stuff. Like, that's what I come to Star Wars for, for high fun fantasy where everybody's included. But if they want to go freaking political drama like this, like, I'm... I'm in, just not all Star Wars like that. Right. But as far as the quality, if they did this approach to the simplest of things, again, mm-hmm. um, the eye alone was just like, oh my God, this, this right here is crazy. Uh, just the quality of the sets and the, 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 the acting alone. I mean, again, it doesn't have to be so dramatic all the time, but I love it for Andor. You know, I, I definitely feel the tyranny of the Empire for sure. You know what I mean? But just the quality of the sets and the execution, like this felt like a production as opposed to Obi-Wan and, and which was like and, a three stooges act. So it was it, honestly, I hate to say it, but it felt more like a fan, a fan series. 
Yes. <laughs> the weird directing. Oh, oh my god. Yeah. Could easily sneak Leia out under his trench coat and nobody will notice. Come on. Some of that right. quality was below fan quality. Uh, yeah, especially that first scene when Obi-Wan meets Darth Vader. That felt like complete fan, runs. <laughs> complete fan film thing. Like, oh, we, uh, we, we got all, all our little cosplay costumes and, and it's really cool and it's in the desert and, and we promise guys, oh, we got real pyrotechnics. <laughs> like, I, I, I can't remember what rule of directing that they broke there, but like, yeah, he ran in one direction. They came out another direction, which may seem like he ran back to the same place. It was, it was a 360 so rule. There you go. Oh, um, but, it, I mean, I, I mean, it's it's unfortunate because I feel like it's that abuse of a relationship where you get a little bit of good and a lot of bullshit. And there's some cool stuff that happens in Obi-Wan. Like, and I, let's get to the sequel for sure. Let's get to the sequel series for sure. But there's a lot, there's a lot of bullshit in Obi-Wan. But I can't say I didn't appreciate Darth Vader being a fucking menace. You know what I'm saying? Him actually being scary for once was pretty damn dope. Now, the Hayden amount of time and not- effort they put into Reva should have gone to Hayden Christensen because that's why I showed up. Sure. I, I mean, I hate the fact that they underutilized Hayden. I mean, dude, this is the opportunity. And this is what I mean by production value and effort, right? We got a whole backstory on Cass on his home planet and then that didn't play out you know nothing about his sister even though that his sister literally drove the plot and then that becomes secondary and i'm sure that's safe for season two so unfortunately andor is still suffering for hey leave them wanting more but it was done in a very well done way so but hating christmas that was the time where you got to see maybe him in clone wars attire him and obi-wan in modern clone wars attire back in the day doing a flashback and i think they might remedy that in, in ahsoka i heard i don't know that's just what i've heard but it was definitely just like hey here's some obi-wan episodes and then final fight but also darth vader's pretty cool <laughs> all right um we're gonna take another break i'm gonna make sure we get this recording saved and we'll be right back with uh what we thought about the sequel saga see you on the other side Life forces you to choose between good and evil. Revealed all around us, our enemies are. Between standing up and giving in. Stay towards the edge of the ray, now! Between light and dark. These are the stories of the heroes fighting on that edge. And no matter which side you're on, you're gonna get bloody. Open fire! Don't make me destroy you! This is our chance. We're This has got to be a trap. Get ready for the return of Star Wars The Clone Wars. Next Saturday night at 3. The fight isn't over yet. Filler never felt so good. Failure. We win. Only Toonami on Adult Swim. All right, we're back on the other side. And uh, as a longtime Star Wars fan, I've always complained about things, such as I didn't like the reveal of. Whoa, lost you, Keith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lo- I, I, I the kid point of view. Uh, yeah. Keith, Keith, Keith. Uh, we lost your brother. We lost your brother. Oh, shoot. Yeah, well, what, what didn't you like the reveal of? Oh, of uh, Darth Vader being Luke's father. Ah! As a kid, from the kid point of view, um, all I wanted is like, can I please just have a bad guy that you have to punch that freaking hard? I don't want to worry about his emotions or his uh, background, and this is unnecessary. But I, I get the theme now. I get the thematic um, meaning behind it, which makes Luke Skywalker's journey 
all the more impactful and long lasting forever. Well, little Keith, but, you're yeah. the reason why Dragon Ball Z is still a huge uh, fan franchise that makes billion millions of dollars yes. every year. <laughs> that yeah, is a lie. I hate everything you just said, Keith. Like Shonen, that Shonen anime said, "Hey, Keith, I got you, dude. <laughs> let me let me give you a bad guy that you can punch really hard." And funny enough, like it seems like all the things that like as a kid I didn't like and frustrated me with the original Star Wars, they put in the sequels, such as. The first uh, Star Wars movie, like he gets this thing called a lightsaber, okay, and he doesn't use it. All right, all right, you know that was kind of a loss. Uh, but we get Ray, and she gets one right away, and she beats the bad guy right away. I'm like, that ah, was that satisfying, Keith? That's what you wanted when you're a kid, and no, it's not satisfying. And then she gets her final bad guy, who's someone you can just punch as hard as you want. So yeah, the meaning behind that? Oh, okay, I guess. That doesn't land. So, yeah, that's uh, my start with the sequels. Um, I I don't know. I want to get out of the way. My uh, heartbreak with Finn. Oh, my God. Mm. I'm going to take a drink of water. But, like, um, so here's the my path of uh, being a black geek. So, like, ever since I was a kid, um, me and my buddy would make fun of how poorly black male actors are usually cast. Like, they never cast what uh, I, this one skit called Pretty Ricky, where you get like a black male character who's as good looking as a Tom Cruise equivalent. And they, they always section the black dude off as overweight or off or something that makes him not as aspirational as like all the other characters. Um, they even kind of did this with uh, Lando Calrissian, um, where as a kid, uh, I wasn't a big fan of him because, as uh, Scott Knightlick on his channel pointed out, he has a mustache. So, like, he seems old, like my dad. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to be old like my dad. I want to be, like, a dashing rogue like Han Solo or Luke Skywalker. So, finally it happens. The rise of Finn. I'm like, oh, my God. This is going to be amazing. And also, like, we're in a a woke world, which I thought was a good thing. But like, I was like, if they do bad on him, if they pull all the, the poor cliches, there's going to be hell to pay. They can't even get away with this. So therefore, once again, this is going to be the greatest stories of all time. And they troped the living fuck out of him. And as much as I try to bring it up, no one seemed to care. And that was my big heartbreak where I thought I had lived long enough to finally see like, a black male actor who wasn't Will Smith just get to be the big damn hero, like a Han Solo or Luke Skywalker. And no one could say a thing. No one would get in the way. And it didn't happen. They went hard on crushing him out. And yeah, I, I, I've, I haven't been the same since I've been trying to tell people about like how black characters are handled in movies ever since. And you know, some people care, but man, that was like midlife crisis triggering where I found out that after many, many years, things didn't change. So that's my... Oh, you didn't like Space Janitor? Come on. Oh my God. Yeah. They, <laughs> and they oh, even went hard yeah. on like further degrading him where <sighs> like, like, like the world, like, uh, my first spook was when they're like, and he's going to be a stormtrooper. I was like, um, what? 
because <clears throat> I know a lot of people uh, they have a good heart and they want to see the good in things. And if I didn't see the shift from what Sam was to what Finn was, like you wouldn't notice that making him a stormtrooper slots him out of the story. And then I was like, oh, fuck. Okay. Well, maybe I'm overplaying this. Maybe. And it did. Because, like, even though they turned him into a stormtrooper and where everyone else thinks that, oh, what an amazing story that could be. And it could. Um, It was just positioning him away from the story. Because as we end up seeing, they didn't do anything with it except for give him a cute little pat on the butt in Last Jedi from one of his stormtrooper buddies in a deleted scene. Which was just further them, just like this is how much we care about him. Like, but do you really him- feel like him being a stormtrooper is the reason why he was? I mean, there's always a lot of ways. Like he could have been, he could have been anything, and you're still a way to be relevant. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm. Do you really feel like it, it's because he's a stormtrooper? Um, I think that uh, whatever calls that were given to J.J. Abrams, because like uh, if you've watched the the fantastic video. Finn, the last protagonist, um, like John Boyega was, thought he was going to be one of the stars of the movie, and uh, and he should have been. Yeah, but, but I mean, then he, like he was basically the co-lead though with uh, Ray, at least in the first one. He was, but then like, like if you I, look I at think, it, can, you'll start noticing like, how much of what he does does not change the direction of the story or matter. And uh, oh, the main thing about him being a stormtrooper, the bad, the worst thing about that. And why it's slotting you out of the story is that stormtroopers are like only meant to be a two hit point ninja. Um, you're supposed to be, you can blow as many of them as you want and not feel bad about it. So they were never meant to be sympathetic. But now you n- turn him into a two hit point ninja and do nothing with it. That's just I, slotting him out of right. the story. So, so I'll give you one thing. I don't think mm-hmm. like turning him, having him be a sword trooper is bad. Uh, I actually think like it's a really strong story possibility. The, yes. the the problem is they do nothing with it. It only exactly. affects him for like one second, and then he's just a guy. Because like only that, that fans he- saw the potential or could feel that it could be there. Well, the people who are making it all did was slot him out of the movie. We, we all agree they did nothing with it. That's the one takeaway. It's, and I, I kind of stand by what I said earlier, because, again, this is just writing at this point. Mm-hmm. This is just writing at this point. Like, like he, I hate the fact that he's a janitor. I remember that being the, the, the face Paul moment, because I, I, the experience of Force Awakens is not to hijack it from you, but I remember being excited again, and then that one part made me go, the fuck? Like, sanitations. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. But, like, if the, so what I was thinking was, like, I kept on, like, I, like, so the Force Awakens, the the math of it started unraveling in my head where I wanted it to be that okay, no wait, so what which what, is, what role does he get to be? Does he get to be the Han Solo or the Luke Skywalker? Neither. Right. Ray is both Han Solo and Luke Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um and I don't think she was that completely yet in, in Force Awakens. She was absolutely that by by Last Jedi. Um, she was the pilot of the Falcon and the ultimate sword slinger. Like the most Boyega got to do was hold the line. And then like, in every other fiction ever that should have allowed him to be set up for a rematch with, uh, Kylo Ren. But then they just booted him off to 
the side story of Canto Bite, which well, well um, they had, if they had yeah. a better thing with Finn, then they would have had a fucking um, him, him Phasma be his rival. Mm-hmm. But holy exactly. shit, was that like a complete waste of space? And I remember there was like so much like you know, uh, you know, jerking off. Oh, we got more women. This character, this awesome looking Boba Fett stormtrooper. It's a woman. There wasn't enough women, but we got a woman. And it, it was, was a like, huge <laughs> Brienne of Tarth fan back then too. That was huge. I yeah. was like, she's my favorite they- character. So I can't wait to see. Oh, what the fuck happened there never see her face which again is a hollywood thing i guess credit for them for keeping that consistent but she was supposed to be boba F- and that's what i mean about you could have slapped together that george did and have a singular goal yep. and then you could have objectives which is what what star wars is right now which is like hey let's get star wars for a new generation and they did by copying the original star wars and the reason why i said like i don't think she was completely it's also bad, a little bit because like wh- like sorry good no, the thing I was going to say is, is like the only reason I, I say like um, Ray wasn't completely there yet is because even in the first one, Luke was, you know, a good pilot, um, as well as uh, you know he didn't have the sword yet, but you know he had the potential type of thing. But to me, I thought Poe was going to be freaking Han Solo. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? Because he's, he was a pilot. I mean, arguably uh, he was supposed to die in it. I know. Yes. But like, but again, he didn't. So therefore, even him coming. Um, um, on the planet, I forgot what the planet where, where uh, Jakku, Jakku, right? Crashed? No, no, no. The other planet with the uh, um, bug-eyed lady. Oh, oh uh, definitely can't remember that one. Yeah, Wait, I'm, I'm, Babu I'm, Freak's I'm, planet. No, not that no. One. Um, the one with the with the, the cantina, one with the bar. Right? Yeah, yeah, over the bar. Oh, Mass Kanata planet. <laughs> Yes, not cannot apply. Thank you. But when he comes in as uh, as backup, and then he comes in in formation, and then you know, fans are like that's a hell of a pilot. I'm like, yeah, he's a badass. Fuck yeah, yeah. And then they made him completely incompetent by the next one. So again, <laughs> slapped together and getting lucky and making a phenomenon. That's fine. That's Hollywood. That's movie making. Most movies are found in editing. And mm-hmm. George got fucking lucky. Shout out to his wife that eventually they got divorced. But <laughs> to the guy who built this library, that he was like. All right, we're going to settle down with uh, children, but I need to get this library made. And the guy who made his life took his wife. Right. So all I'm saying is, like, there's a lot of stuff in the in the sequel that's basically agendas. Like, how do we get a new audience? Okay, Force Awakens. Okay. People said it's too much like uh, a, a new hope. Now what do we do? So bird expectations. So these directors are like casualties of war, regardless of how much they... And here's the thing. They have NDAs. You know what I'm saying? They're not allowed to bad talk, at least, uh, I mean, unless they want to get sued. Mark Hamill's just been around in the game where he's just like, I know what I can and cannot say, and if they don't like it, they can talk to me. And then they did. And then he just started smiling and still kept talking shit. Um, I was, uh, there's a lot of things that happened. Like, what I was saying, like, hindsight in 2020 was, uh, there's a lot of things that going into The Force Awakens, I was like, good call, good call, good call. And then they turned up being bad calls, such as, like, I was all for them um, ignoring the extended uh, universe, but they also had to do a good job. And also, um, I can see, like, uh, when they're building things together, they were like, okay, we're going to do this like George Lucas did it. And therefore, no plan. We're going to figure out each movie as we go. And on paper, good idea. And then, oh, God, yeah, apparently not everyone can do it like George Lucas did. 
Yeah, there there was a lot of like early warning signs, like the fact that like the st- the first order is like the Neo Empire, and there's like next to no lore to justify their existence. That was a huge warning sign. Uh, a lot of people gave the Force Awakens a pass uh, for the fact that it was like a New Hope, basically a soft remake of the New Hope. But they're like, all right, now that we've got this new cast of plucky young people, you're going to give us a good story next time. But yeah. uh, th- that was like a very big warning sign because, like, I still think the Force Awakens is the most watched and best movie out of out of those three i agree actually i think it's the best executed by by far uh it's... the pace was good uh, uh ray's introduction on on jaku was really nice like the world building even like looking at her like her looking across at an older woman being a scavenger like her that's world building you know i mean that's character building um and like for some reason like yeah the more i thought about it, the more i started noticing like there was nothing there like there's yeah. like the, all these elements of like what looks like it should be a story, such as like a, a person who looks like Phasma um, playing a black guy on the screen at all. Um, there's and then like I, I th- the more I thought about, it, I was like, oh god, wait, this isn't world building. This doesn't make sense. Oh shit! And then like the culmination of everything I thought was coming was the rise of Skywalker, which for me once again is my favorite of the th- trilogy because like with the first movie. Uh, there's is is I I, I find the first movie pretty bad and missing a lot of heart and meat to world building, and but like everyone pretended that it was like great and like I had gotten so many arguments about like it it it, it could be pretended that it was genius. And well, then well, the Keith, last didn't, Jedi you know, hmm? didn't you know you needed to read the 30 plus books oh my. of the Force Awakening? I had a guy on my Facebook <laughs> who was slamming me all over the place. It was like, well, it's on page three of this book. You have to read this book over here. They're like, no, you don't need to read books to understand a movie. That's not how movies work. I mean, I'm glad that someone did patchwork in books, but that's not how you do a movie. And, that's and then like, The of- Last Jedi pretended that it was genius. And then the Rise of Skywalker was a culmination of all of the directionless emptiness that finally hit everybody. And I was like, thank you. And then, like, I really feel like Rise of Skywalker wasn't trying and, like, kind of liked it. Like, it seemed to know that it sucked. Like, that line of somehow Palpatine has returned was like, and they the fly now. Everybody's saying, fuck it. They fly now. Oh, there's so much in that Did movie that said, you know what? You guys are right. Fuck it. Did you see the interview with John Boyega? Even being just a fan himself, criticized that line. No, <laughs> I did not no, see he, that. Like literally, I, I feel like I might have been next to uh, uh, Isaac, and uh, basically they asked him about that, and and then John was just like, "Yeah, that line." Just like, "What do you mean?" It's like, "Man, they've been fighting since the Clone Wars." <laughs> oh yes, yes. Um, uh, with. with uh... Yeah, I, I saw that one with uh, him and uh, Oscar Isaac. Like Oscar Isaac gave it through his hands, and he was like, "This Boba Fett, they, oh my god!" Like they all knew that they all fucked up, and I was just glad that finally they're admitting it and not blaming fans more. And also, uh, I I also push against like when they say that the Last Jedi was saying, "Oh, okay, the Force Awakens was too much like it, so we won't do the same thing in the next." But the last Jedi is just Empire Strikes Back again. Like it's got the same eh. elements and paces, but things just don't make sense. Eh. I mean, I, I get why you say that. Um, it serves the same purpose as the Empire Strikes Back. I will say. Yeah. That. Well, I mean, like, uh, unfortunately, we have a hopeful Jedi going to a jungle planet to learn from an old Jedi, 
while the other characters are in peril elsewhere. That's the same thing as Empire Strikes Back. Like, yeah. The similarities yeah. are there. I mean, in, in terms of, like, for instance, this is the first time we actually had the bag, uh, the, the guy that we think might be joining. Because, you know, Star Wars is essentially redemption stories, typically. Typically. And, you know, now that you know that Kylo Ren is essentially a Skywalker slash Solo, you're like, okay, is he going to be redeemed? And they leaned into him being a villain. So I get, I get the plot devices you're talking about. Um, I'm just saying, like, we have to rhyme like that because, uh, like, what George Lucas said, the prequels may have all their, yeah, it prequels for all their flaws didn't redo stories, like they, they, they to the detriment maybe, but like to me, they're to the merit. I don't care if Attack of the Clones, Attack of the Clones sucked. Um, at least I got a new complete world story pacing and and beats and, and elements versus treating Luke Skywalker like he's Yoda, which he's not, and just forcing that because that's what Empire Strikes Back did. And that's kind of where I disagree because they didn't treat him like Yoda. The circumstance is very much old retire, um, you know, um, what's it called? Not Renegade, but uh, Outcast Jedi taking on a taking on a youngling type of thing, but that, mm-hmm. that kind of was to prove the point that he's not Yoda. He's trying to disenfranchise her of anything he's trying to let her know like no did i suck bro like i got lucky my dad was a piece of shit and then i became a legend like that was the point like they're trying to make a quote quote rhyme again like 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 lucas said or whatever but uh they took similar scenarios and then went the other direction and that to me was the entire point of return of the jedi just like we're gonna build it up like it's the same and then not and then build it like it's the same and then not and then build it like it's the same and then not yeah but yeah, once again, like I uh, for me, I don't want them to do that. Don't take the thing that happened before and then twist it. Please just do a completely another story where um, don't go to the old Jedi on the other planet. Do anything else because you have the budget. You, we're here for a new story. Don't do a cover with your own twang because you're just doing a cover with your own twang. I, that's a a loss of like growth that we could have experienced in Star Wars, which I was kind of hoping for. Like I didn't want um, Rebels versus Empire again, which they forced to make happen. And, and like once again, like the reason why I was saying like it's not world building, it's marketing. It's because like from a marketing point of view, you go with what works instead of taking a chance on like building new stories and failing. Which now, as a result of like even he, even though he failed, I think myself and a lot of people still hold that originality of the prequels over the sequels because at least they tried, is what I get. Well, yeah, like Ryan Johnson just taking a new coat of paint to Empire, but being way more jaded about it, and including yeah, more and, space uh, sequences ever. What, what, another <laughs> uh, rushing into the punch. I Ryan Johnson at that time was my favorite director. Like I, well, the he funny was in my all time favorites. Well, yeah, after breaking Looper, I mean, yeah, I mean, holy shit! I was like, he's gonna save Star Wars. It's gonna be great. 
Yeah. Did you watch the um, the Knives? I saw the most recent Knives Out movie in theaters, actually, and it was, it was like he's still a good writer director. I don't know what the good. fuck happened with him in uh, Star Wars, but I, I guess uh, like his pol his politics are a lot more um, easier to stomach when he can build a, a story around them versus mm-hmm. um, when he had to, like put them into uh, Star Wars because like there's nothing I hate more than that like whole sequence on the ship with the Poe mutiny and then like you know he was just supposed to accept that. Uh, uh, Admiral Gender Studies was right, and the film d- does no it's nothing just, to like really like sell why she I was, was right. So hurt, I was so hurt by what he did to Finn that I just haven't given him any, any more time. Um, but like, I did want to make uh, every I wanted to do a review of Knives Out so that like, um, like my buddy he he saw it and he's like Keith, you're right, he is good. What the fuck happened in the Last Jedi? And I have a theory and. I- not sure if I said this before, but I think he did a quote unquote bad job on Last Jedi on purpose because he didn't like what he saw in the Disney machine. Like, uh, no, um, that makes total sense. Yeah, so like everything in there is against to against what would get me to spend more money on Star Wars and what I like in Star Wars and what makes me well, come because to the, it. the general theme that because when I rewatched it again, it, uh, I was you know trying to take a deep breath and not let the hate that I have felt for the sequel right. trilogy the first time come through and actually be a little more subjective to it. Uh, the overarching theme that did poke out from watching the entire sequel trilogy is The Force Awakens. So it's supposed to be The Force Awakening more and more and basically be the second rise of the Jedi that we weren't able to see and supposedly ended when everything went to hell between Kylo or between uh, Ben and Luke. But uh, as far as Last Jedi, the overall overriding theme that Johnson had going that is damn the machine and here's why the machine is bad and here's how the machine keeps chewing up people and spitting them out yeah there's so much stuff in there that only works on a meta I'm disgusted with Disney level such as like um, the scene of Rose saying looking at all the rich people going I wish I could you know punch my fist all the way through the face of this world or something like that just disgusted with the decadence that she was surrounded by then there's also the part where DJ's like, you know, the beautiful hologram of an X-Wing. And he's like, it's all a machine. It just goes. To, and that only works if you're talking about toys to Disney, because the conspiracy of rich people making these war happens, which doesn't make sense in the rest of the lore, doesn't work. But if he's like disgusted with like the fact that he's been hired to sell toys, well, with that, all of the vehicles sucked. Like, um, <laughs> the bombers blew up really quickly. Um, oh, and, like, I, I went when, like, he kept oh. on, like, blowing up the good guy capital ships. Um, finally, the good guys get to fight the bad guys in a vehicle, but they're rickety and the, flo- the floors are falling out. Like, everything okay, he yeah. did make it so that you wouldn't want to buy the toy. Can I go on a quick rant about the space scenes and Please. the space battle scenes in this movie? The opening sequence, where they just have the slowest moving bombers in their entire fleet be their primary weapon to take out the one ship that supposedly they have to clear out of the way to facilitate the escape of the resistance, or rebelling, whatever they want to call it this week, from that planet. That is the most strategic and tactical stupid move possible. I don't know why Leia would have even approved it, and how they're trying to expect us to believe that Leia approved it. She's been through this shit multiple times before, and they're wanting us to accept that she's gonna go post stupid-ass plan to 
bring in the slowest ships that they have available to try to take out this ship. Oh, well, shipping she quick surgical strikes to get the hell out of there. The whole impetus of the whole sequence was to get the resistance out of there as quickly as possible. Not to stick around and wait for the pokey World War One biplanes to go. Are we gonna drop bombs now? Oh shit, we're getting blown up to hell. So fucking stupid. And then the answer to all that is they just didn't care. I'm, oh, well, okay. what, no, wasn't I'm gonna, there like uh, didn't Princess Leia before I let DJ? I, I, didn't Princess Leia reprimand Poe and she like slaps him after she comes back and saying like that, that was like the theme in the movie. Poe wants to be a hero and he gets a bunch of people killed and she, then he learns to unlearn his toxic masculinity throughout the <laughs> learning from failure. <laughs> Thanks to him getting people he killed, did, he did he, save everybody. He did disregard a direct order to call it off, saying. Okay, you took out the guns in the master ship, and we've got everybody off the planet. Let's go. And he's like, "No, we have a chance to take out this big capital ship." Blah, 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 blah. Like, no, get the fuck out of there. If he get didn't, they would have been all killed in this next jump. And, oh, that's the other part of it. The, the jumping to the next point and finding out. Oh, wait, they can track us through light speed now. Oh hell! We only have enough fuel. I mean, I kind of appreciated the fact that they finally addressed the fact that eventually these ships do run out of fuel. Ugh. That's cool. I was no, 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 uh, I, I, uh, no. No after. fuel in Star Wars. <laughs> well, what, DJ, what were you going to say before I cut what you off? What do you think they have? The lithium crystals? I mean... <laughs> Sorry, what? No, the only thing I was going to say is like... Um, oh, a couple, couple points. I think you're giving Ryan Johnson too much credit as far as what he can and cannot do. I unfortunately learned that so hard. Because I want to say directly to that, like... Yeah, so like since he was like my favorite director at the time, I was like, that means he can do anything great, which no, no. it doesn't. It doesn't mean no. just because no. like you're that good does not mean you're also Tolkien levels of being able to write fantasy. It We're a lot more forgiving with Marvel directors and several directors, even some who stay anonymous, have it, actually a lot of directors who pass straight up says, We're not really directing Marvel. We're doing certain parts. We we deal with the actors sometimes, but Marvel yep. pretty much that all kind of mapped out. The Russo brothers came in at a time where they were in the right place, right time to to take an ensemble. Uh, case in point, uh, Winter Soldier, which is so like one of my favorite MCU movies of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they saw the potential in terms of them being able to delegate, which obviously led them up to Civil War and then Avengers: uh, Infinity War and Endgame, because that's a huge undertaking with a lot of actors, right? Mm-hmm. But they had a lot more creative control than the average person in Marvel. But other than that, they have it all set out. With Star Wars, less movies, mind you, first sequel trilogy since handing it off by George, the, the master himself, right? These directors did not have as much control as you think. They they yeah. really went through a shit ton of rewrites. There's a reason why J.G. even came back for the last one out of desperation and out of um, crowd appeasing to try to get it back to... Because people liked A Force Awakens enough, and that people... I mean, obviously, The Last Jedi was very divisive. Extremely divisive. And actually, um, I'm not saying I like the movie. I'm not. But after my hate calmed the fuck down, I'm like, okay, I could appreciate this of The Last Jedi. Um, Case in point, Martin Campbell. Who's familiar with him? Uh, Uh, um, Hero's Journey? He directed Goldeneye. Oh, and Casino Royale, two very good James Bond movies. He basically rebooted both franchises. He also directed Green Lantern. Oh, yeah. Ryan. yeah. 
So, just because you're good doesn't mean you can always like. I, I think that I saw it was called the. Um, it's a fallacy about uh, people can I, 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 the shooter fallacy. Uh, it's like uh, people who th- who shoot free throws. Um, yeah. Just because they make several in a row, it's always the same uh, chance. So like three in a row does not mean they'll hit the fourth. Exactly, and the thing is. When it's not your baby and when you're dealing with these IPs, WB has not had a strong record in terms of... See, the difference is Marvel is in two control, right? They could have a mediocre movie, but the entertainment formula that they created works, right? The, the humor, the slapstick, the low stakes, yada, yada, yada. You barely give a shit anymore. And mm-hmm. it's basically to the point where it's dra- at, at, at Dragon Ball Z level where you don't even care where people die anymore because multiverse, there's going to be a different version of them, right? Mm-hmm. So... WB had the tendency of like putting all their faith in their directors, um, especially with the superhero genre. Richard Donner was Superman. That was all him. Tim Burton was Batman. That was all him. Chris Nolan, that was all him. And then they gave um, Zack Snyder the undertaking of, hey, create a universe, and he couldn't do it. And then he was unfortunately fired in the guise of, hey, he's taking uh, time off for his family because I think one of his kids died, which is true. Yeah. But he also yeah. got fired. He also got fired for a fact. So, so with that, when you when you're talking about Star Wars, it's completely. And I hate to sound like a broken record at this point, but it is. A, it's two things. Number one, agenda. What's the point we're trying to make with this movie, as opposed to storytelling? Because again, we've seen Star Wars done better with less, and then also not respecting its own property. Anybody who watches Star Wars or anyone who cares or knows Star Wars, and that's what Andor and, and, and film, films like Andor and Mandalorian do ex- ex- exceptionally well. They understand the world first. And then make the story. But they yep. were also allowed to. They were allowed to because Dave Filoni has been six up. Dave, Dave Filoni and Favreau, Favreau being new kid on the block with, with Mando, but J- Dave Filoni is remnants of old Lucasfilm. He's one of the few. He was there for Clone Wars. He was basically christened by George Lucas saying, oh, he understands my shit. You know what I mean? So when you have other people, especially Kathleen Kennedy, I'm not saying it's all her fault, but she, she's, a, she's a, an approval person. Yeah, and she's also part of my uh, shot shooter fallacy, where I was baffled because, like, another another tea leaf that said this could be the best thing ever. Look at Kathleen Kennedy's record up to this point; she doesn't miss. All right, Right. this is going to happen. This is going to happen. But um, a friend of mine who uh, he he, he's he's got some connections in the industry. He sent me down. He's like, "No, Keith, she's really good at her job. She's not a science fiction writer." She doesn't At give all. a shit. Exactly. And I mean, she, she gives a shit enough to take the position, but not enough to be like, oh, it's all her fault. She probably has people reading the scripts to her and being like, oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, he said that, um, yes, Keith, she really is one of the greatest of all time of like her job is to make it so that crazy people can make what they want and not have to worry about the money. Because um, like, you know, George Lucas or Steven Spielberg, they aren't money men. They don't know how that works. But she ran like, all that so that they can make as wild a vision as they wanted to. But mm-hmm. no, Keith, not everybody can do what they do. And that's bam. Just so when, so another. saying that Ryan Johnson just purposely like just dropped the ball. I don't think that's the case at all. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't think he understood the world. That's for sure. And, 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 and MJ, to your point, like saying like the, the, the battle strategy, they, I mean, they don't care about the world enough or they didn't do the research enough about the world or the characters because you're right. That is stupid strategy on the point of the resistance and rehashing, you know, um, 
basically stormtroopers 2.0 versus a small group of resistance which how the fuck did we get there i thought you guys were winning by the way yeah one one thing i despised about the sequel trilogy was all the lore about the resistance in that like oh Mm. the new republic existed but they don't want to fight the first order because they you know the galaxy doesn't want war again but we're gonna fund this rebel junta thing called the resistance and it was just such a like ass backwards way i don't think that was ever even said in the movies no, like, no, was... you, no, you had, you had to read the Wikipedia page. I had to read yes. the Wikipedia page to find that out because I was curious. And, and I was I, like wondering, like, wait, why? What's going on here? Why are you the resistance? What's happening? It's like, why and... are you the resistance? Why are you the powerhouse? Why do you guys look exactly like stormtroopers? Why are you guys so fucking strong? And who's this big, wrinkly testicle who's snow? <laughs> <laughs> Marketing says mysteries and what people will buy. All right. So phasma agendas, shiny agendas is the name of the game. And then when you take a step back. We got Mandalorian under Kathleen Kennedy because she approved something else. We got Rogue One, which, by the way, is still underrated. You could argue it's not in, nothing's needed. I mean, the, the, the story, the, the Skywalker story is done after Return of the Jedi, period. Yep. So nothing's needed, quote unquote. But if you're going to do it, at least you hope it's like decently, decently well. And again, this is all subjective. But since Agenda is the name of the game, not knowing your characters as well as they should, Dave Filoni does. You know what I'm saying? The people who, so, who oversaw and, um, Andor does, uh, Man, Man, Mando, uh, Mandalorian does. Dude, Bryce uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, wow, is a crazy good director out of is nowhere too. I think like the, that was like the first time she directed, right? Because like I found her IMDb page, and I didn't see stuff before that, and she her directing style out, out of nowhere. Well, keep in mind, who, keep in mind who her father is. She's right. learned from the best. Yes. Exactly. But that's just my point. They understand the world first. And then again, I understand like, well, we all understand like not all stories is approved or, you know, like, you know, in our control. But if you just say on paper, and this is, this is, this is a lesson to anybody out there as far as how it really works on paper, the last Jedi actually is decent. A lot of these stories are actually decent on paper. If you were to say the opening se- it opens with a sequence as far as the resistance is leaving and there's a big uh, space battle with a lot of losses, you'd be like, oh man, there's a lot at stake. And then like, oh, they're on the brink of destruction and they have to go out before time. Uh, and there might be a possible mole on the bridge, which, yeah, that, that plot device as far as a uh, purple-haired woman, I forget her name at the moment, she's, she's great. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, I mean, if they even planted the seeds as far as like her possibly being a traitor and uh there might be this we have to look over there blah 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 blah. but it was like a story it was basically giving these characters things to do but on paper yes if you were to say like hey the legend luke skywalker is going to try to convert ray to not fight but give her enough lessons type of thing oh kylo ren who you think is going to be redeemed and basically is having phone sex but through the force um <laughs> might may or may not you know be converted but he ends up being like the main bad guy at the end oh shit that's crazy man that's, that's never been done before and there's a big throne room scene wow um like there's a lot of things that sound good on paper that if you're not reading the script you're gonna you, i mean you're just, just kind of like okay great you know what i mean like we're gonna I do. Tell I we got Raylo. <laughs> yeah we got Raylo, and then put it this way we got po- politics and uh, Andrew, um like, so hard against ray and finn getting together um but you're you're right i i do it like years ago i i this came up where i'm giving ryan johnson too much credit because like i said i i was maybe still am a Ryan Johnson fanboy. Like I used to go to his message board back in the day. And I think I, I created like at least one message with his brother who ran it. And I was just all like, I was like, Ryan Johnson can't miss. And, and like, even like uh, the, the behind the scenes from him, even he was saying that I can't write like this. 
Like if this is, I don't have enough time. And this is what we end up getting as a result. Like the reason why we have the ships doing what they do is because he's trying to control um, the production. Like with uh, giving them all these limits and keeping them in like a submarine battle locks them all together. So he does, he has fewer pieces to have to work with and worry about. And, and instead they just blow up one by one, which I do still think that he was right working hard to make sure that he wasn't selling toys. He, um, he did the best he could. There's all, let me put it this way, like the crystal foxes, porgs, things like that. You don't think there's people who's like, who, who have like their input in this bitch. Like literally there's like a whole team of people going, Hey, we could use this as an opportunity for this. Hey, we could use this as an opportunity for this. And then he has to try to make that work. I'm telling you this right now, almost doing these kind of movies are either the formula to why to claim or suicide. And unfortunately, there's so many uh, agendas uh, for, in these movies. And or, again, uh, I forgot who said it earlier, but again, no expectations. You don't expect it to be good. But we still got politics on both sides. We got corruption on both sides. And it was really well done as opposed to a whole. And mind you, George had an unnecessary like factory scene. You could justify it all you want, but he had basically a Mario <laughs> Brothers scene with Anakin and Padme in, in, in Attack of the Clones because there wasn't enough action pieces. You know, and then you throw in that whole cancel bite we're wrecking shit, even though they're gonna pay for it tomorrow. And then like now it was worth it. You know, what there's a lot of pointless stuff that is still Star Wars trope. Good, well, bad, and I what you know? that cancel bite thing one more like I, I do like I do think it's a mix of uh he tried hard, came up short, but also couldn't help but take a shot at like the Disney machine that he hated because the Canto Bite set was the most expensive set ever created in Star Wars up to that point. And what did, did you, they do? Do you think it? that was a stab at Disney? I think uh, yes. I think you're giving them way too much credit. Because uh, like what? So like because it's the most expensive set of all time. And what did they do with it? They just trashed it and made goofy jokes and also tried to get a penis monster in there. My man, what was happening in the world at the time, bro? Uh, Trump. There's a lot of stabs. In other words, I understand you want Ryan Johnson to have got his comeuppings in this one. I'm Um, telling you, bro, I don't think he had as much control as you think he did. And what it serves on a, a, like, put it this way, like, Revenge of the Sith is arguably about Trump. You know what I'm saying? And, and like, the Republicans and shit like that. You know what I mean? And having... Or Bush, I'm sorry, not Trump, Bush at the time. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So things like that. So you could say it's about Disney. That's fine. Big corporate, yada, yada, yada. But like the whole, there's no, um, there's no good or evil on both sides type of thing. That was basically a reflection of what was happening. Um, I'm not sure about his comeuppings. I, I, I can't. Yeah, I don't know about that. It's just that all these elements lead up to the same thing, such as. Like um, all the direct, the, all the uh, the colors of all the characters, none of them are colored in the way that on the toy aisle, aisle a kid will want to impulse buy one of them. Um, nothing is ever used. Like so, like you know, give the original Star Wars the way like Han Solo even poses with his blaster, or the way Luke Skywalker clashes with his lightsaber. That like sold so many toys, but in here, everything is used in poor ways that make you not want to buy them. <laughs> And I think I'm that's this right now. Every single mm-hmm. part had to be approved. Period. I <laughs> believe it, but like I think he was a good salesman. Like he pushed his message, and like he is that good of a director that I think they listened. And they, they that was like the time when toy sales for Star Wars tanked because 
No, the ships were used in a way that were exciting. They weren't designed well. I and then, like I said, like that one part where it goes, it's all a machine, and looking at the X Wings and TIE Fighters, and that only works on a metal level. I, I, hear th- you. I think it's something where we need like more insider behind the scenes info to like confirm or deny. We'll uh, see. Yeah. Uh, cause like, like one of the reasons why it was like so popular amongst leftists is because it kind of had this like, you know, anti-capitalist message, uh, capitalism is the real (laughs) driving the star Wars. (laughs) I mean, if Disney falls into that category, sure. By proxy and yeah, not arguing, but at the same time to say like, Hey, I'm purposely, eh, I don't know. I'm not convinced on that one. That's cool. Like, you know, that's the reason why we have our opinions, but I Mm -hmm. don't know, man. Like he, when you when you see him championing championing words I can't say well, um, like on the marketing end, like when when Mark Hamill, mind you, he's paid his dues. You know what I'm saying? He helped create pop culture. He 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 has a permanent like place in in, in pop culture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He has a he has a he has a right to not give a fuck. He's old. He's he knows the game. He was successful when he's successful. He's not when he's not. He understands the game better than most people. You know what I mean? So when he's not happy about something, he at least lets it be known, even on like a a, a, a slight like uh, passive aggressive tone. Oh yeah, Ryan Johnson has been he's doubled, tripled the frick down as far as I would do it again. Like all <laughs> yes, like I did this for Disney, I did this for us. I made a good movie. If y'all didn't like it, that's cool too. I'm still um, proud of he did not say he did it for Disney though. Like he's on record for saying like how much he's making his movie. And this is what he wants. And I understand that I, 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 I the, from what I know of he's him, also a smart he would director, never decide. Go ahead. What was that? He's also a smart director. He's never going to like, in other words, he's a, he's a good director. I mean, I'm not as big as a Ryan Johnson fan as you are and m- mad respect to it, but you know, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. You don't work again. Right. If you do. I know. Um, he, 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 I would never, he, knows never he, he knows how to take the bullet for sure. So people saying like, "Oh, this is Disney's fault." So it's like, "No, it's my movie." He'll, I mean, again, I actually give him a lot of props for standing by his integrity. I, I for me, it's uh, I understand he's rock and roll, and that um, he would stand by what he did. I definitely understand that is what I see. Um. I yeah I, I really do like like I said like I, I I'm a big fan because like you know I've listened to every interview of his I listened to all of his director commentaries um, until Last Jedi so this is the kind of person that he kind of is and that's why I'm not just grasping at straws it just kind of all it adds up to like oh okay it makes more sense like why things are ending up how like they are and. Um, while not uh, outright trying to bite the hand that feeds him, the I don't think that uh, Disney will ever hire him again because he definitely did not help them sell any toys or merchandise. Yeah, but have they officially confirmed that they've killed his trilogy that was <laughs> not officially announced? <laughs> but like, even when that came out, I, I, I love it. it when never, that came out, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is a business move only. Like. They knew what was going to happen with The Last Jedi. They felt it. They could see no, they that not. there was going to be a massive backlash. But no, to make not. it look like it was great and genius, they had to say ahead of time, and hey, we're going to give him his own trilogy. That will never happen. But uh, it has not created in the mind of the fan base that it's that great that he's going to get another three movies. 
Okay, okay so t- my cynicism. I'll oh, go ahead, ma'am. Go ahead. So I guess we need to start taking bets, which is going to show up first: the trilogy from the Game of Thrones guys or the trilogy from Ryan Johnson. I'm still waiting for the t- Taita Waititi uh, droid that's movie, <laughs> and that's another case. Of okay, if Waititi so. does droids, I'd be on board with that. I think that'd be entertaining, especially if you did watch the old droids cartoons from the '80s. But that's just those me. are great. Those are great. Shout out to Wicket. Um, but, but no, so I guess I'm a little jaded by the industry and I'm not saying this is like across the board true, but enough for me to stand by anytime on Tuesday, you know what I mean? Twice on, mm-hmm. fi- on, on Friday With directors and personalities and successful head honchos are as successful as they're allowed to be at a certain point. Not everybody is Spielberg who came around at the height of the industry. Uh, Lucas, the forefathers, you know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. And even before them, predecessors, before visual effects and all that stuff. Now, Ryan Johnson might have been allowed to do it when he was allowed to make his movies, not in control of other people's IPs. And mind you, I'm glad you guys brought up the fact that he was promised another trilogy. Basically, they were banking on his stuff to work, regardless if he made his own movie or not. These directors who have these... uh, 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 Edgar, Edgar Wright, uh, Scott Pilgrim, all that stuff, right? He was supposed to direct Ant-Man and everybody knew it. Everybody in the industry knew it. And, you know, this is about where Marvel's like really, really hype, but it wasn't quite Infinity War yet. Hell, it wasn't even like Civil War yet. He was, dude, he worked on this Ant-Man movie forever. It was yeah. him, his movie. It was supposed to be, and at, at like golden hour, he walked away. Because essentially, big Marvel wooden budge certain things right and arguably you know ant-man ended up fine but a lot of the work that went into it on his behalf that's what i mean by like you're as great as you there's a lot of edgar wright fans that were pissed you know what i'm saying right because right he didn't yeah like he, he didn't want to he didn't want to play ball so it's not that they're not great and i'm not trying to be dismissive in that sense it's just that realistically i think you're underestimating big machines sometimes or big 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 corporate or making the decision to to get in the in the pool with big corporate because you could agree on something and it looks good on paper. He was given a job to not make that shit be another Force Awakens, and he did it. He made the movie he made wanted to do. He definitely didn't have people going like, "Hey, this doesn't make sense because Star Wars this already exists." Hence the opening sequence. The fact that they're still using the plot device like, "Hey, this one flight like fighter pilot or fighter." can go against the big ones because they're too small for our guns. That's been done <sighs> way over in every medium, in every video game, in everything. So not having the advisements, not having the people who have like the Star Wars encyclopedia next to them, not the expanded universe, just the world. Like, hey, this is how this works. Hey, they've had jetpacks since the Clone Wars. Hey, this, that, da, 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 da. They saw toys opportunities everywhere they went. There were so many hands in this shit. Like, it may have been this movie, dude, but you cannot say it was not touched every step of the way. Well, here, here's uh, a question for you. Um, Lucasfilm right now, the, their next two releases, their big ones are Willow and the Indiana Jones 5. And Keith and Isaac know my opinion of Willow, so I won't bore you guys with that. Um, sure. If Indiana Jones 5 flops... And the rumors that Kathleen Kennedy is supposedly going to step down after Indiana Jones 5 comes out. But then they turn around and say they're going to keep her around. Do you think that 
Disney will try to set up Lucasfilm the same way that Warner Discovery is setting up DC Films and have a creative like John Favreau teamed up with Ken- Kathleen Kennedy and try to write the ship. If they're smart, yes. Um, I think smart, yes, yes, but they're going to do everything possible to make it not look like they're doing that because they can never show weakness. Um, they can't show that we totally fucked up here. Um, everything is going to be done like with um with uh, Warner Brothers. They are showing like, sorry, we, we fucked up. We're starting all over. Let's get this ship righted. Uh, Disney will never admit it. Instead, we'll see. We'll see like what happened with the Mandalorian, which is writing the ship without directly pointing at what went wrong. Well, that's what I'm thinking. If they do end up, I mean, because what Kathleen Kennedy re-upped for five years, a couple years ago, if yeah. she ends up not leaving, if they tell her, well, okay, fine, if you're not going to leave, then you need to accept this change to the hierarchy and have somebody come in and work in conjunction with you at your level. And I just want to know... Sorry, I was just going to say that, like, I want to know what photos she has of incriminating evidence, because, like, I, I feel like we've seen, like, executives fuck up with far less who get, got in the door, but I, I have no idea why uh, she seems to, uh, other than the fact that it would be a bad uh, press story and yep. how she's managed exactly. to stay in. Um, yeah, it's the optics of, like, the political landscape that we're in. Like, like I, I think I did notice uh, during the trauma of Trump was that there are some people who didn't say it out loud, but they're trying to treat Kathleen Kennedy. Like she was the, uh, Hillary Clinton that did win. And she's <laughs> instead of, yeah, wow. I felt that so hard. Like, you know so, like we had the shadow of Trump and then like all of a sudden Kathleen Kennedy became the, the savior and that, that she should be defended no matter what. And like, and that's what the arguments kept on coming back to. Like, how dare you question her? And that was like the optics of it. That was like she was the hope that like, oh my God, we have Trump, but at least we have this strong woman leader in this important position. And that's a victory for everyone. And that is in the subconscious. And therefore, you don't want to mess with that subconscious or else or fucking else. Unless she steps out like, of her own accord. Yeah. Yep. I feel like marketing is way more... Ah, is way more entertainment than people think it uh, or know it is. A lot, a lot of things are very strategic. I mean, even having James Gunn at, at Warner Brothers is very strategic. And um, I, I know you had mentioned um, something earlier, Tony, as far as like uh, admitting defeat as opposed to giving the people a voice. There's a difference, mm-hmm. you know. What I mean that that illusion of hey, we're contributing, even though it's like all according to plan type of thing. Like hey, we're gonna make it think like make it seem like it's their idea. Like that little bit of give and take is all that's needed for success. And here's the thing too, like not for us. We're not that our we're not that target audience because we have our we have our, our what's sacred to us. But Star Wars is still successful for newer generations. Maybe not as successful as like Phantom Menace because of hype and stuff, but like toy sales aren't as huge as what they were, but they're still strong contenders. You know what I mean? Like uh Disney Disneyland and uh and Star Wars Land, um I forget what it's called at the moment, but it's it, it still does oh, very Galaxy's well. Edge. Galaxy's Edge, exactly. Yep. So it's still very lucrative for them. The 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 build your own lightsabers there. The 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 Kyber crystals. The build your droids. Like it's working towards the new trilogy. That's not necessarily our bread and butter, but well, it works. For the- but it's it, uh, well, this is wait, always wait, hard. Wait, 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 w
it feels like all the culture from like new Disney Star Wars has come from Mandalorian. Like yes. I, I've seen a little bit of embracing of like a Ray and Kylo, but like it feels like I don't see anyone like do having as much fun with like prequel era memes or like right. you know compilations with like the Disney sequel. era tr- tr- sequel trilogy. The, the best I see. I'm oh, sorry. Real, real, real quick, I want to jump into uh, face Isaac, please. Oh, uh, no, what, what was your response to that, DJ? I'm kind of curious. Um, so one of the things that, well, like, uh, the Scott Knightlick, uh, in the Spectre Creative channel, um, he's really good at like analyzing toys and toy sales and and like who's on pegs and whatnot. And he pointed out how much that uh, when it comes to what's successful, that's what gets pushed and what's selling. And you're if like uh, if that if the sequels were as if there was sequels were simple, we would still be seeing a good amount of new Ray toys and new Kylo Ren toys and, and whatnot. But instead what kids are going after and what's been selling and what's been pushing the merchandise is the Mandalorian. So, right, right, right. And I, and I apologize if I gave the, uh, the impression I meant the sequel, I meant Star Wars. Gotcha. So it is basically, for instance, making it work, right? Because a hundred percent, like when the, I mean, Force Awakens was kind of like, "Hey, Star Wars is back," and then once the hype went down, you're like, "Yeah, was it really good? Like story wise, was it really good?" Well, then, also, Force Awakens always then, felt like, "Like, all right, Disney, we're going to give you a pass, but you better bring it. You better be, do a real movie next time. You can't just remake exactly. it." Exactly. Exactly, and and it, and, it, and it will for, it will forever be that because essentially the story wasn't original. It was very much, "Hey, let's get new kids to like this shit," and. Guess what? That's the that's the kind of movie that we got. So Star Wars still works, and in terms of making it work, is like, hey, we got to stand by our product, right? So, I mean, again, you can make the argument. Star Wars has always been a reflection of times. I mean, I don't care if you give me a female lead, whatever, whatever. Just make them good. You know what I mean? Don't make it blatant. Don't 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 convert everything. Don't make that guy that should have been a guy now a chick just because. Um, and I feel that way about a lot of things. Like, just give me good characters. Give, yeah. give me, give me good characterizations. I mean, hell, when it comes down to like giving Asian actors more shit just to give them more shit, I'm 100 percent behind that because they get the very short end of the stick all the fucking time. Give some Latinos involved, you know what I'm saying? That kind of stuff. But in terms of reflection of the times, like, like Star Wars Land, like th- th- it did get more girls into to Star Wars more than ever with Ray, with the chick from um, Rogue One. Can't remember her name. Jenner, um, so. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And so there's there's a little bit of um, agenda that's just always going to be reflected nowadays. Now, in terms of toys, they're making... No, they mean 100% after Last Jedi. Oh, Star Wars sales plummeted. They plummeted. Like, it just it was just not the... It was just not the reaction that, that everyone thought it was going to be, period. And Disney didn't plan on that shit. You know what I mean? So in terms of making it work, now they're listening to Dave Filoni. Now they're bringing in John Favreau. Now they're doing this. So in terms of showing weakness... It's more, hey, let's give the people a voice, even though we're still in control. That Kath- Kathleen Kennedy can yeah. still step down and still be involved. That's what people don't understand. Like the whole marketing of announcements of parts who's president, who's not, da 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 da. Yeah, sometimes it's as simple as that. And other times it's just more strategic strategy as far as, okay, collectively behind the scenes, you have the title, but you're still involved. Um, not to go back to it, but I didn't hear your opinion, DJ. Um, what'd you feel? What'd you experience with Finn? Oh, about that. Did you have hope at first? Specifically about Finn, I am disappointed yeah. about the uh, the handling of Finn. Um, Did you expect I, better? Like, were you, like, were you, could you see it coming from a mile away, or were you saying, oh my god, we're here in a new age? 
I'm trying to keep this short because I've been so over talky. Um, this one I want you to go long, but as long as it's short, no, short okay. Go I, I'll tell you what. You guys shut me up anytime. Then how about that? Then I was excited because it was more. Where are they going to take Star Wars? And now mm-hmm. we have a, a black protagonist, and he's holding Luke's lightsaber. What is happening? Yeah. What is happening here? I remember walking out of The Force Awakens going, that was really well done. Because I'm with you, Keith. I'm with you. Um, the formula made enough sense. George Lucas has never been a good director. He's always been a good concept person. He's always been a good um, idea person, or at least decent. Um, even in the first ones, they had a lot of people pushing back, which you could argue made a better, uh, made a better uh, product. Yep. And then in the prequels happened, he said, I'm going to do what the fuck I want, when I want, <laughs> how I want, and you're going to act it the way I do it. Um, so George not being the director, I had mad hopes because, again, other properties and other hands has been successful, has been great, has been amazing. Video games have added to the lore at this point. Thrawn Trilogy, uh, give me my Mara Jade, whatever. I, I mean, I get it. Maybe that's not the, direct, the way it's going, but Star Wars has been alive and 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 flourishing in different ways with less so with different and and you know jj abrams to me decently did star star trek uh not everyone has to agree with me but i thought that was like you actually got there right there what did you say i'm sorry i said uh jj abrams did decent in star trek people could disagree with me but i thought that was his resume for the fan or at least for the the franchise Mm -hmm. so to have Finn as a protagonist Again, I I remember walking out of the Force Awakens, going, "I have hope." I, I, I you talking about him being a stormtrooper, and that uh, how did you phrase it? You said that uh, that slots that, him out of the story. Slots him out of the story. I I disagree because that's writing. You can make him as relevant or as not relevant as you want him to, regardless of whatever occupation he has. Matter of fact, uh, old dude from uh, Andor was a former stormtrooper too. You know what I'm saying? And listen, he had his own motivations, but you, in, in the little bit of uh, characterization you got, you understood it. Where Finn, um, hmm? where Finn had that wake-up call, and I understand there's like a deleted scene that kind of explains his wake-up call, but stuff kind of just happens, and you could argue that's a J.J. Abrams uh, storytelling element where we'll understand it later. Right, that's fine. Okay, whatever. I love the fact that he's on the op, op, from the opposite side trying to do better you know what i'm saying just give me give me a better reason why and then give me the potential now I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now go for it i was it. gonna say i think that's in you though i think that's in like the fans and like how we would normally see star wars because that's what they should have done but i'm positive um making him a stormtrooper and then building a story from like where you can come up from there and that well, why does sense. that have to be from? Why does that have to be from me? It doesn't have to be Star Wars. I mean, oh, no. the, the concept. I mean, of- like uh, the 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 story that you're seeing of that is in the heart of a fan, not the intention of what they were trying to do. Sure, but it's also in the heart of a story. Like, there's been several times where, I mean, Snape was a double agent in Harry Potter. Like, there's something yeah, but that really was in- from the heart of the writer. That that was their intention, but when they made him a stormtrooper, and if okay. there was ever the actual intention to really do what we feel they could have done, they would have even tried. But they, didn't. I'm still, I'm still standing down in mm-hmm. terms of like I understand, I, I hear you. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. not entirely subscribing to what you, to what you're saying in terms of as a fan, mm-hmm. as a concept, who is a fan of Star Wars, 
having a stormtrooper be good as a concept. Mm-hmm. And do I like the property of Star Wars? I mean, put it this way: um, name another um, uh, franchise where there's like good versus evil that's like very clear. Um, besides Sith and Jedi, like name something else. Lord of the Rings. Sure, having freaking son of Sauron uh, be a good guy is interesting by nature. So I'm talking about as a writer, man. I'm talking about as a character. It's an like interesting character to me. I'm not talking about yes. as a fan. Gotcha. Or, okay, I understand. Or, or you can make the argument, I'm talking as a fan of the property who understands he's a bad guy being a good guy. Regardless, that's interesting to me. That doesn't mean yes. I'm projecting. Now, as a fan, I think we're all, as Star Wars fans, I think we're all guilty of projecting our wants and expectations to some extent. You know what I mean? Like, hey, George shouldn't have directed the prequels. Hey, they should have done it this way. Hey, uh, technically... Han Solo pushed himself against Leia, whatever. And uh, freaking Queen Amidala is kind of weird, you know? Um, mm-hmm. little, little weird fetishes. Right. I'm just saying as a concept, it's right. writing at that point. To me, that's writing at that point. Uh, putting a, the amount of relevance and irrelevance is up to you, which is why Poe being dead or not dead is up to them. So mm-hmm. that could have been done really well done, even not even as a fan, as a concept, as a character. I remember specifically... When they told, they said that he was from Sanitations, that took me way the fuck out because that was the I was forgiving it like crazy, right? Like a mm-hmm. lot of it was like I didn't realize how new like a new a new hope it was at the time, but a lot of it was just so well paced and executed. I'm like, man, this is the best executed Star Wars I've seen in a very long time, which is true because George didn't execute his Star Wars well as a director. So getting a well directed Star Wars movie was exciting to me, and then when they made him a janitor, that fucked me up. That really yeah. fucked me up. I'm not even going to hold you. That fucked me up. And you can say it's a black thing. You can say it's just a a dis uh, a, a non uh, a disservice to his character or his potential. But just in general, I remember going, "Why the fuck did you?" I do very that? much keep trying not to say it's a black thing, but oh my god, it really, really looks. But like it hurts. That. It does. Yes. It definitely does hurt. And there's a little bit to say where, like, put it this way. You, you let me know if you agree with this, Keith. Like, mm-hmm. we look at our black characters. We want to see their handling. We do. We want to see, like, hey, oh, is it because of, of, of this reason or that reason? I remember specifically in the, uh, the, the heist in Andor going, like, oh, why this person got to die and that person lived, da-da-da-da-da. And at the same time, the dude that ends up being a traitor at the end was a white dude. And I didn't, want, I didn't necessarily want my any of the brothers be a traitor. So I guess it was good that they died, you know, the, things like uh, that. In that, in that, in that situation, I was watching exactly for that, but then they got the, the reason was like, uh, everyone was the, the, the slate of that crew is getting wiped clean. So that I understood was not as targeted, but like also sure. the difference is like, these were uh, characters within the story and not the, promoted in the trailer as wielder no, of Luke Skywalker's completely, com- completely different stakes, completely different weights. 100% not even comparing the weights and significance, mm-hmm. but I look, we, we look at these characters. We want to see mm-hmm. how they're handled. We want to see if the black guy dies first type of thing. Yep. And I guess what I'm saying is if the kid with the broken back would have lived and the other guy wasn't uh, a traitor, if one of the black dudes was a traitor, that would have sucked for us because like, oh, why have we got to be a traitor? Like, we're, yeah. we're very critical. We're very critical. And that's that's something I'll, I'll absolutely own up to. So there's a little bit of like bias there. Now, in terms of, and I criticize the trilogy as a whole for not having a map or a plan, they did not know what to do with these characters. And Finn was the biggest, biggest victim of that. They just didn't. And 
We can talk about <laughs> well, the sequel well, towards well, the other Finn, Finn gets his own uh, race-appropriate love interest, who's also a stormtrooper. Oh, God, and they did then friend-zoned her immediately because <laughs> different director had different intentions. And then the different director was like, hey, I'm going to make the two movies I wanted to in one movie. Yeah. Um, like I, I, at this point, I wanted to see Duel of the Fates. I wanted to see that unreleased version because at least that seemed like ambitious, and that's that's the one thing that's missing in in these tr- in the sequel trilogy is just ambition. Um, ambition from from the, a, from the Black Geek point of view, that uh, the first Okiro, uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, he did a he did a breakdown of uh, the Duel of the Fates, and he still pointed out that it still seems like they're trying not to let Finn be too cool and. Maybe, and, but that's definitely like a Disney production thing. I mean, yeah. they, they they were very clear about. Listen, I I would have loved to have Finn. At the end of the day, they t- they tethered themselves to the Skywalker story. They didn't have to. Yes, they God. Time they jump away told, from it. Don't fuck up the Skywalker story. But they could have told any story they wanted to do with this new trilogy. But you could argue then what makes it part uh, um, an episode. You know what I'm saying? What makes it worthy of seven, eight, nine? But they tethered it to a Skywalker story, mm. and they did. That was a choice they made. I remember, so, like, I said, they do the was formal story. handoff from legacy to next generation. So, you my know, my first time that I got yelled at about passed. sorry, sorry. Uh, the first time I got yelled at in Star Wars for the new Star Wars was like when it was coming out. I was like, okay, do a time jump. Do not bring back the old characters. Everybody's like, no, we want to see the old characters. Like, no, please don't, because all they're going to do is kill them all off and. Everybody's going to get mad, but people are like, no, this is going to be great. Just bring them back. And but like, yeah, when you have to bring them back and you want to bring in new characters, then we got we got a slaughter. But you, you got don't Raylo have- and Jake Skywalker. Oh, jeez, Jake Skywalker. Um, but Raylo. you don't have to kill them all off. I mean, <laughs> that's pretty much one of the top things you think is going to happen. But that's that was part of the excitement, which is like, wow, what. What else is there to tell of the story? That's not Thrawn trilogy. You know what I'm saying? Like, what else? What can mm-hmm. you do in modern Star Wars? And we didn't get modern Star Wars. We got next Star Wars. You know what I mean? Again, the ambition for the storytelling was non-existent, and now we're finding better done with less in these shows. And now we're just desperate for good. Hmm. We're just so desperate for decent. That um, the fandom is more div- uh, divided more than ever. We have these characters that were introduced that were just here and gone now, and a lot of the cast wouldn't even come back anyway. So I'm I'm surprised that Killy. Don't ask me why I watched it, but there was like this uh, the Star Wars Lego special, right? <laughs> and I think they, they and um and, and I think it was like a Christmas special, and they make Finn a, a, a Jedi apprentice of of Ray. Yeah, because because it was an unanswered, and I wouldn't even known about this unless my like my one friend told me to watch it. And they, they're they're basically including that because of of the and that's what I mean. Star Wars is too self aware for it to be pure storytelling anymore. And yeah, there's always going to be some bias. Marvel has bias. All the big IPs have bias, but Star Wars is the biggest victim is the biggest victim of. Hey, what do you think they want to see now? Oh, we started right, that so, one. Okay, so let's do this one better. So yeah, Finn is the, mm-hmm. uh, really quick, we we do need to start. Uh, Wrapping up within, I say, like maybe next thirty minutes or so. Yeah, uh, no, that's okay. I I have loved it. Thank you once again. Like I'm I'm glad you joined us. Like I love geeking with you, DJ. So thank you. I apologize, oh, no, uh, DJ. Something Never. I'm kind of d- desperate to ask you though. Um, what is your opinion of the um, what you call the anime uh, Star Wars Visions uh, spinoff that was put on Disney Plus? It was fine. 
<laughs> only fine. Only fine. All right. No, no. No, I thought it was. No, I'll put it this way. I I don't think it was released in a time where anyone can appreciate it. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. That, that, that. I liked it more than most, just because I, I'm a sucker for anime anthologies. My only complaint was that, like, I, I hated that all the stories were so freaking Jedi centric. Yes. Well, are you guys familiar with the? Uh, what was the one they did? Uh, well, first, uh, Animatrix kind of did it first, where they just kind of had like different. Oh, yeah. uh, they they were the uh, pioneers of the anime anthology. So ever since the Animatrix, I'm kind of I, I have a lot of affection, even when there's shit like the Halo one, when you just like, hey, nerds like anime. Let's like let's make anime people do our thing. Yeah, for sure. And then there was the other one that was done for Batman, Gotham Knights, yeah, I believe. Gotham Knights. Uh, what was another one? There was well, it wasn't an anthology, but there was also there was one for like, was like Chronicles a- of Riddick, Starship Troopers, Starship Troopers. They, they didn't do an anthology. Yeah. They didn't do an anthology. So, so- oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no, I was just going to say, but there was a specific Batman anthology one where it was different animators, different styles. It was very Animatrix-like. You know, the difference is the Animatrix actually fit into the narrative where Gotham Knights very loosely fit anywhere you wanted to kind of thing. Uh, but that had different styles, different animation, different, uh, different ja- uh, Japanese animation and stuff like that. And, you know, still had uh, Kevin Conroy, rest in peace. Um, but that was like a good collection of different anim- uh, animators. Uh, I think Star Wars uh, Visions is very well done. I don't think it was released at a time where anyone could really appreciate it as much. It kind of comes and goes. It's like Tales of the Jedi. That was fine. Yeah, it, it, it does have a, this is fine. This is more content for the content wheel. Uh, I, I guess I just have yeah. a lot of affection for the Animatrix. So whenever when someone does that, it hits that nostalgia chord. So I'll, it, it already gets like a few more points on the scale for me than. Uh, it's extremely well done. Like without question, it's extremely well done. The hype and appreciation for it, unfortunately, is just fine. <laughs> uh, really quickly, MJ, I have not heard from you in a minute. That's my fault. No, it's okay. Man. Oh, no, I've, been, I've been just sitting back and listening. Um, yeah, I know. DJ, we, I'm massively thankful. So, all good, man. But, uh, MJ, um, can you give us, like, your, uh, got anything to say? Like, what you felt worked, didn't work, what the hell happened to the sequels, and, and whatnot? Uh, it was definitely a rush product. It was definitely a shiny new toy for Disney, they just went, oh, look at the great big IP that we can rake more money in with, and we got what we got. Um, could have things have been different if they'd given everything another year? I'd like to think so. Contractually, they, they couldn't, though. Well, which, which uh, that that is uh, some conspiracy stuff that I, I don't know if it's true or not, but it did happen where, uh, like, when he, when Lucas signed it over, they had like two. They had to put out a movie like either every year or every two years, which is maybe just too quick for. Well, it ended up being too quick for him. Yeah, which is kind of odd because they haven't. You know, like I noted earlier, they haven't made another movie since Rise of Skywalker, and not a one of them that they've announced has gone into production yet. And who knows <laughs> if any of them are going to go into production at this point? Lol. Yeah, but um, but, but yeah, the sequels. I mean, rewatching them. There's still a trash fire. There's still a big dumpster fire, but at least... Did anything change? Like, yeah, I, I, I haven't gone back, especially The Last Jedi. Did anything change on how you felt about it this time around? I could see what Ryan Johnson was trying to do a little more with Last Jedi, but okay. the space battles still make me unreasonably angry, and 
what they did with Finn from start to finish. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if you ever read that before the Awakening book that I gave to you, Keith, but um, before Force Awakens came out, there was this compilation book called Before the Awakening, which was uh, basically background stories on Finn, Ray, and Poe. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what they had in that book, I wish you'd actually been able to see on the screen in The Force Awakens, because Ray, they talked about her life on Jakku as a as a salvager and all the shit that she had to deal with and how she learned to get a lot of the skills that a lot of people labeled her as a Mary Sue for having in the force awakens. And I bloody hate that label of Mary Sue, but anyway, and they explain Finn's life as a stormtrooper before he got to the force awakens and even had a backstory for the traitor stormtrooper, which was kind of neat to read. And Poe's backstory, he was actually the son of one of the X-wing fighters from the rebellion during the original war. But you wouldn't have known all that because they're just like, bullet points, bullet points, get to the bullet points. we got to keep the ADD kids from losing attention yeah. to whatever their directive was for The Force Awakens. Because that's always the thing with Jar Jar Abrams. He just has to go, 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 go. He can't give anything, any air or breathing space to, for you to digest. He just has to get to the next action piece. And, <laughs> yeah, I, I even feel like, um, <laughs> like uh, I was thinking... All those open-ended uh, questions and whatnot that he left for uh, Ryan Johnson to answer. Yeah, uh, I was I like when I was like going when I was heading toward, I was like, "Huh, you know, JJ, you didn't do any work, um, and now you're asking Ryan Johnson to do the work for you right now. I wonder what he's going to do because like, like all these things of like all these mysteries, um, good setup, and then like." If someone else nails like the dismount on it, you kind of get the credit for it. And then, like, yeah, freaking Ryan Johnson said, throws everything out. Like, I ain't answering shit. Come, I'm gonna kill Snoke. And Luke Skywalker never meant for people to find him, even though he left a map to him. And lol. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, Luke is too busy uh, milling around in his depression in the middle of nowhere and drinking green milk out of oversized sea cows. Yeah, that was that was a great way to see Luke. Or Jake, yeah. sorry, I gotta refer to him properly as Jake. Um, Unpopular opinion, I, yes. I didn't because you had asked him earlier, like, did anything change? I used to think The Last Jedi was the worst one, I don't anymore, to be honest with oh. you. I do think like that is the Rise of Skywalker just because of the clusterfuck that it is. Agreed, and I'm not saying. I 100% agree with you. Um, as much as um, Rise of the Skywalker uh, or uh, Last Jedi uh, fumbles a lot of things, it still has like uh, good scenes that are well directed and visually impactful scenes. Yep. Rise of the Skywalker yeah. is the worst example of like trying to appease a fan base and trying to make up your homework uh, and, and like try and make an adventure that these three leads characters should have had. Uh, and just bringing back Palpatine was the laziest fucking thing to do. <laughs> Yes, yes. So that's, the my, EU, difference the EU, that's and, my difference between favorite and best. Because, like, I'm just going by like favorite, not by uh, objective, like artistic best. Where, yeah, um, as much as I fucking hate the Last Jedi so much, like, god damn it, I've lived this long, long to get this. Um, I will say right. that it's the best performance I've ever seen Mike Campbell do. Yeah, and that's just it. Like, I mean. Star Wars isn't mine. I don't write it, right? So it doesn't have to be a Luke Skywalker that I would like to see. I mean, if, I think we all we all wanted to see like Grandmaster Jedi, Luke Skywalker in modern day, especially after the prequels. Just seeing 
a, a Jedi in its prime type shit. And especially after reading the books and just seeing all the examples of like, oh, Luke became a legend type of thing. So to kind of see that uh, quote unquote fall from grace was a little bit tough. But yes. let's just say, again, not my story. A story of a disgruntled, disgruntled hermit, Luke could work and it could be whatever. And, yes. you know, still not like it. But again, well, what was given to us was basically him holding his dick over his nephew and like, oh, I'm, I'm out of here. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, okay, if you look at that shot, he's holding his lightsaber like they hold lightsabers in space balls. He's oh, like dick? pointed directly from his dick. <laughs> and oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. But I will say like... um. The, the, there's like that critique of like we all people wanted was Jedi Master Supreme Luke Prime, and no, I mean I do want that, but you could do Fallen Luke. You just have to earn it. Like yeah, like if you're gonna do this, it has to be done well. You just can't just spam it and say. And then Luke got so mad he wanted to kill his nephew. Like okay, please earn that. No, he's just standing over him like he's holding his dick. Like okay, that I'm out. I'm, I'm not. Saw the Nothing. evil in him. He must be destroyed. But then I thought better of it. And, oh, yeah, and, and like, and poor Mark Hamill doesn't get to be on the same set as like anyone else except for Ray. Like each of those shots, you could tell that um, uh, Mark Hamill and uh, Adam Driver weren't there at the same time. That's, that's the that's the case about a lot of movie making nowadays. Like the Rock yeah. and Vin Diesel did not film Vader the Eight together at all. Well, uh, I know Mark Hamill's kind of hurt by that. Well, here's a question. Oh my god! And like he he's hurt by, and the, the, he he felt that same pain in Empire Strikes Back too. Like he fell into a depression because he is separated from everyone. Well, they did to him again. The Last Jedi. Well, here's a question. I'm kind of curious though. We we've just talked about like the wide gauntlet of uh, gauntlet of uh, Disney Star Wars, but what about Solo? <laughs> Does anyone have anything with Solo, <laughs> or is that like so mid that we can't even like uh, uh, bring bring it up from memory? Unpopular opinion. That was the most entertaining Star Wars movie I've ever seen, but it's also the most inconsequential. <laughs> um, I'll say once again, uh, please stop making the black guy your clown. Yeah, uh, yeah, but they—that that was a waste mm. of Donald Glover. Um, Indeed. Yeah, and so like everything about that, um, I would have given a complete pass if it wasn't a Han Solo movie. And instead, they said uh, uh, smugglers, the movie, and new characters that were doing exactly that. I would likely do a one eighty on like how much I don't like it. Um, and also, if they maybe didn't make Donald Glover a clown. Unpopular opinion, Solo is not as bad as people think it is. But I, I, I agree. Also, I also hate the blatant and this again, this is it comes down it comes down to agenda and objective. I mean maybe I should have been saying that the whole time. Maul was a force and um there's several parts of it that's just like this is forced. But other yep. than that, like I I can I can appreciate the Sabak game. Um one part I really did like about it, and I didn't expect to like give a shit i mean it's like such a small little detail but the fact that uh the robot becomes integrated into the millennium falcon i can appreciate just because of that one throwaway line in the empire strikes back where three like 3po says i don't know where your ship learned to communicate but it has the most peculiar dialect that was kind of cool yeah i uh, and um for me um i i don't like that uh i i then this is, i appreciate that oh. you do um but then my problem with it was uh, a lot of, a lot of things i keep seeing in kevin kennedy's star wars is to take away from the accomplishments of the original heroes. So like, yeah, you know, like instead of like, uh, 
Hanzo being able to brag that he did the Kelso run in less than 12 parsecs, it's because of Kathleen Kinney's character now that that happened. Then there's also, yeah, Luke Skywalker made the shot, thanks to Jenner Erso setting that up for him. Then there's the sequels, which siphoned like his victory over the Emperor. So like, I, I really hate each time they do that, where like, please, character, just have your own victories. You don't okay, need I'm, I'm, to I'm stack on somebody else's. I'm definitely with you. Um, I mean, even when, you know, 12 parsecs became like, not if you round down or whatever the case, like he, he had to mm-hmm. lie about it kind of thing. Yeah. I'm with you on that one, but I, I'm not defending Kathleen. I don't know her. I have no obligation. <laughs> her, no but it kills me when people say like, oh, Kathleen, she didn't, she didn't do none of this shit. She just approved it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like um, it's the writers, it's yes. the writers basically giving unnecessary backstories to stuff we never asked for. And then again, there could have been a little bit more weight to, to Solo. Um, it's, it's not bad. It was, it was fine. Well, that was what was frustrating to me about Solo is it was written by the Kasdans, Lawrence and his son. Exactly. And, and they and Lawrence wrote Empire Strikes Back. I'm like, oh, exactly. wait, the, the guy behind Empire Strikes Back is writing this. Well, this is, okay, this has got a chance. And yeah. well, well, also keep in mind, the directors did walk like in yeah. zero hour two. Like, that, 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 one, that one was a clusterfuck. The fact that Solo it was even as, uh, quote unquote, watchable, decent as it was. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a dumpster fire. It wasn't the right. uh, Rise of Skywalker by any means. Where it was basically a MacGuffin like fetch quest. I really um, wish you got to see what that original movie once could have been. The guys but, who went on to make the Spider-Verse. Well, well no. They, yeah. They, 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 they made an impeccable yeah. record even before Spider-Verse. I think Phil Lord and Chris yes. Miller are like two of the best creatives uh, in the industry at this they point. They really are, bro. Like The, the potential in, in, in Solo was... I feel bad for the cast anytime there's like production hell involved. You know what I mean? And that's where that's a reflection of the producers and and and, and, uh, and executives. You know what I'm saying? Like the pe- the reason why people Edgar Wright walks those those last hours. You know what I mean? Because they just realize like, damn, this is gonna suck because it's not mine. Yep, I I definitely noticed that a lot. Where uh, directors notice, oh yeah, the the first time I noticed, I keep on bringing this up, was uh, Thor Ragnarok. Um, cause like I was over the moon in love with it and with Taika Waititi. And then I listened to the director commentary expecting to have the time of my life. And everything about that commentary felt like Taika Waititi saying, I don't give a shit about this movie. Like there was the biggest, the biggest feeling of him saying this really isn't my movie. And that was like, I'm just continually making jokes because he didn't have much to say because it wasn't his baby. Not completely, but I will say on the, on the opposite side of that argument too, um, it's always a risk gamble, no matter what, like having, having uh, production involvement and not having producer involvement. Right. Because case in point, Taika killed Ragnarok and then basically said, Hey, do what you want. And then we got fucking love and thunder. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, we need this in the movie and we would like for you to include, uh, introduce this person in the movie. But essentially it was still like very much a Taika type of humor type of place. Um, Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman is are still up there for me. Like as one of the strongest superhero movies of all time. And then you get to fucking sequel. It was 89, <laughs> 89, yeah. 84, 84. Yeah. 84. Yeah. It's such a, and here's the thing too. She had way more creative control. Nobody telling her no. And that's what we got. So there is an yeah. argument to be made as far as how much involvement and how much, uh, you know, uh, stop buttons should be included. I mean, again, um, some of George's best works is because people were pushing back on him. You know what I'm saying? Until he got free race to do whatever the fuck he wants. 
So there is an argument to be made as far as how much creative control a director should or should not have. But mm. when it's too much or too little in one direction, it shows. Yep. And yeah, like, oh, and also like, uh, we highly underestimate the power and need of a good writer. Like, um, when it came to the first Wonder Woman, uh, there was another writer along with um, Zack Snyder who helped helm that and make it great. And then they're like, well, all the credit. And like, I even do this all the time. When it comes to a movie, I give, I always give all the credit to the director. I rare to almost never look at who the writer is unless it's a cartoon that I'm watching. Uh, and yeah, like uh, Ragnarok had Christopher Yost, who had done a lot of awesome in The Mandalorian and um, the amazing uh, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. He's an incredible writer, and I think that's who I was loving when I was watching Thor Ragnarok. And then he was gone, and now we just have Taika Waititi, and now we got Love and Thunder. Yeah. All right, so I think we should be wrapping this up. Like, oh, can, can um, I uh, make a suggestion for yeah, like, uh, the please. wrap it up? Uh, I think uh, in, yeah, in yeah, terms yeah, of final that's... thoughts, I think we should each give our prescription to how do you restore the light? How do you save Star Wars if you were if you got to be Kathleen Kennedy overnight? Oh my God, hmm. I'll go last. Um, MJ. How would you restore the light? Get back to the core of what Star Wars... Well, okay, hold on. Come back to me. Oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, you cut out there for a second. Can you say that one more time? Come back to me. Okay, okay. Uh, DJ, how would you restore the light? Restore light. I don't know, man. I mean, is that a point right now where... I don't know. Andor was pleasantly, surprisingly good. But I would also say it's, again, it didn't. It's very unresolved. Not a lot. I mean, I hate to say this, but like a lot happens in Andor and not a lot happens in Andor in terms of like resolution, you know? But it was also such a fresh quality take on the franchise that maybe more of that and applying that to the characters that we love. Um, but there's also the argument that like, do we have these new characters that a new generation. Do, does appreciate so it's like do we is it i, I almost like want to put this back to you to you gentlemen and ask like would you want to see the love of your original characters uh be revisited or is it more like we had our time i got my answer um that can answer all of it uh but isaac you first all right. Um, that's a, here's my suggestion. I think this is the critical flaw. Um, so one thing that's been holding Star Wars back is the adherence to the timeline. You can introduce new characters to the Marvel. You can have like little subsects with different genres and themes that have different styles and variety, which is why Marvel has been so um, strong, even in this right now in this weakest era where it feels like it's close to collapsing, but not quite. Still, people like it. My suggestion would be. Um, what the new the, the sequel trilogy should have done is it should have uh, created you know one big final advance of new characters and created a new status quo. Then you have a whole bunch of Disney Plus series to explore different elements in that new status quo. So I would bite the bullet. Either you make something new and use the uh, sequel uh, trilogy characters to like spearhead what this new phase of the galaxy works like, or you just use the Mandalorian, do a time jump, and put him in this new era so you have the freedom and you're not always con- fine to the lore uh, of you know oh is it a prequel trilogy is it regular trilogy is it sequel trilogy I, I feel like that would give something people to be invested in versus like these weird curiosities of story that appeal to different fan bases but it doesn't really feel like you you really need to watch the Bo 
Boba Fett show or the uh, or Andor, which has like no um, sort of narrative momentum, uh, and to like kind of build that cohesive builtness, and you can have like things that interlock with each other, and you just need a fresh slate, a fresh time period. So you, you got to bite the bullet, and then you can build everything from there. And probably Mandalorian's like the easiest way you could do that. So I would focus on that because that's universally loved, uh, and use that as like the uh, big pitch point to s- sort of like build this interconnected universe uh, and explore this new era. Can, right. can I can I can I jump in real quick before you, Keith? Yeah, because uh, I think you gave me my answer, man. And um, ironically, it probably wasn't around the Last Jedi that it was. I think a lot of people said it. There's a Disney formula that exists now. Even Marvel does it. Where there's Marvel fatigue now. I mean, again, the biggest thing is just like Kevin Feige is like, "Hey, we'll get back to basics and bring back the quality." But they got away with it for so long because of the likability aspect, right? Star Wars especially with all the wisecracking in Last Jedi, make it less Marvel. Yes, absolutely. Make, make, make it less Marvel. That's what it is for me without getting into specifics. Andor was not Marvel. Mandalorian wasn't Marvel. Make it less Marvel. All right. Good, good point. My, the, my, yeah, go, please. No, no, no. I was saying you made a good point. I didn't say I have a point. <laughs> Uh, oh, no, no, okay. just that I agree. Less Marvel humor overall would uh, benefit the industry at large. Um, what I think could save everything is um, a new movie trilogy that is a time jump of maybe 100 to 200 years in the future, and that um, it be thrust hard into the movie that maybe that sequel trilogy happened, maybe the Thrawn trilogy happened, we don't know. So what we end up having is the ability for any fan to choose whatever they want to be official. Like as much as I selfishly want to take away from the sequel fans and destroy what they love and, you know, defend why, what I, what I hate. No, wait, I can't remember what that sign line was, but like, yeah, as much as I selfishly like kind of want to destroy the sequels. Um, no, I don't want to take away from anyone. If you generally loved it, then you should be able to keep it. But for all those of us that like, don't want it at all. I want to the ability so that we don't have to have it so that it all becomes legends and like the future can either pick it up, like, you know, almost, almost make it seem like any of it or all of it almost happened. And also to shatter things so that they become a multiverse so that if you want to be in the extended universe, you will have stories there, make cartoons for it. Like how like Marvel has ever done all the comic books have been doing and you got your, you got several different kinds of X-Men. You have several different kinds of uh, Avengers and whatnot and, and different mediums and places where you can go to enjoy the thing that you love so that no one has to lose anything, but no one has to accept that uh, Jake Skywalker happened to all of us. Like you can keep him if you want, but then the rest of us can have, and that's why I do unofficially anyway. But if like Disney did it, then they can start making money from any section of Star Wars that will make money. Like even the, the goofy cheesy um, Star Wars Marvel comic books with greeny green bunny guys. Like if people want that, make some money off that, just make it so that everybody can have what they want instead of like holding this holy Bible of saying, fuck whatever you had. It's not official. 
Jake Skywalker's official, so just accept it. And yeah, don't force the fans. Just allow us to have fun in Star Wars. That's what I think we should, they should do. That makes sense? Uh, well, yeah. well, MJ, you have any, uh, what, what's your, uh, your studio tycoon take? Well, I, I even push it higher above Lucasfilm and just Disney overall, just stop vomiting content out and actually slow down and pay attention to what you're doing. Cause that's the biggest problem with all of it. They're getting so caught up in just content, 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 content. They're not paying attention to where they're going. They're just, then they don't pay attention until they face plant and everybody's angry at them and they realize they're losing money. I mean, Star Wars, the, the, to their credit, they have slowed down appropriately enough since Rise of Skywalker. And, you know, if they ever do, they get their crap together and figure out what they want to do for the movies. Yay. But even the shows, I mean, I'd be fine with maybe getting three series a year because this constant... We've got the Bad Batch, we've got the Mandalorian, we've got Ahsoka, we've got the Skeleton Crew coming out, we got Acolyte coming out. It's like, just... Yeah, okay, slow, just slow down. down. Yeah, <laughs> and I also want, to, I want like, a, an overarching thing I can give a shit about. I mean, again, that's kind of what I meant by, like, make it less Marvel. I meant even just, like, as a, as a property. I mean, right. Marvel was successful enough because their base was for, uh, successful enough to, to try to oversaturate the Disney Plus stuff. And, you know, you could argue if that was successful or not. Um, it was where it was, and it wasn't where it wasn't. But just the number of shows. But if you're going to do movies again, give me something thought out. You know what I'm saying? Like, give me an antagonist or an, uh, or an opposition that I can give a shit about. And that's one thing that Marvel's suffering from right now, where I'm sure Kang the Conqueror is going to be a badass in the next phase, but right now I don't give a shit. Like, give me something I can give. I didn't give a shit about Snoke. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't like, how, how was the sequel trilogy going to be resolved? It was more like, okay, how do we get to the end? You know, Palpatine's gonna die. How do we get there? Like, oh, I want like, to. I want to give a shit. Well, you didn't like Leia using uh, Ben as a force puppet until he gave his life to save Ray. Come on. I mean, as much as I do, as much as I do. All right. Um, why are we gonna like? And yeah. Uh, final thoughts on the state of Star Wars, MJ. Um. Well, like I said at the outset, I before this I rewatched the original trilogy and then the sequel trilogy. I sometimes forget how much joy I just get from watching the original trilogy, and I'm sure later generations get that same kind of joy from watching the prequels. If that was their generation's first Star Wars, or even the kids that grew up who got into it with the sequel trilogy, I, I would just like to feel that kind of joy from the property again because it's just so all over the place right now and. Maybe it's because of their own content saturation that everybody's just get to the point where they're punch drunk and they don't give a crap. Okay, that's again going back to my comment four, just slow the hell down, but I I miss the joy of the original trilogy and yeah. experiencing all that for the first time. That they need to find the joy in Star Wars again. Like not being I don't know excited how about do the next Star Wars, bracing yourself for the next Star Wars. Yeah, I mean like Bad Batch, I have no intention of watching it just because the first season sucked. I, yeah, I, I don't I, care. I, I'm gonna yeah, sample it a little one. bit. I, mean, I know people who swear they love Bad Batch, and I think it's, like, it's okay at most. But <laughs> I liked Bad Batch before Omega showed up. Sorry, like I, I like, like Jimmy episode. The one episode they had was great. Yes. not enough to not enough to be like, hey, let's introduce them with the purpose intention of like giving them their own fucking show. Mm. All right. So I, 
Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, yeah. I, I, I hope that becomes the Mos operandi is just get back to what made star Wars, the thing that everybody gravitated towards what made everybody, why everybody loves it so much. That seems to be the biggest thing they're missing and forgetting right now. All right, DJ, your final thoughts on the state of star Wars. I said it once and I said, I said it again, that, um, the Yoda moment and the Empire Strikes Back where he lifts up the X-Wing is still, it still gives me goosebumps. The score, there's a majesty to it, magic to it, uh, a larger than life feeling towards it. Like to me, that moment, among others, of course, like defines Star Wars in terms of believing and not giving up, you know, the I don't believe it line. And then that is why you fail type shit, you know? The space opera part, all amazing. It gave us a world we we all are able to escape to, and it's the reason why lightsabers exist. It's the reason why we care about Millennium Falcons and stuff, and and characters where all you have to do is reverse your real American name, and you probably have your Star Wars name. <laughs> um, I say give the shit to freaking Dave Filoni. He got it from there. Dave <laughs> Filoni and uh, and John Favreau, you're our only hope. <laughs> Isaac. Um, I think uh, it's so interesting how you could have like something that's a uniform success like Andor, and then people are just so jaded that they just don't give a shit uh, about it. Yep. Um, I think uh, get people who like Star Wars, uh, who really want to tell a Star Wars story uh, and want to contribute to this universe. Um, find that talent. That's what made Marvel great in the early parts of the phase one, two, and three. Um don't for the love of god don't hit quotas of people who just want a disney paycheck uh and disney cred uh if you do that you will just get more forgettable stuff uh and um just you know yeah i agree with the sentiment give uh feloni and favreau more control because they're the kind of ones who uh won or they're the kinds of people who um seem to really get it right and yeah my final state is also I miss being in love with Star Wars, excited for the next Star Wars, instead of just gritting my teeth and going, oh, God, not in the face, not in the face again. And, uh, yeah, slow down, quality, please stop trying to attach yourself to original trilogy with everything you do. Um, I want, yeah, I'm dying for a time jump. I want to get away from the original trilogy so that, um, Star Wars is used as like a landscape and not like a reference point continually. Like um, one of the things that I loved about like fantasy novels when I was reading them back in the day was that there are so many different places and remixes and ideas that you could do. And they didn't all have to be the backstory of Gandalf. They didn't have to be like, you know, how did uh, this guy get the sword? It was like a door that you open to experience a a format of a fantasy world that anything can happen in. And that's what I want Star Wars to go back to. Like that feeling after the first Star Wars wasn't so that I could find out how they got the plans or who else wears the same robe as Obi-Wan Kenobi. It, to me, it was like the door opened and like, I got to see what happens when you and your friends can get a spaceship and you never know where you're going to land. So that's why I went back from Star Wars, and I am like, yeah, I really want to admit my, my multiverse, because the Marvel stuff had some bangers in it. Extended Universe 
has some immortal classics. And if people like the sequels, sure, you know, hook them up too. All right. So I think that's it. Um, DJ, where can we find more? Cool, go ahead. I was just going to say, you guys remember when the Death Star was cool? (laughs) Both times. First one or the second one? Or the third one? (laughs) (laughs) Stop, stop, stop. (laughs) DJ, (laughs) where can we find more of you on the internet? The credit scene in Andor, right? Yeah, that was a cool sequence where it's like, uh, oh, that's what they were building. Yeah. Oh, wait. See that coming. Um, I asked where we could find you on the internet, and you said in the in credits oh, of Andor. Oh, you're no, talking about the Death Star still. Oh, okay, cool. Um, trying to close no, up here. Where can we find, find more me? of your work on the internet, or actually on television and in movies? Where can we find you next? Uh, you could probably pop see me popping in and out of General Hospital. I have a recurring there. I pop up whenever they write me in. Um, on social media, just look up DJ Rivers. It's actually DJ dot two dot Rivers, but eh, DJ Rivers something will pop up. Other than that, that's that's me on social media. I'm not really a big social media guy. I don't do the Twitter. I refuse Snapchat. So yeah, you're just on national television. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> I am. I am a cool star. That's what. Cool to me, man. That is very cool to me. MJ, where can we find you on the internet? I'm on all all the socials as MJ3342. All right. Uh, Isaac, where can we find you on the internet? Check me out on my YouTube channel, Lobster Magnet Reviews. Take a look uh, look out for my, uh, whatchamacallit, big G4 video soon, or G4 video and the LinkedIn recruiter video. I will be there. You can find me at Keith Justice and at Keith Hayward on Twitter and Instagram. I think reverse, uh, respectively. And uh, you can find this podcast and more on popgeeks.com. Thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time we geek out. Have a good one. Geek out. Six planets and around 50 hours if you max the side quests. 
There's a million of them. The story progresses through conversations, quests, and fights, all of which affect the path you take. Light or dark side, there's no right way to play. The lure of the dark side is difficult to resist. But be careful. Everything you do affects your force alignment. Did you say there are lots of fights? The combat is turn-based, but it feels real-time. And as you level up, you decide the special feats your character learns. It looks really great, especially considering how much stuff they crammed into it. There's also a big part we can't show you without ruining it. But trust us, you don't want to miss this one. I've never played a game this long. I immediately started playing again. Tsunami gives Knights of the Old Republic for the Xbox 10 out of 10. Impressive. Most impressive.